Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. I am Todd Dandruff with Tell Us. First day of March 2017, we have a number of updates on this show. If you like the topics of the recent shows we've done, then you'll like this show because you're going to find out things that have happened since. If you've ever had the question in your mind, well, then what happened? Or, well, then what's going to happen? You're going to find out tonight we have five updates, five, on different topics we did in the past. Now, if you want to hear a lot of new stuff, I have bad news for you. You are not going to hear that tonight for the most part. There will be some new topics, but uh, we have five old topics and a handful of new ones that we're going to cover here. Last week was a much bigger news week in poker. It's also only been six days since the last show which always cuts off a little bit with how much we have to talk about because we have one fewer day of things to happen. That's why I always like to have at least a week between shows if I can. So we have more things that build up that occur to talk about. When we do a show five days, six days later, sometimes there just isn't that much to say. Though I always find a way to take forever to say it, even if there's not much to say, as you've probably gotten to be familiar with over the years. So, again, welcome. We have a free roll that's going to be starting in 13 minutes at 8.40 p.m. Pacific time. It's a $61 free roll. And the money this week was donated by Starbucks Spunk Bucket, who gave $50, and Texas Fugitive, who gave $11. So thank you to the two of them for our $61 prize pool. It'll be 30 for first, 15 for second. Sorry, 16 for second. Nine for third, six for fourth. So 30, 16, 9, and 6 are the prizes for first through fourth place. And our free roll takes place in the No Fraud Online Poker Room, which you can find on a tab near the top of the screen that says No Fraud Online Poker. Totally free. You don't even need any play chips to enter the free roll. I mean, it is totally free to enter, and you get paid with real cash money. Not some kind of crappy chips on some poker site where you may not be able to cash it out. I will send you money via Bitcoin, cash in, your em- cash in an envelope, though I can't guarantee it'll get there, a bank, ac- a bank account transfer. I'm doing this from memory. That's why I'm kind of stumbling here. I should be reading it, but I, I thought I had this memorized by now. Uh, uh, whatever. You know, other methods that I won't discuss out here, but there's a lot of ways I can pay you. There's a lot of ways I can pay you. A check is another way, but... I have a number of people asking me for checks, and the first thing I ask is, well, is there another way? Because we're living in 2017, even though I I play 80s music and 70s music and even music back to the 50s to start this show, and in some ways I'm old-fashioned. I also enjoy taking advantage of what modern technology has to offer us. In fact, that's how I can do this show. Back in in the 80s, I couldn't be doing this show. You'd need a, a real radio transmitter and an FCC license to transmit in order to do a show like this, uh, you couldn't do it over the internet in the 80s. There was the internet in the 80s, by the way. It's, it's not a 90s invention like a lot of people think. It was actually invented in 1969, but most of you came to know of it in the 90s. Anyway, my point is, in 2017, there's a lot of ways to electronically transfer money. Bitcoin is one. Uh, there's e-wallet services, you know, kind of like PayPal. Those exist. Of course, there's uh, bank accounts that you can transfer money to and from, even if you have accounts at a different bank than I do. I can still transfer you money. 
So if you need a check at this point, I just have to wonder why, 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 why do you need a check at this point? I mean, I'll send it to you. It's an option, but it's a pain in the ass. That's why people who ask for checks sometimes I take a while to send it because it's a pain in the ass. It's a pain in the ass to remember and to sit down and write it out and to put the stamp on the envelope and drop it in a mailbox. It's a pain in the ass. You may say, well, why don't I just leave it in my home mailbox? Well, because I, I got uh, two checks stolen. Not out of my home mailbox, but by the post office. So that was a huge pain in the ass for me. So anything to lessen that chance. I, I never put checks in my home mailbox. But really, I, I'd prefer to send it to you through an electronic means. So I always ask, can I send it another way? Maybe a bank transfer, maybe uh, Bitcoin, maybe some other way. Just the last choice for me is, is a check, but I'll do it. Okay, so the free roll starts at 840. That's in nine minutes. You have 25 minutes to get in there after it starts. So you have till 905 Pacific time to get in there. We have Calwatt tonight as a co-host. I saw him in the chat room. Let me just try to throw him on here if I can. It's always gambling with him too whether we're going to be able to whether he can hear the sound effects that I play on this show. Sometimes he can, sometimes he can't. It's not his fault. It's Skype's fault for being a piece of crap. Because I use Skype to connect to him. Calwatt is not physically here when we do this show. Because he's all the way in upstate New York. Whatever reason, I, I cannot even find him. I don't even see him in the contact list. What is going on tonight? I'm looking up his name. I don't even see it in the contact list. Like, I, I don't get this. I don't see him in the contact list. He must have changed his name. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> I should do these things before the show. I really should. Oh, here he is. I think I found it, but it shows he's offline. I'll try anyway. He said he may be a little bit late tonight, but then I was a little bit late tonight, so. Hopefully we reach him. Otherwise, uh, we'll wait for him to come in. If you want to know the rules for the free roll, you have to know that, actually, if you want to win the free money. If you go to pokerfraudalert.com slash free roll, pokerfraudalert.com slash free roll, all lowercase, you will learn the rules. They have not been updated in a while, but you need to know them. Otherwise, you will not win the money if you do not follow them. Well, here's someone I can throw on here. Trey Daruski, hello. What's happening, Jeff? Yeah, I, I, for some reason, I, I kind of feel... I didn't feel this way when the show was being prepped or when I was playing the song, but as soon as I started, I, I just kind of felt like a little bit out of it here. That's why some people may be finding that I, I seem to be having some confusion. I guess I kind of do, but hopefully this clears because I have a, you know, a number of hours to talk tonight. But thank you for joining me here. You can help me with clarity. I'm not on any drugs, don't worry. And uh, hopefully we'll reach Calwatt at some point. He may be busy with something else, but he said he'll be here tonight, and he's been here just about every week. So I appreciate that. And Trader Ruski, you are pretty reliable too with with being here as a additional co-host and and also sometimes uh, contributing money to the free roll. So I thank you for that. You got it. Yeah, I was listen. I did listen to the recording of last week when Kawat was trying to get me to t- to tap in. And yeah, <laughs> I was. You were gone. Yeah, I was. I was done by then. Now I actually got a message from someone who listens to the show regularly. He says, "I like the end of the show when everybody falls asleep and it's just you." I said, "Okay, well, that's a, I guess there's something for everyone. I prefer it 
when there's co-hosts, and I know most listeners prefer when there's a co-host with me. Uh, I, I can do the show by myself, and I have, and if, if it's necessary, I will, but it's always nicer to have a co-host. And at the same time, if the co-host cannot be here the entire five, six hours we do this show, especially since we go late into the night, that's understandable. So if they want to drop out or involuntarily drop out because they fall asleep, that's fine, too. I, I think we're the only show, I know we're for sure the only poker show, but I, I don't even know how many other shows there are out there where the, where the co-hosts actually fall asleep. On a regular basis, do you think that's very common? I think we're I think we're uh, breaking new ground in that area. Yeah, I, I just thought about it. I was like, I I don't listen to that many other shows, but I can't think of other shows where just you have co-hosts who just fall asleep during it. And you just hang up on them. Like I can see once in a while, but this is like a regular feature of the show where where one or both co-hosts fall asleep before the end of the show. So that that's I think where we are unique, or at least pretty damn close to unique. If you want to chat in the chat room, you can if you're listening live. Otherwise, there's nobody there. You're welcome to go in and talk with yourself if it's not live, but it's not going to be very fun. Click the chat button near the top of the screen. You need a flash-enabled device, and you need a Poker Fraud Alert forum account in good standing. The, the Russians were trying to attack today, by the way. They're, tr- they're trying to break into this forum. Uh, these are different Russians than before. The other Russians were just trying to spam. The, the, the new Russians that are attacking are trying to break into the forum, though... From what I could see today, they were unsuccessful. They tried, and I believe they uh, they hit a brick wall. So, I think we are safe at the moment from the Russian threat. Unlike last time, where it uh, messed up the server pretty badly. So, if you want to call into the show, same phone numbers as always: seven seven five fraud fifty five seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. You can also call the Mount Charleston line. Mount Charleston is. A mountain near Las Vegas. It takes about 45 minutes to drive there. In the winter, it has snow. In the summer, it's in the 70s there when the Vegas heat pushes it well over 110 on many days during the summer. It's a good place to go away and just escape the Vegas heat during the World Series. But I have an old rotary 1970s phone up there that forwards to wherever I go. It can't be texted. You can't text an old rotary phone, but you can call it. 702-430-1808. 702-430-1808 is that phone number, and it will reach me wherever I am, and it's a separate line into the show. So if the main line is having trouble, then just call the Mount Charleston line, and you'll probably have luck getting through. But if I don't answer the phone, don't get mad. We have some people recently who've gotten insulted that I'm not taking their call. They, they think that I'm avoiding them. They think that... I am uh, purposely not allowing them on the radio. It's not that. It's just sometimes calls come in at inconvenient times. And I can't win with this. If I if I take calls as they come in, then the audience complains that topics get interrupted, especially good topics, and, and they're frustrated that we jump all over the place. If I don't take the calls, I get accused that I'm avoiding people. So I, there's no way to win here. But I, I will avoid the call no matter who you are. If we're in the middle of a topic where we don't feel like taking calls, I will try to say a few times during the show you can call in. Otherwise, just just call, especially if it's kind of near the end of a topic or in between topics, then I'll probably take your call. Always welcome new callers if you want to call in and say something. You don't even have to say that much. Just I always like hearing from new people. And I want to put this out here again. There's a number of people who listen to this show. We have an audience of about 1,500 people. And I'm being honest here. You know, I, I, I could exaggerate and say we have 10,000 people listening, but we don't. I, I could... Uh, 
sell myself short and say we only have about 300, but that wouldn't be true either. We have about 1,500 approximately per week. And I say approximately because there's so many different platforms that listen to the show, only some of which I can monitor. Like there's, there's third-party sites that download our content and redistribute it on their website. I, I've considered threatening to sue these sites and tell them to take it down. And I said, you know, why am I doing that? I, sh- I shouldn't do that because I actually like the exposure. I like when new people find this site. Uh, for example, Rounders Radio. Uh, they distribute this show. I don't give them permission to, but they do it. But I haven't told them to stop because we've had a few people who've contacted me and say, hey, this is where I found the show on Rounders Radio. So, okay, fine. You want to listen on Rounders Radio? You can. But if you're listening through some third-party website, the place to find this show is on PokerFraudAlert.com. You can also listen in iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn. These are all different apps on your smartphone. Google Play. You can download the MP3 file directly off of PokerFraudAlert.com. And iPhones can just play that directly without any kind of trouble. So these are all options to listen. And... There's one feature that I don't want to forget to mention. That's the call to listen line. That's the number you can call during the live show and listen to me live. And it doesn't require a smartphone. It doesn't require the internet. It doesn't require a data plan. If you have a data plan, it won't cost you even one byte of your data. And you don't need a computer. All you need is any phone in the world that can dial. That phone number is 712-775-8162. 712-775-8162. Please keep in mind... That's not a call-in number to the show. It's just to listen to the show. When the show's not running live, if you call that number, you will hear a streaming rerun of one of our more than 220 shows we have done in the five-year history of this site. The, it'll pick one randomly, run it as if it's live, and then when that's done, it'll run a new one. Or not a new one, it'll run another old one that's uh, also picked randomly. Speaking of the five-year history, speaking of the five-year history, tomorrow is the five-year anniversary of PokerFraudAlert.com. It is. Five years. This site has been up. We haven't done the radio show for a full five years. We started in, I believe, in April of 2012. But the site went up on March 2nd, 2012. And tomorrow, in fact, it'll be today in some time zones. But it went up uh, in the Pacific time zone, March 2nd. So that's when it went up. The forum went up on that date. And then the radio show followed. I didn't know if it would last for five years. I didn't know if this would be something that would even last for five weeks or five months. And the reason was that I left another site, which I had been part of. And I had left six months prior to that. And I wasn't sure if starting up my own site would attract any of those people or if it would even attract new people that were not on the other site. I, w- I was not sure if anyone would, w- would care to be on a forum that I ran, especially since they already had one they were using, the people who had been interacting with me over the past several years. So I started it, and I started it with the honest belief that I would close it down if it was not successful, I was not going to run a fail site for very long. So when I said it may not have lasted five weeks, I'm serious. If five weeks had passed and it was a fail site, it was a ghost town, I was going to give up. I was not going to run an embarrassing site that nobody wanted to use. Uh, at the same time, I wasn't expecting it to be something huge. I wasn't expecting it to take over for 2 plus 2 or anything like that. I, I kind of expected that it would 
you know, I was hoping it, it would get approximately the activity that the previous site I, I was involved with had, and then kind of stay around there. Yeah, if it grew, great, but I, I wasn't expecting that. I would be happy if it just uh, kind of maintained. And that's about what it's done, to be honest. It's, uh, it's got about the same activity level now as it did in 2012. So that's not bad considering the fact that poker has lost popularity since then. The interest in poker forums has declined. If you read 2 plus 2, it's far less active than it was five years ago. So the fact that we've maintained about the same activity level, I think, is pretty good. And uh, I want to thank the forum posters, the regular forum posters who contribute. I want to thank the the radio show listeners who listen regularly or irregularly, just whoever wants to listen or post. I thank you guys because you guys are the ones who are the reason this site's still up. Because if nobody wanted to listen to this show... And if nobody wanted to post on the forum, it would go down. I wouldn't force the matter, and I wouldn't be spending money to try to get people over here. Uh, I decided it's going up. I'm not spending any money on marketing. I'm I'm too Jewish to do that. And uh, at the same time, I said, I'm not going to be a greedy Jew and try to get money out of this site. I'm not going to squeeze this site to monetize it in in every way I can. In fact, it's been the reverse. I've barely monetized it at all, and when I have, it's been... A very subtle monetization that has helped pay some of the bills, but the site has lost money, and that's because I haven't attempted to make money with it. But it's been here for five years, uh, as of tomorrow, and hey, it could be here another five years, it could be here another ten years. I I don't know how long it's going to be here. It'll be here as long as I feel like running it. That's the answer. If I don't find it fun anymore, if I start to find it's a burden, if I find it's something that's more trouble than it's worth, yeah, then I'll probably take it down. If it dies, if it just the activity falls apart, I'll take it down. Uh, it's possible at some point the forum will go down if that dies, if and the radio show if that's still lively as far as the audience is concerned, then I'll I'll just broadcast that. I have no plans to do that. I hope both stay. Uh, it's even possible the reverse could happen. Maybe people lose interest in the radio show, and the forum will keep on. But I I, I think that it's probably likely the whole thing either stays up or goes down. But the good news for those of you that like Poker Fraud Alert is that it's not going anywhere. And I, I'm fine with keeping it the way it is. Maybe sometime in the future I'll try to monetize it a bit more. I can't promise that I, I, I won't try to you know, get some money out of this thing. But I'm, I'm never going to turn it into just a, a tool to make me money. It's, it's always going to be pure in its objective. And that is to provide a place for people to come out and speak their minds, and call out organizations or people who rip them off, or just to come out there and say what's on your mind, even if it has nothing to do with poker. We have the Flying Stupidity Forum for that. And for this radio show to be a place where we talk about this sort of thing every week, it's mainly scams and scandals and uh, gambling and poker, but also just general gambling and poker news, and also use some general topics... And where anyone's welcome, where anyone can come on, provided that they treat the show respectfully, meaning you can't shout over me, constantly interrupt me, uh, things like that. you got, you got to be sober, which is tough for a lot of the callers in here. But at the same time, I, I'm going to let anybody come on here, provided they do that, provided they approach the show respectfully and uh, speak their minds, even if it's to criticize me, even if it's to criticize the site. Uh, and, of course, anyone who's ever 
discussed in a negative fashion on here is always welcome to come out and give a rebuttal. They're even welcome to write a rebuttal, and I'll read it on air. I want to be fair to everybody. And I, I want people to look to this site and look to me as someone who's always going to be fair to them and someone who they can always go to to publicize something that is not fair or at least allow you to publicize it. I I don't always like taking up for people's causes, personal causes, because sometimes there are two sides to the story and I only hear one and then I, I end up taking up for someone that, uh, you know, taking their word for it and I look like a fool. But I'm, I'll always give you the opportunity to come out and state whatever's happening in your own words. And there's not going to be censorship and there's not going to be sponsors that bribe me to not let you speak your mind about them. And there's not going to be people in poker that influence me to cover up the truth about them. This show kind of is the outsiders of poker show. I, I purposely don't make a lot of friends in poker. I could. I've had opportunities. I've had a lot of opportunities to, to make friends with the, the, quote, cool kids in poker. I've had a lot of times where people try to bring me into that fold. Invite me to parties, invite me to, you know, get to know certain players that I don't know that well, but I've heard of, and, you know, are big names of the day. And, and I, I don't really show much interest in it, because I, I, I'm not really interested in that. The, to me, poker isn't like a high school popularity contest. It's, it's a game which you play for fun, or to make money, or both. And unfortunately, there's scams and problems that come from it, and drama that comes from it, and I do find it interesting and entertaining and also informative and useful to cover these topics. But but I don't feel like I have to be part of any kind of crowd or befriend the, the biggest name players or the, the cool players of the day. I, I don't find a need to do that. And I'm not, I'm not being bitter here like, oh, these people want nothing to do with me, so I'm just saying, no, I don't want it. It's not like that. I, I really I enjoy being one of the outsiders of poker who can always be objective. Because when you start making a lot of close friends who then you have to talk about, it becomes hard. And I have to say, if I had close friends that were part of a scandal, it would be hard for me to come out here and be objective about it. So it's better. It's better to have an outsider's perspective, and I do that on purpose. And I've, uh, I, I've always kept my distance from most people in poker. There's been a few people that I've gotten to know over the years that I became good friends with. Some I became... You know, kind of moderate friends with, but uh, you know, to be honest, I actually prefer being friendly with the unknowns of poker rather than the big-name cool kids of poker. I, th- those people seem a lot more down-to-earth and uh, a lot more normal, to be honest. So I, I always want this site to be pure in its mission, and I want this site and this show to be a place that you feel fairness will always take place. And that's, uh, that's the most important thing to me here. And it's not just BS I'm saying to sound good. That, that's why I started this. I, I wasn't sure if I was going to start another site. I had a bad experience on the other site that I was part of. It, it ended terribly, some of you remember. So I'm not going to rehash all that again. You guys have probably heard the story in pieces over the years, but it, it was unpleasant. I said I may be just done with poker forums forever. I wrote a blog for about six months, you know, here and there, and that I was kind of thinking I'm just going to stick to that. When I got something to say, it I'll, I'll put it on the blog. There's no way to comment on the blog. I had all that turned off, and uh, this way I can put out my opinion, and and uh, I didn't have to worry about uh, drama or trolls. But after about six months, I said, well, you know, I, I, I kind of miss it. And a lot of people asked me to put a site up. A lot of people asked me to start a show. A lot of people said they missed my presence 
in the community. So I gave it a shot. And here we are five years later. And poker looks pretty different now than it did five years ago. Unfortunately, it doesn't look different in a good way. I was hoping, you know, at that point, Black Friday had occurred. I was hoping five years from then we'd, we'd have legalized online poker in the whole U.S. We don't. We're not even close. But that's the way it is. And there's still plenty of interest in poker stories, in, in gambling stories, in Las Vegas stories. So we're going to continue. And I, I'm very grateful to those who have contributed to Poker Fraud Alert in various ways. It's kind of sounded like an Oscar speech here. But I'm grateful to Trader Ruski. In fact, he was right there at the beginning to uh, assist with uh, starting the site. He even gave me some space on his server, and then uh, Poker Fraud Alert was crashing his server, so I had to get off. But <laughs> uh, I went and got my own server. But I, I appreciated that. I appreciated his help with, with the hats and uh, the, all the times he's uh, donated to the free roll and, and the times he's co-hosted. He's, he's, uh, Trader Risky's a great guy, very generous with his time and, and money. And uh, Calwatt, he has been uh, a great co-host, and I've really enjoyed having him on here. And even past hosts we've had. Uh, Daredevil, he did a great job out here, and people really liked him. Uh, vowels when she was here a lot of people missed those days they missed having the the female co-host here and i thought she did a good job and she had a great voice for radio so it's kind of too bad we lost her but i appreciate the time we had with her and uh and, and everybody else that has been a co-host on this show i know we've had a lot of different guest co-hosts over time but uh i appreciate appreciate everybody who's volunteered their time to do it and those that have donated to the free roll, I mean, C-Money has given so much. SMI Florida has given so much. Uh, Belly Buster, who also runs the No Fraud Online Poker Room, has been very generous. Uh, Simp Dog, he's been very generous. We, we have, we have. I'm sorry if I'm forgetting you, I didn't really prepare this whole thing. But uh, a lot of people who have been very generous regarding the free roll. And it's great, because I don't have to reach into my Jew wallet and sponsor it. <laughs> it's great. Uh, the the listeners to the show give money to the free roll. In fact, many times people will win the free roll or win some money in it and just give it right back to future weeks, which I'm not expecting anyone to do. You're welcome to collect every penny, but uh, that's very generous. You know, no matter what way you give it, if the money's yours and you give it to the free roll, that's great. So yeah, I just wanted to. Uh oh, what? What is going on? That was the Oscar playoff music draft. <laughs> that would have happened long ago. <laughs> I, th- I thought maybe some some uh, window I had open in the background, like CNN playing some thing out of nowhere. Don't you hate when you have a web page open and it just it plays? Uh, it's the worst. It just you've been sitting there for hours and then you, you just hear something blasting. And sometimes at the worst time, you're you're somewhere that it's very quiet and it distracts everyone or. Uh, people are sleeping around you. It, it's so frustrating when that happens. So I, that's what I thought happened. But okay, let's look at the chat room here. I, I'm almost afraid to see. I'm afraid they're going to tell me I'm being too long-winded to shut up with the with the thanks. Uh, Lou Father is saying the sound is getting worse. You can hear the white noise. Yeah, I think the white noise is actually uh, Trader Ruski's in. Let me see. Let me see. Is, is this better, folks? First, I'm going to turn him down a little bit, but but yeah, I, I think I think Trader Ruski has had a little white noise on his end. 
Well, I do normally mute my phone when I'm not talking. Okay, okay. Um, and I, I can keep it on and then try to turn it off. I am going to have to get in my car and go into my garage. So I might get cut off and have to call back in. Oh, no problem. But, uh, yeah, you can do that. Heads up when that happens. Yeah, so if someone's asking, uh, someone's saying in the chat, Druff and Drexel show was a failure. That's not true. It, first of all, the Druff and Drexel show was kind of on and off throughout the five years. We'd have it, then we'd go away for a while, and we'd uh, it'd just go to the Druff and Friends or something else for a while. And, and then he'd come back, and, and we'd restore it as the Druff and Drexel show. It wasn't a failure. It was not consistent in that uh, when Brandon would come, it would never last all that long till he'd be gone again. But the, that's always been something with Brandon. And I've appreciated very much everything that Brandon has done for this site and uh, you know if he does more in the future that's great if he doesn't that's up to him too he's never owned even one percent of the site he, he owns nothing he gets paid nothing so there's no expectation there's no expectation I, I don't get mad when he says I'm taking a break or I don't feel like doing it for a while because he has no responsibility to do it it's just something he did because he enjoyed it and he wanted to volunteer his time and that's how I feel about all the co-hosts. Nobody's expected to do anything. The only person expected to do anything is me. So, uh, but, it, but it was not a failure. In fact, uh, the shows where Brandon was here were very popular, and people really enjoyed them. And when, when he comes back, that will be, uh, if he comes back, that'll be great. He, you know, sometimes he just calls in, and he's here. And uh, So John Samos, who I've met before, he says, Jeff, long-time listener here. Keep up the good work, my man. Fuck the haters. I don't think there's that many haters, actually. <laughs> there's some, but not that many. And some of them really do like the show. Some of them just want to be critical. They just want to get their opinions out. And I've I've done this before, too. Of shows I've liked, I, I've sometimes gone on their Facebook or whatever, wherever they have a place you can give feedback. And I'll just say, oh, today sucked, or all oh, this segment's boring. Like I, I have all these negative things to say. But then... I really want to listen, and it's not even like I'm listening because I don't like it. I, I listen because I do like it. I just have certain parts of it I don't like, and then I'm vocal about it, hoping it'll improve it. So I understand there's, there's listeners to this show who feel the same way, that they criticize things, uh, but, but not because they want to be mean or nasty, but because they want to make it better. But even if you're listening because you don't like it or you don't like me, that's fine. The only thing I ask is that you don't you know, try to harass me or make my life miserable or, or try to just send me messages, you know, send me troll text messages to get me angry or frustrated or depressed. You know, don't do that. But if you just don't like me and want to listen anyway, that's fine. If you want to make negative comments about the show, that's fine. In fact, sometimes the negative comments are very helpful because I'll realize I'm doing something that isn't very good. And I'll, I'll think about it and go, you know what? They're right. I've had that in poker before, where I, I make a play that someone mocks, and then I think about it and go, you know what? They're right. That is a bad play. I shouldn't do that again. And I learn from it. I At first, I'm insulted. At first, I want to say, you know, defend it and talk back to them. And then I think, wait a minute. Maybe they're right. Maybe I can use this to improve. John Stamos said, I like getting shout-outs from Druff on the radio because he always mentions he met me and usually calls me nice, attractive, smelled good, etc. I, I don't want to say he's attractive. People start thinking I have a gay crush on him or something. He, he was a good-looking guy, I'll say that. So, like, you know, if, if I was out trying to meet girls if I was single, like, I, I probably wouldn't want to bring John Stamos with me because I'd be afraid maybe the girls would ignore me for him. So that's, uh, it, it's, it's better to bring ugly guys with me, so, uh. I know that won't happen. Anyway, uh, John Stamos, uh, he's not single and I'm not either, so that won't ever happen. 
Anyway, we're going to get going here. I didn't expect this long diatribe about the five-year anniversary, but it is in a few hours, so I wanted to mention it. Here is the agenda. And by the way, that doesn't count as part of the agenda, the five-year thing. So don't, don't even tell me the agenda is taking an hour, because that was a real segment. So we have five updates. Here's the five updates. Update number one, Jason Mercier responds to Fernando Rosas, who complained that Mercier was accusing him of cheating in open-faced Chinese on the app called Pineapple. So there is more back and forth between them. Update number two, Lyman, who we talked about getting fired. Well, he's still kind of fired, but he returned to Twitter. And someone told him to go listen to Poker Fraud Alert to hear that Hanson kid talking about him, Bart Hanson. And Lyman refused. We'll talk about Lyman's return to Twitter and why I think that has happened. Update number three, Christian Lusardi, the Borgata chip counterfeiter. We've talked about him a lot on this show. It has come out that a weird incident occurred in 2010 involving a fake gun. Yes, he had a fake gun in the Borgata. Update number four. The Fantasy Aces daily fantasy sports site that is now defunct because it went broke. They have admitted that they stole player funds. Update number five. I'm going to tell you what's happening with my claim and attempt to get justice against that medical provider that scammed me a few weeks ago. Sadly, it is not a very good update. We will also make a prank call tonight. There's a phone number with, quote, offers that Mumbles badly posted on the forum, so I'm going to give it a shot. He said it's a weird number, a lot of offers you can try to redeem there, so I'm going to try to redeem some offers tonight. I've never called it before. I'm going to hear it the first time. I think it's better when I hear these things for the first time along with you. So my reaction is genuine. I hate when I've heard something before and I have to pretend like it's a new thing to me. Natasha Mercier, Jason Mercier's wife. Her name used to be Natasha Barbour. She defend the GPI, the Global Poker Index. Remember they had their awards last week that we played and heckled and we even tried to interrupt the show with a phony uh, lost cell phone by Colonel Nigel Fabersham and have the guard interrupt the whole thing. It didn't really work, but... (laughs) We tried, and they they had that terrible video broadcast that looked like it was from a cell phone, which is why we did it in the first place, to see if that cell phone would be picked up. Uh, So so anyway, that that prank failed, but Natasha Mercier tweeted a defense of the Female Poker Player of the Year Award, saying that that's fine. She has no problem with it as a female. And others felt differently on Twitter. A big argument broke out. You might be able to guess one of the females who didn't agree with her. Dan Bilzerian and Bill Perkins, remember they were sharing an account on America's Card Room very blatantly on Twitch? Well, America's Card Room surprisingly took action and closed the account. We'll talk about what happened there. A new supposedly legal online poker site has opened that faces uh, the U.S. called Global Poker. They claim you can play it legally and even cash out through PayPal, of all things. I think it's going to be the newest fail site. Something that will never get off the ground and they'll probably cheat you. That's just my guess. I have no evidence, but uh, I'm going to tell you all the problems that I see with global poker. There's several of them. The Hard Rock in Las Vegas has closed their poker room. 
Scott from the East Coast was asking, where's the Iceman going to play now? He's probably banned everywhere else, which might be true. He was playing at the Hard Rock. Anyway, they, they're closing their poker room, and you may think, okay, well, yeah, there's plenty of others, right? Well, there kind of are, but 29 poker rooms have closed in Las Vegas in the last few years. 29 of them. I will name them all. You may be surprised of which poker rooms no longer exist in Las Vegas. This is in Vegas alone, not not Nevada, not the United States, not the world, but just Las Vegas. 29 poker rooms have closed in the last few years. Speaking of Las Vegas, two other topics. The average daily room rate in Las Vegas has reached an all-time high. We'll talk about that and why that is. Finally, understand what you're playing in Vegas and how to play it before you play it. It sounds simple, but a lot of gamblers don't do it. I'm sure a lot of you who listen to this show don't do it. You may think that you understand what you're playing, but in many cases you don't. If you don't believe yourself to be an expert at the game you're playing in Vegas, then you are giving them extra money. Unless it's slots. and slots, it's, uh, for the most part, just all luck. But other than that, any kind of game with any kind of skill to it in Vegas, which includes things like blackjack... Uh, video poker, anything like that. Craps, you, you have to fully understand what you're betting on. And you have to understand the different odds, the different uh, variants of the game, the good games, the bad games. If you don't do that, you're giving Vegas free money. So we'll talk about that. And if we have time, I'll talk a bit about the Trump speech that many are talking about that was pretty damn well received. I'll give you my feelings on it probably at the end of the show. So those are our topics tonight. It is pretty late already. It's already 9.03 p.m. You have two more minutes to get into that free roll under late registration. Otherwise, you will be shut out and you'll have to play next week. Speaking of next week, speaking of next week, we may or may not have a show next week. Um... Wednesday, it's definitely not going to take place. There will definitely be no show on Wednesday. I cannot make Wednesday. It might take place on Tuesday. It might take place on Thursday. Maybe even Friday. I also may skip it. We'll see how it goes. But go to twitter.com slash pokerfraudalert. Twitter.com slash pokerfraudalert for updates on next week's show. It will not be on Wednesday, March 8th. It will not be that. I can promise you that one. But Tuesday, Thursday, or even Friday are all possible. We will see. I just have uh, I have things to do on Wednesday night, so there's no way I can do it Wednesday night. But I'm I'm trying to see if I can make time on Thursday or Tuesday to do it. That's that's what I'm shooting for. I don't like missing weeks. We've been pretty good recently. I know. At some point last year, we were missing a number of shows, and some of you were very disappointed. But uh, as you've seen, for, for quite some time, it's been very regular. Even during the, the, the holiday season, we were reliably having a show every single week. So if, if it has to miss, it has to miss, but I'm going to try my best to prevent that. Okay. So we're going to get going. Trader Risk, you still here? I'm here. Okay. Now tell me if you can hear this sound. Zero point Zero. Did you hear that? Uh, if you're playing a silent clip, then I heard it. Ah, uh, jeez. Okay. Well, uh, 
we're not going to worry about this for now. There's nothing I have to play that's essential, but yeah. <laughs> I hate when Skype does this. I, I hope that Skype eventually uh, eventually fixes this problem, because it is a problem with their software, and there's nothing I can do about it. I, I could go to the old one. We'll stick to the new one here. So, so uh, Trader Risky, you said you you uh, you have you told me you sent me a message. Here you want to uh, talk about something yourself? Yeah, I mean, I just did, I want to advertise something <clears throat> without you're okay. But there is a one draw. I work with this company called Charity Buzz. That's a client of mine. They are having a one drop online mm-hmm. auction for different prizes, several of which are poker related. And if you go to charitybuzz.com and search for one drop, um, there are some opportunities to bid for some things. And yeah, anyway, is this the same uh, one drop as as what does the World Series? It is, and they're having a banquet tomorrow night in Vegas. I'm not sure what that's all about, um, but they do have prizes up on the site, and you you know you can have experiences like coaching from Daniel Negreanu. Mm. It also includes a weekend at the Choice Center. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, paintings, some other things. You know, I, I have to say the, the the weekend at the Choice Center, I, I wouldn't take even for free. But but the uh, coaching with Daniel Negreanu, I think, would be interesting because Daniel Negreanu is uh, he's very good with his fans, and uh, he's someone who I, I believe not only would probably be a good coach, he could probably explain things to you very well that you'd understand as as a casual player, uh, or even as a, as, a, as a better than a casual player. But uh, but he's also someone who. Uh, is very engaging with his fans. He never acts like you're putting him out to, uh, you know, if, if you want his autograph, if you want to take a picture with him. He's very, very nice to his fans. So I, I could see that would probably, be, coaching from him would probably be a nice experience for, especially for a fan of poker. So I'm uh, being honest about that. So, so yeah, it's, uh, you said it's charitybuzz.com? Yeah, and then if you search for one drop, um, you can check that out. And they've got some other cool things. We're doing an auction for. Uh, one of my companies there over the summer, but I'm not gonna. I, this was poker related, so I thought I'd, you know. Yeah. Okay. Give them a give them a shout out. No, you know what? I, I actually just discussed with with, with uh, Calwatt a few days ago that I, I said to him, and I say it to you too. Anything that you guys want to advertise on here or just promote, even if it's not directly yours, just something you want you want to draw attention to, uh, you're welcome to. That's just. Something you know, I don't pay you guys to co-host the show, but uh, that's something that you're welcome to do. Nobody has to buy. You know, you guys don't. I shouldn't say nobody, but you guys don't have to buy advertising time on here because of uh, all that you contribute here. So I, I say that to Calwatt. I'll say this to YouTube. Anything you want to put out here like that, or if you have a, a, a company or product you want to advertise, you can also do that. And uh, I'm not going to ask anyone to pay me. So anyway, let's let's get started here. Jason Mercier, and we don't really have a big topic this week, so we're just going to just go into the updates here. Here's update number one to previous topics we've done on the show. You might remember that last week we brought out the topic of Fernando Rosas. Fernando Rosas came out and posted that he was unhappy that Jason Mercier had been accusing him of cheating on the open fa- open face Chinese app called Pineapple, where he played a lot of people for real money. Uh, these open face Chinese apps are not gambling apps. They are not apps made for real money. There's no way to deposit or withdraw to or from them. Uh, it's something that's supposed to be for fun. And, of course, poker players bet on it on the side. So 
since these are the only real ways to play online poker or sorry open face Chinese over the internet uh, you know, at least for US players they people would use these apps that weren't really designed for it so you can imagine what the problem is with that it's something that's not designed to be secure for real money play you you can have the problem where there's either cheating or there's suspicion of cheating to where you know someone loses a whole lot and they say hey I wonder if I'm being cheated so either they are being cheated or they think they might be a victim of cheating, even if they're not. And there's no way to know. So I don't recommend playing on these apps unless it's someone you know and trust very, very much. That If it's someone you're playing that you know would absolutely never rip you off, not just you think they wouldn't, if you know they wouldn't for sure, then fine, play them. Otherwise, don't, because you never know. You never know if they... And don't say, oh, this person knows nothing about computers. They couldn't hack anything. Might be true, but they might have a friend who does. So there's people playing for a lot of money on these apps, which I think is foolish. So this Fernando Rosas was uh, an unknown player who showed up on the app and started challenging everyone and, in fact, was very aggressive with trying to get people to play him, including the best players on the app, and was giving... uh, In fact, even awarding 10% finder's fees... To, to anyone who found him new opponents. Finder's fees being like whatever he won off the people they found, he would give that person 10%, which is surprising that anyone could do that and still be profitable in open face Chinese. So people played Fernando because he was an unknown. They assumed, you know, the, the, the better players on the app figured that they can beat any unknown. But Fernando was crushing everyone. So it doesn't take a genius to suspect that perhaps Fernando, especially being someone who didn't have a history in poker and people couldn't explain how he just became so good at open face out of nowhere. It was suspected that he might be cheating, but it was especially suspected when he played live against Natasha Mercier, formerly Natasha Barbour, Jason Mercier's wife. He played live against her and he didn't seem to know what he was doing. He seemed very confused. And Natasha went and told Jason that she thinks that his dominance on the app is because of some sort of bot or some sort of way he's cheating. And that the reason for that is that uh, he seems very confused when he's playing live. So Fernando's response... Well, so he did nothing... No response happened for a while. Jason was not announcing this publicly. Jason was going privately to friends and close acquaintances of his and warning them not to play Fernando and also eventually warning them not to play Jacqueline Moscow. Yes, the same Jacqueline Moscow who was uh, involved in that uh, Nolan Dalla scandal last year where she accused him of motorboating her. Uh, Jacqueline Moscow is a friend of Fernando's and she also was doing pretty well on the app and rapidly went up in limits. So she was accused of also cheating. By Jason, but privately. Jason was not announcing this anywhere. He wasn't posting it anywhere. But the problem is, Jason knows a lot of people, so word got around and the action really started to dry up for both Fernando and Jacqueline. Now, we talked about this last week, and I even read you Fernando's post. I'm not going to read it again. Well, uh, Jason responded. Jason responded to what Fernando posted. Basically, what Fernando said, I'm going to just quickly give you a summary. He said the reason he was so confused live is that the app does so many things for you on its own that live you have to do yourself, and he wasn't used to it. Uh, and second, that 
you know, he just isn't really a live player, and just you know, to him it was it was a, a learning curve, even though he knew the game well. Uh, as far as the mechanics of playing, all the things you have to keep track of that the app helps you with, it was, it was just he felt like a fish out of water, and that's that's why he seemed almost like a different person playing live. Which you may think sounds like a dumb excuse, but it's believable. It's believable. I've actually seen it in other forms of poker, more traditional forms of poker like Texas Hold'em, where very very good online players show up live, and and there's a lot of tells they give off, and they look very uncomfortable because they just aren't used to it. So that part I thought was reasonable for Fernando to say, but I'm not saying I believed that Fernando was on the up and up. There were a number of suspicious things there. So that was raging on. It had just happened last week when we brought it up on the show. There's an update to it, and I'm, I'm going to give that to you right now. It's a very interesting story to me because th- this is one where there's no answer. Usually when I talk about a scam or scandal in poker, it's pretty clear who the hero is and who the villain is, or who the villain is and who the victim is. There's often not a hero, it's often just a victim, but it's pretty clear who the bad guy is, usually. In this case, it's not. In this case, I don't know. In this case, I could believe it either way. I could believe that Fernando is just an unknown player who got good at it and is now unfairly being accused of cheating and his actions basically being shut out by a very influential person in poker, in Jason Mercier. Or it could be that, yes, he is cheating, and that Jason was correct to call him out to, to his friends. And that uh, Fernando is engaging in a last-ditch attempt to, to try to combat that. So it could be either one. I really see on both sides how it could be happening either way. Or even that Fernando isn't cheating, but Jason is very justified in thinking he is. That's possible, too. I'm not even... Uh, saying that if Jason is wrong, that, that it means that he shouldn't have been doing what he's been doing. Sometimes the appearance of something and calling that out is correct, even if it turns out that you were wrong in the first place. I'll give you an example that has nothing to do with poker. Um, let's say I, I lived in an apartment and I, I heard a neighbor, who I didn't really know, but I, I heard a neighbor who was... Uh, beating his wife um, and, and, and say when I, I call the police but since I, you know, I, I'm not a party to it I can't find out what happened so I call the police and I, of course I can't find out the results of it so then a, a girl I know is considering dating this guy who I heard beating his wife you know, maybe he and his wife get a divorce or whatever and then uh, a girl I know is considering dating him that it just happens to know him and happens to know me too of course I would mention to this girl what I heard. But what if it turned out that what I thought I was hearing was uh, rehearsing for a play or, or the TV or something like that, where the guy actually never touched his wife, never beat her once? Would I have been wrong to warn the girl that I, I thought I had heard that? No, because I'd be doing it for her safety. Even if it turns out that it was a false accusation, I'd be doing this because uh, I'm just trying to warn a friend who I care about, not to uh, get into that situation. Now, if I were to create a website, or even post on my own website, such and such person is a wife beater, and it turned out I was wrong, he could actually sue me, and perhaps win. He, he could sue me for libel. But but telling someone, telling a close friend of yours, hey, stay away from this person, I thought I heard them beating their wife, uh, there's nothing wrong with that, even if it turns out that I was incorrect and it just sounded like it. 
So that's that's an example. This has never happened in real life, by the way, but that's an example where sometimes it's correct to warn your friends about something, even if it you don't have 100% proof. So here's what Jason Mercier said. The, he, he said this on uh, February 24th. He said this uh, really just... Uh, I guess I hadn't seen this when we when we did the last uh, last show. Oh no, no, I guess I guess the last show. I forgot that February is only twenty eight days. I was, I was thinking back, like, isn't that more than a week ago? But it's not. Forgot we only have twenty eight days in February. The twenty fourth is only five days ago. Because today, today would normally be February twenty ninth on a leap year. Anyway, five days ago, this is what Jason Mercier posted. Fernando. It's extremely odd to me that you decide to post what you heard from people that I've allegedly said about you instead of you asking me or Natasha about this, quote, rumor that we are spreading. If you've known about this for five months, as you say, why wouldn't you approach me? Before we continue, I'm going to approach someone else. I'm going to approach someone else for their opinion on this. And I kicked everybody off. That's great. Let's try again. (laughs) What is wrong with me tonight? Actually, this wasn't this was not my fault. Calwat, hello. 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 Yeah, I was trying to add you, and somehow it just it just wiped you off here. So I'm going to try to add Trader Ruski now. So see if we can put him back on. Okay. Uh, no. Okay. Well, whatever. Trader Ruski, there. Yep. That's weird. I don't even see you though. That's really weird. I see him. Skype is actually- What's up, Calwat? Going on, Trader Ruski. This is so weird. I, don't, I, I, honestly, I honestly don't see him. Well, that's fine. I don't care if I see him or not, but I can hear him. So uh, anyway, uh, are you familiar, how familiar are you with this story, aside from what we talked about last week, Calwatt? Have you followed the updates on this? With uh, I, haven't, I haven't followed anything. I've been buried. Okay, okay, that's fine. But you'll, you'll hear it uh, as I'm reading this out loud, the uh, Jason Mercier uh, response to F- Fernando. Fernando. This is it. so he was saying. It's extremely odd to me that you decide to post what you've heard from people that I've allegedly said about you instead of asking me or Natasha about this quote rumor that we're spreading. If you've known about this for five months, as you say, why wouldn't you approach me? And yeah, I, I forgot to mention that too that this has been going on for several months. In fact, I even heard about this before it, it broke out to the internet last week. So, so that's what Jason's saying is of all things here. Why don't you come to me first? Why, why, why post on the internet that I'm accusing you of cheating? Why, why not come to me first if the accusation's wrong, he's saying. Which is a good point. He goes on to say, This will likely be my one and only post about this subject. By the way, it wasn't. I don't have the time nor the energy to deal with this nonsense. I'm so tired of people calling themselves out and involving me. <laughs> yeah, and, and Druff, whenever someone on the internet says this is the last post I'm going to make about something... Never is. Yeah, yeah. Never, ever. I, I thought, Never. Yeah, and I, th- I thought that was, you know, given that Jason really was, and you'll hear in this response, he really was telling people that he felt that Fernando was cheating. Uh, I, I do think it's kind of crappy to say this is my only post on the subject. It'd be one thing if he was totally falsely accused of doing it. It's like, hey, I have nothing to do with this. Leave me alone. If you've actually been doing it, then I think you do owe the public a few posts back and forth. You don't have to, but... I think this is my one and only post of you know something fairly controversial like this is pretty arrogant to say. But go and it, it wasn't his one and only post, <laughs> as you said. It rarely happens. So he says, "Well, that's the number. That's the number two rule of the internet. 
The number one rule is, if you can think of it, porn for it exists. <laughs> yeah. That's the number one rule. But, you know, anytime you see on a forum, I'm not posting about this again, or this will be my last post on this topic, that's how you know that they're going to be posting again. Yes. Always. Yes. And also, people who announce they're leaving for good usually come back. The ones that really leave for good just don't even announce it. They just leave. So Yep. Okay, so he says, I don't think you have a bot. I personally think that you are just cheating somehow. So that's that's Fernando was saying that uh, Jason was accusing you of having a body. He's like, no, I don't think you're botting. I think you're just cheating, which is worse than botting. <laughs> uh, so he says a bot would actually lose to a lot of people. Even a bot that plays 100 percent perfect on every street would probably lose about 10 percent, 10 to 15 percent of the time, assuming these players are pretty good. That's the variance of OFC, and uh, as you are clearly stating yourself. It's total nonsense that you are saying that live is very different than playing on the app. It's almost identical, besides the subtle differences you stated, which just make it appear like you don't know what you're doing. However, the gameplay is exactly the same way. If you can play live, you can play on the app, and vice versa. See, now, now there, I, there I disagree. I said before, and I know you said that last week too, Calwat, that there, there is a lot of difference, especially in a game like Open Face Chinese, when the app does a lot of things for you. And, and live where you have to do it all yourself. It's, it's very reasonable that someone would be slow and confused who hasn't done it before live. So I, I, I don't agree with Jason on that part. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. But there, there are things that he could be doing other than using a bot, right? I mean, yes. he could be computer-assisted stuff, you know, what, what do I do in this spot, that type of thing. Yes. And so he says, but he actually thinks that he's actually cheating. He thinks it's beyond uh, assistance. He thinks it's a, he's manipulating the app in some way, either to see the see uh. all the cards or or change the order of the cards or whatever. So he says, why I think you are somehow cheating. Then he puts different little bullet points. No one beats you on the app, at least that I know of. I guess Christoph beat you during PCA. Maybe you were playing a square game in front of each other, or you didn't have access to whatever computer or apparatus you use for cheating. You can't win live. You lost the PCA. Lost in Vegas. Lost, in, lost to Natasha in five different forms of OFC Live. Natasha has told me of massive mistakes you've made live, such as playing AA88 in the middle and Queen High up top while in Fantasyland during your first live session. For those of you that are, aren't familiar with OFC, 88 up top is worth three points. This is not a mistake anyone who has any sense of basic, basic OFC could make, could possibly make. Now, I want to clarify for people who don't really understand open face Chinese very well. Open face Chinese, you're, you're getting, you're making two five card hands and one three card hand. One on the bottom, one in the middle, and one on the top. The top one is, is, is three cards. It has some similarities to Pi Gal Poker. Uh, regular Chinese poker is like this too, but open face is different in that you are dealt, in, in the pineapple version of it, which is what everybody's playing these days, you're dealt three cards. You pick two of the three cards that you have to put on that board of, of 13 cards, and you have to place them. And once you place them, you can't move them. So you can't say later, oh, I'd rather this one goes off top. I don't want it on the bottom anymore. You, you can't do that in, in open face Chinese. Once you place a card, it's stuck there. So uh, so at the end, of all, once you have all 13 cards placed down, it has to be according to the rule of the strongest hand on the bottom, the middle strength in the middle, and the weakest one on top. If it does not conform to those rules, you foul and you get zero points, and, which is the worst you can do. Uh, if you don't foul, then you, your uh, your hand is compared to your opponent's hands. You know his thirteen cards, his three hands, and uh, and first of all, you get uh, a point for each time you beat uh, 
each of his hands, you get three extra points. If you beat all three of his hands, it's called a scoop. And then you also get what's called royalties, which is bonuses for having uh, particularly strong hands on the bottom, middle, or top. So uh, even a, a, a pair on top is considered something good, and you get a, a, a there are certain pairs you get you get a bonus for it. So he was talking about how in open face Chinese, if you get a pair of eights on top, of course the best you could always with with a three card hand, the best you could ever have is three of a kind. But that's very hard to get in open face Chinese. So he he's saying just eight eight on top would give you three bonus points, and that uh, in the middle. Uh, so, so he's talking about this fantasy land. Fantasy land is a, is a mode in, in open face Chinese where if you finish a hand with 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 queens or better on top in open face Chinese, then the very next hand you're in what's called fantasy land, where there you get to set you get to see all the cards and then set them the way you want. You're not stuck doing it a few at a time where they're stuck wherever you set them. So here you can change things around, and it's a big advantage fantasy land. So that that's uh, so he's saying that. When he was playing Natasha, when uh, when Fernando was playing Natasha, Fernando got into Fantasyland, and while in Fantasyland, he put Ace Ace Eight Eight in the middle for two pair, and only Queen High up on top, and he's saying that's a huge mistake uh, live because uh, you know he's saying that, that you, it just doesn't make any sense because uh, you get three points automatically for putting the the eights on top. And you would never do this in Fantasyland because two pair in the middle isn't that strong. Two pair, two pair in the middle is not going to get you any kind of royalty points, and uh, often it's going to lose to your opponent anyway. So you would always split up the aces and the eights, even if the aces are going to lose. The ace eight eight would have won. Queen high is very weak up top; it's probably going to lose, and it's it's not going to get any royalties. He's saying if you just put the eights on top, that gets you three points right there. So that's a a big mistake for any good player. Or even any okay player in open face Chinese. So he's now he did not witness this himself. He said that Natasha, his wife, told him that Fernando made that mistake. We don't know for sure. Maybe Natasha didn't remember right. Maybe he did make this mistake, but he was just kind of uh, his head was out in the weeds when this happened. You know, we've all had times when we've played a bad hand in poker. And afterwards, we say, "Was that just me? Did I, did I just do this? You know, I have done that before. I've I, I, I sometimes in major tournaments I've made big mistakes and say I can't believe I did that. So I'm sure all of us have. I'm mean, Cal. I'm sure you've made uh, mistakes like that when you've played that you just scratch your head afterwards and say, "What was I thinking?" Oh yeah, I mean poker, not yeah. open face Chinese, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean definitely poker. I'm like, what the yeah. fuck was I thinking? Trying to make this guy fold. He doesn't fold mid pair. Yeah, you know? yeah. So. <laughs> Right, so so I agree that was a very bad play. I agree that it is a little suspicious of someone who's crushing all the best players in the world at open face Chinese would make such a mistake. But again, he was playing in an unfamiliar environment of live, so maybe all the distractions with that made him do something stupid, and he just his mind was just out to lunch when he did that. Uh, now, if he kept doing this over and over, then I'd say, yeah, this guy's a novice. He sucks. You know, there's no way he's killing people on the app unless he's cheating. One time, one time, if someone screws up. Basically anything, they, they get a pass because anyone can screw up something one time, e- even a very basic mistake. So uh, it's, it's worth noting it happened, but I don't think it's like a, a, a huge indictment of Fernando like, uh, like Jason's saying here. Also, we don't know for sure it happened. He's, just, he's getting third-hand information from his wife, who supposedly remembers the hand that way. It goes on to say, you are begging everyone for app action, starting games with every person you can find on the app and telling them you would post just to play. Post meaning that he's going to give his uh, 
they, they'll post up the money first. It's my opinion that no one would really do this unless they knew they would win. So, basically, if Fernando was going to anybody in the app, including you know, Fernando himself, admitted that he was looking for the players who played the very most on the app and challenged them. And then, since they didn't know him and couldn't trust him to pay up if he lost, he's like, "Oh no, no, don't worry. I'll I'll, I'll send the money first, or I'll, we'll escrow the money with someone first. Like he, Fernando was was. Very, very obliging with making sure that these people understood that they would get paid and had the security they'd get paid before they even started. So he said that you know, Fernando just seemed too eager to play everyone and, and too cooperative with playing everyone, almost like he knew he couldn't lose. Uh, he goes on to say, Offering free rolls to everyone just to get action. Another huge obstacle to overcome through the variance of OFC, but so- seemingly you're overcoming it. So he was talking about the free rolls like... like uh, that you know, if, if the person wins, they'll, they'll get such and such extra thing, or they get they get the opportunity to play Fernando at the game of their choice, or uh, or, or they'll get you know some piece of, of whatever it is. I, I don't know what all the free rolls were, but for example, let's say Fernando challenged me to open face on the app, and I said, "No, nah, you know, I don't really know you. I don't really want to play." He says, "No, no, no. How about this? How about we play? And um, if you win." Uh, then I'll, then I'll also play you in uh, in, in limit hold'em heads up for for a five thousand dollar freeze out. And I go oh, okay. Well, I don't I don't know this guy in limit hold'em, so I've got to be better than him. So okay, like he's saying that 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 Fernando was making these offers like that, just sweetening the deal with with these free roll offers that no one would ever do unless they knew that they're just about assured to win in the open face Chinese portion of it. He says, you offered Natasha a free roll if she would get me to play you. I mean, LOL. So he claims that he offered his wife Natasha a free roll if she could get Jason to play. Which, if that's true, it's kind of funny. Natasha asked to see your app lobby. And on two separate occasions, you showed her and you were losing to no one and crushing almost everyone for big numbers. So... He's he's basically saying that um, uh, Natasha saw that he he was beating everyone. When when Natasha played him live, she said, "Hey, can I see your app for a second? So he brought up the app, and she saw like all his results, and he's just crushing everyone. By the way, people are asking about Lyman coming on the show. He's he's not going to. I, I'll have him on, but he's he's not going to. He doesn't want to. So I'm not going to force him. I see that in the chat. Uh, he goes on to also say. Uh, you tried numerous times to play me, one of the best open-faced Chinese players in the world, I think, just by starting a table and offering some ridiculous bet, like playing me in poker, which I didn't even know if you can play poker. Can you? Seems like a complete free roll for you just because you know you'll beat me on the app. How? So, that's a good point, too. Uh... He says, I was told by a player who beat you in the app that guys played in the app one, in front of one another, or that when you guys played with the, on the app in front of one another, you were 30 times slower than the pace you normally play on the app, which is extremely fast. He played you before, not in front of each other, and lost. That's just what I was told, have no proof. So he's trying to say that uh, when Fernando was playing some guy like in the same room on the app, that Fernando was really slow playing, and then, then when uh, they weren't together, Fernando was super speedy. But he says he's not sure about this, he was just told this. 
is all of a sudden Jacqueline Moscow went from having no money, just what I heard, to playing two dollars a point and, lo- and playing two dollars a point and losing, to wanting to play everyone, posting large sums of money to do so, playing any stakes and beating everyone supposedly. Uh, and this was after you guys started hanging out. You must be a really good coach, or you just pl- or, or are you just playing for her, or you shared your app secrets or what? So he's saying that maybe Jacqueline Moscow either gave you know, either got the way to cheat. From Fernando, or Fernando just took over Jacqueline's account and won money on her behalf. It was supposedly her, but it's really him. He says, I haven't been actively telling people that you're cheating somehow. I've just been answering my honest opinion when I'm asked, which has been by about 20 or 30 different people in the last year because you try to play everyone. How good are you, dude? Come play me at the big open face Chinese games live. I'm sure you will crush every session. Waiting in Bobby's room for you, dude. I'll stick with my same old story. I think he's cheating somehow, and I have no proof. Don't play him. Don't play Jacqueline. They are really good at the app. Unfortunately, there's no way to prove that you're guilty of anything, and also no way for you to prove that you're innocent. Before you went public, I was just trying to protect my friends who asked me for my honest opinion. So that, that's his post. Now, I have to say, Jason raises a lot of good points there. Uh, basically, he's saying, number one, you're, you're too eager. You, want, you give too sweet of terms to everyone that you want to play. You'll play the best players in the world. You'll give them the best terms in the world. And you'll post up the money beforehand. You, you make it an offer they can't refuse to play you, and then you crush them all. That's really suspicious, he's saying. I have to agree. Uh, he's, he's saying that uh, he heard that Fernando's much, much faster when he's not physically in the room with someone. But when he's physically in the room with someone, he's really slow. And, and doesn't play as well. He's saying that Natasha witnessed him make that bad play with the aces and the eights. He's saying that he doesn't know anyone who's ever beaten him on the app except for one guy back at the PCA. Uh, but aside from that, nobody else has uh, beaten him on the app and everyone's down big time to him. So how's that happening? He's like, he, even a bot would lose more than you are. Even a bot that plays perfectly would lose more than you are. So these are Jason's points, and a lot of people on two plus two were—they they thought this was a beatdown. They thought that Jason really proved his point by what he said there, and that yeah, after reading this, Fernando has to be cheating. So what do you think, Cal? Now that you've heard the response from Jason, how, how do you feel about it now? Oh, are we missing Cal? What? I see him. Say it again, Ruff. Oh, so, since you've heard this, how, how do you feel about it now from what Jason wrote? I mean, honestly, I still don't think I know enough to know who is doing what. I mean, it, it does sound to me a little bit suspicious that the guy is, uh, you know, he's just crushing everybody in one form and is just getting stomped whenever they're, they're playing in person. But, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, and uh, that, that was kind of what I thought, too. And then... Fernando gave a response back. This is much shorter, but he says, I want to make it clear that uh, when I stated that playing Jason live would not prove anything, because people were asking why to play Jason live, and he had said it wouldn't prove anything. He said, it does not imply I would not play him. I would definitely play him, but I would much rather play him in a format that proves something. I don't think that having communicated to Jason, hey, let's play live so you can see I'm not cheating, would have been effective, as his opinion would probably not have changed a few live sessions had I won, and definitely would not have changed had I lost. Uh, even if he had changed his opinion and addressed it to the 20 or 30 people that he had told, it's unlikely the 20 or 30 people would have subsequently told everyone that they spread the news that I'm cheating to Jason's and Jason's opinions had changed. Therefore, the only way to address this whole problem was by going public. 
Consequently, I proposed to, J- to Jason that we play a 10k hand challenge at 100k a, 100, at 100 per point. Fantasy lands would be considered extensions to each hand, uh, meaning that you know that wouldn't count as the each hand. Uh, if you go to fantasy land, that's not a separate hand. He's saying. I'm willing to go to Florida or Las Vegas to play him face-to-face on the app. I can interchange accounts on the app with him or make a new one. Jason has the burden of proof by telling 20 or 30 people I'm cheating, however. I'm proposing this challenge to try to disprove his conclusion. Also, I want to make it clear that me looking like a live beginner was only during the PCA. I've played Natasha countless times after the PCA, and I'm sure I'm up points against her, not counting the first time we played. So here's one thing I I didn't like, what what he wrote there. let Let me get to what I do like first. I think the challenge to play live, uh, to play somewhere where they're in the same place on the app is fine. Uh, though I think it has to go farther than that because he say play him face to face on the app, but, but he can interchange accounts with him. Well, interchanging accounts doesn't mean anything because I don't think he has a magical account on there. I, I think if there is a way he's cheating, it's either with some kind of third-party software helping him, or he has you know, someone manipulating it uh, on the back end, maybe someone who, who, who works for the app. Uh, there's something he can have access to, perhaps, that he can see things or manipulate things that others don't. That wouldn't be linked to his account. Similar to when I played Grey Cat on Absolute Poker and he could see all my cards. Uh, it wasn't because the Grey Cat account could see, it's because he logged into a separate tool at the same time that could see my cards. So even if I switched accounts with Grey Cat, I would not have had those same abilities. Uh, it's only with that, that extra tool. So I think if there is cheating going on here, it is something like that. So inter- offering to interchange accounts is meaningless. But, but putting that well, as- what if they gave them a different phone if they did it live in a room? Well, so that's 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 what some people are suggesting. So I, I, this is what I would think is the, is the right thing to do. Uh, first of all, yes, ha- have him do it on a, on a completely different phone that someone else provides him, and also, just in case it's not about the phone, just in case it's, it's someone helping him out in some way, that one of Jason's friends sits with Fernando during the match. You know, they, they can go to separate rooms or whatever. They can go to separate rooms and play, but the friend of Jason's sits with Fernando, watches the entire thing, but agrees to give up his phone. So this way he can't be, you know, texting Jason, hey, you know, look what Fernando has. Like, it, this way he can't be cheating the other way. So it's just a friend who Jason trusts to watch it and see what's happening. So this way, there's no way he can get away with cheating there. And, and and they would what they would do they'd switch phones they would create completely new accounts not just switch phones they either switch phones or, or or just play on some kind of clean phone where Fernando yeah so they could show up in a room with twelve people watching everybody puts their phone in a pocket grab a phone and play yeah or or just anyone provides him a phone because he, Jason's not suspected of cheating only Fernando so so right. for, so Fernando he's just given some phone which people trust. They download the app. Someone else, someone else creates the account name. They do not allow Fernando communi- to communicate with anyone, so he can't tell anyone the account name. He can't. You know, Fernando, all he can do is play, and he's watched the entire time by a friend of Jason's. And then they play in a different room, so this way the friend of Jason's can't, you know, gesture to Jason or anything, or give him any kind of communication about Fernando's hand, to, you know, to, to to help Jason win. Now, not that I think Jason would cheat like that, but I'm just saying that 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 would take any doubt out of it. And then, so you know, they go to a different room. Uh, the, with Fernando, the, the people who are with Jason, watch Fernando the entire time, and then forget the wins and losses. That's, that's a lot of that's based on luck. But watch how Fernando plays, and you even have third parties watching the match and, and, and analyzing Fernando's play. And if he makes a lot of egregious errors, 
then obviously he couldn't have been crushing everyone for as long as he was. If if uh, if he seems to be playing pretty damn well, even if he loses, then then either he wasn't cheating or he was, and he since also learned how to play really well. But then you know he's done as much as he can to prove himself. But uh, th- that's the only way to solve this. Some some form like that isn't that to be exactly like that? But it would be some form of this. And and is it J- now? Some people are saying, well. Does Jason have to do this? Can't he just say, F you, I don't want to put the time into this? Or, you know, you can't play high enough to, to uh, make it worth my time. Jason's a high-limit player. So, is Jason now obligated to do this? No, he's not obligated. He can say, I'm just not doing it. You know, I told my friends what I, what I felt. Even, you ha- even you've admitted that it's reasonable what I warned them. and that. Uh, but I, I don't need to put the time in to, to do this. But I would think that even if it's not 10,000 hands, which would take a very long time in open face, uh, even if it's 1,000 hands or 500 hands, you, the, again, we're, we're not trying to see who wins and loses. We're just trying to see how he plays. But but something where Jason gives him a chance to prove it, and I, I think that would, would answer it. And Jason's not required to, but I think now that he's now that he's told 20 or 30 people that this guy's a cheater and pretty much ruined his action, I, I, th- I think that should be fine that, that Jason... Obliges him and gives him uh, gives him this action under these circumstances. Uh, Seems like the fair thing to do after you kind of you know. I assume this is probably his only source of in- income, so yes, ruined his livelihood. Yes, and <laughs> and and the funny thing is, Jason is just absolutely refusing to play the app, and it's, I, I think that's a little unreasonable of Jason saying, you know, I don't trust it no matter what. Well, no, we we can create circumstances, and and it's not just you know we. What I just said here wasn't a work of genius. I'm not the only one who could come up with a solution. In fact, people made similar suggestions to what I made on 2 plus 2. Jason could speak to people who are technical, who can explain to him to, you know, the circumstances where they could set up to where there's no way that Fernando could be cheating him. Because if, you know, if, a, if, an account is cre- if a new account is created on a new device where he has no way to communicate with anybody else what the account name is, and um, and there's someone watching him the whole time that's that's friendly with Jason. There's no way. There's no way he could cheat. So Jason is just saying, no, 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 not going to be the app, not going to be the app. Why does it have to be the app? Why can't it be live? Well, that is a good question. Why can't it be live? So uh, we'll get to that shortly, why, why it supposedly can't be live. But uh, Jacqueline Moscow, in the meantime, responded. She said, you heard wrong. I was never broke. Or as you put, or as you put it, went from having no money. Reading that made me laugh. I'm sitting here looking through all my OFC records. You're correct in that I moved up in stakes that I was playing over time. I did this for the same reason that most people move up in stakes. My skill level increased, and as a result, my bankroll increased. The very first person I played for money on the app was five dollars a point in July of 2015. By August, I was already being accused of cheating, which is funny as I was not very good back then, but better than my opponent, which is all that matters. I remember distinctly sitting at a live cash game when a regular told me that his that this OFC opponent felt that the guy I was dating at the time was playing for me on the app. Another reg at the table verified that he too had heard this. I got upset. One of them said, you should take it as a compliment. And I subsequently decided to address the opponent directly. He told me that I didn't really mean that I was just tilted and we moved on. Uh, for what it's worth, ironically, my ex-boyfriend was not an OFC player at the time. Hooray for misogyny. How could a girl possibly win? You know, it's it's funny a statement like that, which is kind of obnoxious from her to say. Like she shouldn't be bringing the feminism part into this. And what's funny is that's not even really her, because like I, I've talked to her 
somewhat. And she, and she's even told me that all these social justice warriors that took up for her last year that she doesn't even agree with them on most things. Uh, on her own situation, she did, but she she said I'm not even one of them. I, I don't. Uh, that's not even my politics. That's not my my views on on uh, on, on social issues. I, she says I, I'm not one of them at all. They just they just kind of forced themselves into this and took my side, and I, I didn't tell them not to. So I don't know why she's going that route of a misogyny. That's kind of stupid. I mean, yeah, it's it, it's kind of insulting when a girl has been winning and people are saying, oh, I bet your boyfriend was playing for you. Well, yeah, it's, yeah, I can see that's annoying, but uh, the, the reason that's said is because in many cases it's true. In many cases, the, a guy will use his girlfriend to uh, you know who doesn't know as much about poker. It doesn't mean she's stupid. It just means she doesn't know as much about poker. And uh, uh, you know he'll use her as, as like a, a way to get action, kind of like a multi-accounting thing. So that's it's insulting in a way, but it's also understandable why people think that. So she goes on to say, the only reason I'm bringing this up is because a year and a half later, the same opponent accused me of cheating again, as your rumor had spread to him. He then went to tell me that if I gave him back everything he lost to me at $10 a point, he would not spread the rumor any further. But if I did not, he would spread it. So she, He said all this in writing and text, which which I believe. She's you know basically saying if, if this is questioned, she can prove that this guy who lost to her a year and a half ago was demanding all the money back or he was going to keep spreading rumors she was a cheater. She said, I responded I would happily play him for everything he, he lost. He ignored my offer. A couple months later, he blew up my phone again, calling me a cheater and threatening if I didn't stop playing, quote, his friends on the app, he would tell them I was cheating. For the second time, I told him he was welcome to play me live for everything he had lost, and for the second time, he ignored my offer. Again, this is documented in writing should he decide to post on here and dispute any of it. Luckily, the friends of a different opponent who I beat on the app have proposed a situation where we play live. Uh, I'm leaving the names out here. Uh, the, the, she's saying that, not me. Uh, the opponent and I have been texting, and although the exact parameters of the game have not been set up, it's looking like it'll take place in Florida sometime after the L.A. Poker Classic, which is this month, so she probably, or in March, so she probably means it'll be in, uh, she probably means it'll be in March sometime. I would hope that, that his assessment of the game and of my skill level will, will be posted somewhere so that my name can be, to some extent, cleared from this matter. Unfortunately, it will never be completely cleared, as is the nature of this kind of thing. Jason, you're right. For the most part, I will play anyone. There's a list of people I won't play. I don't think posting it would serve any purpose, and I won't play them because from the information I have, I think they're better than me, or in some cases, our skill levels are similar enough to where it would be a waste of both parties' time. In looking through my records, there are three people who have beaten me for a semi-significant number of points. As I put in more hands, discussed strategy with others, Fernando included, and found other public resources designed to improve one's game, I felt confident enough to rechallenge these three people. One declined. One accepted, and we're currently playing now. The third player played me for a short period and then quit, indicating that he did not feel comfortable with how quickly my level had changed. I wasn't upset about this as I saw his perspective, so I moved on, and I challenged more people, beat more people, and since Fernando's a friend of mine, rumors of him cheating were linked to me. In addition to more than a dozen regular opponents quitting me, much like Fernando, about a half dozen agreed to play me and then backed out, presumably after talking to Jason or Natasha, as 100% of them have known ties to them. I can't overstate how much these rumors have hurt my action and reputation. Do I think this entire thing is unfair? Of course, but life isn't fair. Takeaway point, I'll be playing someone I beat on the app live. I'm confident in my game, and thus, I am not going to lose sleep over this. Additionally, if Jason accepts Fernando's live challenge, I'm willing to take side action, as I'm confident Fernando is a huge favorite to win. So, I, I thought this is a good response. I thought, you know, she, she's basically saying, you know, anybody who, who I beat before on the app, I'll play live. Let's do it. So, okay. That's that's all she can do. And even if she was cheating, you know, it's a, what, what if she's a good player who also was cheating? That's possible. 
and that would be why she'd be willing to play them live, and she'll figure, okay, you know, it'll clear my rep, and it's possible I'll win, because, you know, these people, I, I think I could beat them anyway, or if not, my our skill levels are pretty close. So, it, it's very possible that that could be what's going on, but, you know, you, since you can't prove or disprove this, all she can do is say, anyone who is suspicious that I cheated on the app will take the identical amount that you're down to me and play for that amount live. And and uh, I, I think that's very reasonable. I think it's the most you can do, it's the best you can do, and I think it's a pretty direct and honest-looking approach here. And some people on 2 Plus 2 are even saying that, yeah, she, she gave a good response, and they're still waiting for Fernando to give a response like this. And you, you're going to hear shortly how Fernando's response is not quite as direct or uh, straightforward. So what do you, what do you think of, of, of Jacqueline's answer here? Cal what? Uh-oh. Do we have a missing host here? I... Oh, there you I just got back, Druff. I had to run to the bathroom. <laughs> okay. Hey, it's got to happen sometime. Okay, Trader Risky, what do you think of uh, of Jacqueline's response? You know, I don't know. I don't know if I know enough to make it happen. Okay. Well, I, my opinion here is, I I think I can't tell you whether she was involved in the in the Fernando cheating. And as I just said, someone who is good and cheating, uh, of course, that you know they'll they'll be willing to play that person again live, knowing that they, that. They'll probably break out at least even. You know, if, if luck is about average, they'll break out about even against those same people, and then their name will be cleared. So, so, so that's that's something there. And so, so that doesn't prove she wasn't cheating, but that's, that's as much as she can do. So that, that's so. Anyway, I, I I thought that was a good response, but uh, Fernando, he unfortunately seems to still be dodging. Here's something he said. Uh, pretty recently, uh, people are asking him wh- why. Why does it have to be the app? Why, why can't it be? Um, wh- why, can't, why can't it just be uh, live without the app? So he says. Uh, hold on, this is this is something different here. Um, oh, I see. This is something, this is something different. He, he had said before that he needs to uh, play enough hands live. The, and the, the only way to prove this is to play enough hands. Is what has to be the app. Uh, but I, I guess he made another challenge. I don't have that in front of me here. But I guess he made some other challenge about playing for twenty five dollars a point live. And so I, I don't have that in front of me. But this is what he says. These, the reasons I was proposing the the live non app challenge are as fo- the following. The challenge establishes a minimum number of hands to be played. It also requires both parties agreeing to devote time and effort to play, as, as opposed to just the casual live play that can bring unforeseen circumstances, such as Jason deciding not to play that many hands, Jason seeking to play stakes outside my capabilities, Jason leaving to go to another location to play a tournament, etc. The agreement of a challenge ensures scheduling and the time commitments from both parties. Uh, number two, agreeing on a challenge makes it much easier to sell more action and potentially play higher than 100 a point. Uh, on the app, the highest I've played is 25 a point, only against one opponent. So I guess he wants to play uh, 100 a point for a certain minimum number of hands. Uh, the fact that I'm extremely willing to play Jason live does not mean I can just show up and play him at any stakes because just because I per- perceive myself to have an edge. Calculating the Kelly criterion for bets 
for, with more than one al- outcome, uh, as is such the case in one hand of OFC, is extremely complex, and there's a very good method to approximate, approximate it. Edge variance approximates the Kelly criterion, percentage of bankroll to be bet on optimized, to optimize growth. Supposing an, an edge of 0.2, the approximation would yield 0.2 divided by 18 to the power of 2 equals uh, 0.0617% of bankroll. That means in one bet of... Uh, one hand of OFC at 100 point, a bankroll that optimizes growth would be $162,000. I mean, come on. Come on. This, this is what pisses people off when they see things like this, because no, no one wants to... They want the guy to prove he's not cheating. No one wants him to do, be doing these, these bankroll calculations of the Kelly criterion and all this other nonsense. See, it's, he's always coming up with excuses to have these very strict terms of these challenges. So he says, okay, I'll play Jason. But uh, first it has to be on the app. Then people object to that. And he says, okay, well, we'll play live. But it's got to be for this minimum number of hands. It's got to be 100 points. You know, it's got to be a challenge not to we just show up and do it, blah, 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 blah. Like, uh, he puts all these terms there. And, and, and this is why the Kelly criterion about the bankroll requires blah, 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 blah. And people are like, dude, just play. Just come up with, a, with, a, with a, an amount to play for that you're comfortable with and show up and play. If you're willing to play live, it's easy. And then people will see if you're good or bad. It doesn't matter if you win or lose. People will see if you're good or bad. Why are there so many strict terms? So people are theorizing now that, that maybe he was cheating. He's trying to make this something that Jason won't do. So if he, if he makes a, a minimum number of hands that's very high and Jason doesn't want to put the time into it because it's not, it's not worth his time to do for 100 a point, uh, then Jason is going to refuse because he doesn't, he doesn't have the time to put into all of it, and then, then it'll make Fernando look good. So that, that's what people are, afraid, are are thinking is going on here. And I, I have to agree, something weird is going on with Fernando. He should just make it easy to prove himself. He shouldn't be putting all these different conditions on in order for this, this match to happen live. Or, or do the app thing, like I was discussing. But if Jason won't do the app under any circumstances, then do a live thing that's reasonable and easy. Just show up and play him at, at a... And uh, whatever per point that you're comfortable with, and play some number of hands that isn't too high, but is, is enough to where people can get a good idea of your play. And that's it. And that's all you can do. Or, Fuck it, Druff. Put them both in a cage. <laughs> I don't. I don't even care anymore. I just put them both in a cage. Whoever beats the shit out of the other guy is the winner. Yeah. People. People just. Are, are they're not taking to Fernando well. They think they think he's trying to talk around everybody. They think he's trying. Hey, we, we used to settle shit by, uh, you know, first you you would get into a, a ring and you'd fight with somebody, you know, a sword fight, <laughs> and then we'd have duels, you know, to settle when someone's honor is besmirched. And now we just send stupid little passive aggressive notes to each other over the internet. Yeah. By it makes way, me sad. By, by I way, want blood. I want blood. Speaking of wanting blood, when you were in junior high school, were there, were there a lot of fights in that junior high school? Like, did you, were a lot of fights taking place there that, that you uh, was going on? It, it, occasionally. Really? I mean, uh, you know, I was on some sports teams, and sometimes it would happen there, and occasionally it would happen in the school, but not a whole lot. Really? My junior you know? high school had a lot of fights. Like it's, it seemed like like a few times a week there was a fight breaking out either during uh, lunch period or after school. Or even sometimes between periods, a, a lot of fights. I even was in some of them. There, there's a lot of fights in junior high school. In, in my and I wasn't in a rough neighborhood by any means. It was, it was mostly white and Asian kids that uh, from uh, middle to upper class families. But a lot of fights for some reason in my junior high school. 
I mean, hmm. Maybe I was just I thought maybe it's just the 80s There was, there was more of that because I know nowadays there's, there's much less of that going on But but I know recently there's, there's been a lot more focus In, in the schools of, of anti-bullying And stuff like that where, where back in the 80s that didn't really exist uh, People are too busy looking on their phones To, to fight these Maybe that's days. what it is Maybe people are <laughs> Maybe they're, they're too bu- they are too busy with their phones I mean right? think about it If when you were in junior high school If you had a choice between fighting And unlimited porn on your phone you know, I mean, it's not even a contest. You, you, you know. Yeah, I, I would like. I wasn't even looking for fights. I, I didn't want to have fights. I just, you know, sometimes they would happen. Sometimes it just, it just would occur, and then, uh, then I'd have to do it. So, uh, and that's that's what happened. You know, like, like in my junior high school, it just, it just seemed like it happened pretty often. Like everybody I knew at some point got in fights there. So. Yeah. These were like fist fights. They weren't like knife fights or anything that was, that was super dangerous, but still. Okay, so let's. let's, uh, It it still sucks to get clocked in the face. Yeah, it does. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you know, I I started to prefer to fight people that I was expected to be an underdog because I found that if I'm fighting someone I'm expected to beat and I lose, it was very humiliating. Where if I lose to someone I'm expected to lose to, it it didn't really matter. But but if I beat them, then everyone would. would, uh, Then I was flying high. Then everybody everybody going around congratulating me. Yeah, um, you you have some, some chick from the lacrosse. Team, kick your ass. You're never going to live it down. <laughs> it's just not, you yeah. know. Well, at least they didn't fight. With the, you might as well just change schools. Yeah. Well, at least they didn't fight with any girls. I'll say that. It was all guys. But, uh, okay. So let's, uh, let's go on here. Uh, since we're talking about the Merciers, let's, let's throw in this other topic that's also on the agenda. The, the Global Poker Index. We, we watched some of their, their terrible broadcasts that was looked like it was being done from a cell phone in the corner of the room from the worst possible angle and distance. We, we got to see our listener, Ari Angle, win. So congratulations to him again. He won an award there. Uh, we, we heckled the broadcast. We even tried to interrupt the broadcast and have that possible cell phone that was broadcasting get taken away. And we claimed it was Colonel Fabersham's phone, but... That didn't quite work. Our prank didn't quite work, but it's still kind of funny. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I still wanted to see Brandon either streak through there, or you come <laughs> up and tap on the tap on the phone. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the, the funny thing is, if I, if I went down there and tapped on the phone, it would have only been seen by like 150 people. So it's not like it would have caused a huge stir in the poker world. It doesn't I, matter how many people hear the joke, Druff. It matters how funny it is. Yeah, that would have been funny. I admit. So anyway, uh, Natasha Mercier was. Uh, tweeting about the Female Poker Player of the Year Award at the GPI. And uh, and whether that is a good thing to have or a bad thing to have. And I, I can understand both sides of it. Of, you know, the Female Poker Player of the Year, you could say in one way, why should there be? Why, why should there be a... Uh, a poker player of the year for one particular gender. Why not just be poker player of the year if it happens to be female? Great. If it, if not, then fine too. But why 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 should females be treated like they're inferior and given their own category? And some people even said, uh, you know, what what's next? A gay poker player of the year? A black poker player of the year? Like what? Even if there are Jewish poker player of the year? Well, that that's like half the players. There'd be lots. There'd be lots of them though. Yeah, right? that's, that'd be a lot of competition for that one. Jews are not underrepresented in poker, but. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's. But on the other side of the coin, uh, since there are relatively few female poker players compared to men, the main event, for example, of the World Series is about ninety-seven percent male. 
maybe it is good to have those type of awards to encourage more females to come into the game. So yeah, that, that's why they do it. I mean, if if they could step back and there would be you know a reasonable representation, then they wouldn't bother. But because there isn't, you know, if there wasn't that award, not very likely that you're going to see a woman get on stage for any of those things, you know. And they do want to try and appeal to to women and to broaden their their audience. I mean, especially in this day and age with uh, you know the poker market contracting. I mean, of course they're going to do anything they can to try and get any group in that they think they could uh, you know open up to. Yes. So, uh, and by the way, um, the, the uh, Kate Hall was the. Uh, was the 2016 Female Player of the Year, which which is interesting because uh, <laughs> she's she's this big time feminist. You'd think may not approve of such an award, but she. Should. Oh oh oh! In, oh my God, that award has to be put in the prize pool for the match with Entale. <laughs> it No, I'm serious. Have her put that trophy or award or whatever it is in the middle, and and if Dentali beats her, he gets to keep it. Yeah. By the way, uh, she, she when she accepted her award, she was there. She she uh, she played a little video of her accepting the award and says, "Here's a better angle of me being a, a world class ink grade at the American Poker Award." So she actually even she's making reference to how terrible the uh, the angle was of the <laughs> but but <laughs> the broadcast. But I guess someone else oh, recorded man. it. But anyway, she during her acceptance speech ripped into the fact. I wish we were, I wish we were watching when this happened. Uh, I mean, as much as, much as, as I like Ari, he wasn't that exciting when he came up there and accepted his award. But Kate Hall, giving her a female poker player of the year award, she was not uh, totally thrilled about that. The, the why even show up to accept it then? I, I don't understand that. But she shows up to accept it and called it a consolation prize. L- listen to this here. <laughs> This, is a, this really is a much better camera angle, by the way. You can't see it, but this is one of these dead on with it with a stage instead of like way off the corner. Not, not only can I not see it, I can't hear it. No, oh, you can't. Oh crap! Okay, we're we're, we're going to fix this. I, I I have to fix this now. I'm going I'm to call you back with the old Skype. Okay. This is pissing me off. Skype is pissing me off. This is the theme of 2017: is that people can't ever hear. The sound effects and the recordings I play on here, because of this stupid, stupid Skype we have here, with this stupid bug that it won't let me play things from my computer into the Skype microphone, and it's a Skype problem. That's why when I run an old version of Skype, it works, but then the old version sometimes won't connect to people, so I can't win. It's a freaking joke, is what it is. Let's see if we can reach Calwatt here on the. And sometimes if I go to the old version and back to the new version, then it improves. So if I can't reach Calwatt here, which it looks like I can't, saying calling, calling. Yeah, this pisses me off. I'll try one more time. Let's call him back on the new Skype. I mean, why does it have to be this way? Why? What a freaking joke. Why can't it just work? No. All right, back to the new one. I need him to hear this. 
I, I need him to hear what I'm going to play with K. Hall saying. Oh, wait, wait, he's calling. Hold on, let's see if I can answer his call this way. You here? I'm here. Okay, good, 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 good. Okay. Let's see. We're going to do a test. Can you hear this? I can indeed. Okay. A current affair, right? Old, old Skype is uh, is the winner. Okay, so we're going to... This, this is proof to people that this isn't my fault because it's... You know, old Skype always works with us. It's just a matter of connecting to the person. I couldn't call you. You had to call me somehow, but at least we're on. Okay, so here, here's here's uh, the award. Thank you. I'm really nervous. I'm really genuinely very proud of winning this award. I have to say, though, that I have some mixed feelings about it um, <laughs> because the, the concept of female player of the year to me doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, there were 77 men who finished ahead of me in the overall player of the year race this year. And for me to get an award ahead of 76 of them, it feels to me like it has to send the message that I'm not expected to be able to compete with them. Oh, so why did you show up? Did she show up just to bash the awards? I don't get that. You can hear this, right? Uh, yep. Like, why, why show up? Why, why go all the way to Beverly Hills? She doesn't even live in L.A. She goes all the way to Beverly Hills to just bash the award she's getting? Why not just say, I, I don't approve of this award, I'm not accepting it, and just not show up? Because she went all the way to Beverly Hills so she would have a platform to talk. Yeah, I mean, that's just, that's, I mean, she's, she's poking fun at herself by saying this is an angle of me, uh, a better angle of me being a world-class ingrate. Well, it's true. I mean, it's a, if you don't like, I can understand her objection to the award, but if you, if you don't want it, just don't accept it. Don't come to accept it and bash it. <laughs> so so here, here's what she continues to say. This is like about a minute longer. And in the context of awards for athletic achievement, that makes a lot of sense because men are just faster and stronger. It's a biological fact. But when you carry that over to an award for performance in a mental game, it again feels like it sends the message that men are stood in another league. And every part of me rebels against that idea. It's just so inimical to who I am. Um, and so, you know, this is my first year playing poker full-time as a professional. I really feel like if I had been here for five or ten years, that I would be able to beat anybody in the world. By the way, forgetting that comment for a second, do you hear the glass clinking in the background? <laughs> Someone has a glass with ice in it going ding, 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 because this is the better camera angle that really was taken with a cell phone. And this is the better of the two versions of, of, of the broadcast. The, the worst of the two is what we were watching, the, the thing in the corner that was totally unclear and far away and, and, and terrible sound quality. This one with a, with a person with a clinking glass is actually the better of the two broadcasts. And even if I never get to that point, I will always rather compete for that and lose than to be content with the consolation prize. But thank you for the consolation prize. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's it's. Yeah, I don't like that. Someone in some back room is like, who the fuck decided to give her an award? Yeah, like, don't, don't give that chick any more awards. Yeah, I, I bet Alex Dreyfus go, damn it, we shouldn't have done this. We should have rigged it against her. Yeah, they, that, they should have known. I mean, I, I could have told you this. If Kate Hall won, that she would have said something like this. There's, there's no way Kate Hall is going to accept Female Player of the Year. I mean, that's just... Uh, that's just not her. That's that's something that she's gonna. And, you know, I understand her points here, 
but but I also understand the point that they're they're trying to glorify the the females that are successful, and that if you have to judge it based upon overall accomplishments, just for the sheer number of men who play the game at a high level or at high stakes versus the the number of females, you're just not going to have many females that even can contend for it. There's just it's just the numbers; they're just not likely to get there, even if they're totally equal in skill. So. I, I can see this as like a marketing tool to get women into the game. I think it's fine. So anyway, regardless of how she but felt. Do, do you think that it well, – let's say that that is why they're doing it. Do you think that her acceptance speech did anything to help that? No, no, I, I don't I don't think so. I think that uh, – Because if I, if I was, you know, I mean, I'm not a woman, but if I was a woman watching this, I'd be like, who the – you know, it's not making them look good, and who who the hell is you know what I mean? I yeah, mean, I yeah, and especially there there will be the ones that think just like what I was thinking watching it. Like, why did you come and accept it then? Why why accept the award and come up and bash it and just and be as she called herself a world class ingrate? Just don't if you don't like the award, don't accept it. And if they didn't know, I'm not even blaming her because I mean Kate Hall, she is who she is, right? And they should have known that that's what they're going to get. When they get Kate yeah. Hall up there. <laughs> now, is this... No, I'm serious. I mean, you know, really. You don't blame... Uh, you don't blame someone for being themselves. Uh, and, you know, that's what she is, and that's what she's going to do when she gets up there. Um, is it actually a voting process for I, the I, sake, or do they... I, I don't know. That's a good question. I never really looked into the process. Since since we were excluded after the initial nomination process, we, we were nominated as Podcast of the Year, but then uh, we didn't get past the first level. We uh, we lost level one, and then level two, where it was whittled down to like five nominees at that point. And they picked from there. I don't know how they picked from there, but we weren't one of them, so I didn't care. But uh, yeah, they. The thing is, there. I'm sure they could have rigged it to where she didn't win, which probably would have been smarter to do. So she did that. So Natasha Mercier had something to say about this. She. Uh, and this, of course, this didn't directly mention uh, the Kate Hall speech, but this is what she said. Just my opinion on this GPI Ladies Award. You're eligible to win the GPI Player of the Year as a woman. She actually put it as a women. I, I hate that mistake. You can't be a women. You can be a woman. You can't be a women. So... By the way, I see, I see a call's coming in. I can't. I can't take this right now. But you can call in a bit. But you're uh, you're eligible to win the GPI Player of the Year as a woman. You are always competing with the rest of the men. You're 100 percent allowed to win both awards. The truth is, no girl has ever come close to that. I just don't see how having this ladies' award doesn't encourage women to play more and try to win it. We are a minority in the game and probably always will be. And there's literally nothing wrong with having our little side competition. I want to thank the GPI for offering this award to ladies of the game. Thank you, Alex. In my opinion, it does encourage more ladies to play and compete uh, while still being eligible to win the regular one. Uh, and it should never be taken away from us. I can't think of a girl pro who isn't trying or wanting to win it. Well, yes, you can. Kate Hall. <laughs> it's an awesome accomplishment. So that that's what she said. And uh, then... Let me get a response here. So, so then, Kate Hall uh, responded. 
said, uh, well, actually, I think, I think we're skipping something here. Let's go down here. Um, no, so, so Kate Hall says back, no girl has ever come close to that. Selbst, referring to Vanessa Selbst, was top 20 for five years and in top five in player of the year race seems pretty close. Then Natasha says back, you weren't here the last 10 years. Those infinite SHR tournaments everywhere were not there either. Things changed. So Kate Hall saying, well, what, what's the relevance? What, what, what exactly uh, can't women play the SHR? That's super high rollers, by the way. She's, so Natasha says, who says they can't? The fact is they don't. I'm stating the facts, Kate. There's one business woman, one business, business women that very occasionally does. How does she keep making that women versus woman mistake? That's a very elementary area of grammar. To, I mean, to make that mistake once, I guess, but it's clear. Is she's that like, women with a Y or whatever? No, no, no. It's with Ian. She's not trying to be oh. a feminist. She just uh, is saying women is the plural of woman. I don't know. Usually people who make that mistake are not very educated. I thought Natasha was, was smarter than that. But maybe, I, I don't know if English is her first language. So maybe, if, if it's not, then I, I give her a pass. If English is her first language, I don't give her a pass. If it isn't, then I do. Uh, anyway, ignoring the grammar here, they they got in a uh, in a big argument back and forth. Uh, so she basically she says, uh, and she said the, the amount of super high rollers is making it possible for a, a person, uh, men or women who doesn't play, to to win Player of the Year. So she's basically saying that the super high rollers that they they have such an impact on the player of the year, and there's so many of them that if you don't play a whole lot of them, you have no chance to win, whether you're male or female, which is a good point. And she's saying that for whatever reason, women just don't play them. So that pretty much shuts women out, and, you know, even if they can play, they don't. And, and so she's happy to have this side competition for, for who's the best female player because otherwise uh, you're not going to see one again because of the vast number of super high rollers that for whatever, whatever reason only the, only the men want to play. So Kate Hall says, so get better and play the super high rollers like the men. Why is this hard? And so Natasha says, back it, just my opinion on this. And uh, and then uh, Leo Margetz, uh, who's, who's a woman, by the way, Leo. Not a, you think Leo's a man, but Leo Margetz is a woman. says, I respect your opinion, but I disagree. Your post motivated me to, re- to express my view. So what they keep doing is like they keep attaching these screenshots of, of them writing something long that wouldn't fit in Twitter. He says, I do play ladies' events. If I consider it's the best tournament for me to play that day, and if, if I do, I always try to speak to the women participating because I'm intrinsically curious as to why they'd rather only play amongst females. To my surprise, most of the feedback comes down to the fact that they feel more comfortable and less intimidated. It's more chilled. Well, then you should not be playing poker. Aggression and the capacity to intimidate and put pressure on your opponent are amongst the most more important abilities in poker. You need to be competitive in that regard. Comfortability should come from playing a limit that allows you to have a healthy bankroll management, not changing an environment where some of the key aptitudes get blurred. It's amazing how after... Ten, almost 10 years of playing, the same debate goes on and on. I wish one day there was no need to talk about women in poker, but the numbers still make us a minority, and women, as anything scarce in a specific context, get attention in poker events. We are a rare thing and consequently stand out more. That's okay. Standing out because we're a minority is fine, but being tra- treated differently is not. I might, I might sound cynical here because I'm probably one of the people in poker that has benefited more from what I consider a sexist discrimination. 
having won the LWS title and the an EPT ladies event in the past and being nominated several years for best female performance in Europe. Both titles gave me notoriety and attention and consequence, consequently helped me somehow, somehow be there. Uh, then she, you know, she just goes on with the same stuff. I'm not going to keep repeat, uh, uh, reading this, but uh, anyway, she's trying to say, I don't. You know, I play these women events if if they're profitable, but I don't like them because the the women who are there typically are there because they they kind of can't hack it in an environment where, with men, which are very aggressive. They 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 prefer the the comfortable, uh, nicer, calmer environment with the women, and that's artificial. So we shouldn't have these. But I, I don't agree with that. If they, it, it's got to be some women. They only want to play. Some women, it's either they play in that environment or no environment. Like they won't play at all. And some of them, they they kind of need that stepping stone. I think that they they first want to play in an environment which is less intimidating. And then if they right. feel they got they get better, then they can move up and, and deal with the aggressive men there. Yeah, and there's also. I think there's just something kind of wrong with that argument. It's not that women can't hack it. It's that most, a lot of them just don't want to, <laughs> you know? And there, there are a number of, uh, female dominated, uh, professions that men could hack it at those as well, but they just don't want to for whatever reason, whether it's, you know, genetic or biological or societal or, or what have you. You know, I think kindergarten teachers, for instance, I think a tiny, tiny percentage are men. Yes, yes. And it's, you know, men could do that, but they obviously just don't want to. Yeah. So, exactly. So, I I think it's fine, and I think, I don't know why this Leo Margetz is complaining that, you know, here's a tournament that a lot of women express that they prefer to be there in that environment. He's like, no, you shouldn't prefer to be there in this environment. Well, that... Look, I understand that Leo Margetz likes playing against the men and playing the toughest games possible, but or or you know or not artificially putting herself in an easier situation. But a lot of women don't feel that way. So if there's a lot saying they want to be there for that reason, let them. It's not up to you to decide how they should have fun. Now, if these women were all trying to be poker pros, you'd be right. But most of them are not. Most of them are just there to play. A lot of them are, are wives and girlfriends of, or, or, or mothers or sisters of you know who play, people of guys who play poker. Uh, other ones are are just women who have an interest in poker, but we're kind of afraid to go to a card room and, and sit down in what, what they think is a harsh and intimidating environment. So, I, I, I can understand why some want to stick to these women events and, and why some will uh, then branch out and, and, and play in the in the regular games. But anyway, I, I don't see anything wrong. I'm actually on Natasha's side on this one. I, th- I think there's nothing wrong with that award. And I... I could see how it could be seen as uh, patronizing to some extent. Yeah, I, I, I can too. I, I could see that, but there are other motivations for giving it. Right. And I understand those and don't have a problem with it because of that. Not only that, they, they also can benefit from this, these women, because... Uh, the truth is there, there is an advantage to being female in poker in that for endorsements, you know, being recognized. There was. I don't know about yeah, now. Still, How, I mean, still, I'm sure it is to some extent. Well, it's not, it's not what it used to be. But, right. But yeah, it used to be if you, if you have uh, a pair of breasts and, and can can play okay, then you're going to get a sponsorship. Now, a lot of the gold has already been dug out of those hills, Drew. Yeah, it has. It has. But, but what remains is still much easier for women than men. And yeah. uh, so I, I think that this type of thing helps the players like Kate Hall, who if they, if Kate Hall was a male, uh, she'd be getting much less attention in general. In fact, a lot of the 
uh, stuff she says yeah. on Twitter. If you, if this was a guy saying this stuff, uh, she, he would get much less attention. And and what positive attention she receives, I know she gets some negative attention too, but what positive attention she receives uh, would be much less as well if she was a male who, who writes a lot of the stuff she does. Even yeah, if, it, if, she, if she was a spindly guy, you know, we probably wouldn't be talking about her hands or that, yeah. you know. So, or, or that she gives bony uh, finger bangs or something. You right, know? We, so, we probably it probably wouldn't happen. So so you know, she definitely likes to have attention. She goes all the way to Beverly Hills to do a speech to get attention uh, for an award she doesn't really want or approve of. She's getting this attention for being a female in poker, which isn't that common, and, and a, a female who's who's under thirty five years old and and uh, you know attractive depending on you know what your type is. I know of some. People think she's too skinny and she's got bony fingers, but yeah, she's she's not. She's not <laughs> overall, she's she's a right, decent right. looking girl and she's got a pretty face. So, right. uh, so she she's one of the people who does get a lot of the attention she does simply because she, she is female and decent looking. And, and let and let's face it, I mean, we can tell from her Twitter that she loves the attention. Yeah, yeah, very much, very much. So that's, she, she'll deny it. Yeah, but. Just by virtue of the fact that you are out on Twitter doing this kind of stuff, you love the attention. You just do. Yeah, and and uh, and look, like uh, no matter what I write on Twitter, unless it's something super outrageous that'll make me look terrible. Like if I was just like go out and start spewing just crazy racist things, or whatever, yeah, I'll get attention, but terrible attention. But <laughs> anything that's not super extreme and, and terrible that I write on Twitter is just not going to get the same attention as Kate Hall gets because I'm I'm a 45 year old guy. And and it's just and, and I'm not like a huge name in poker, so there's all right. Only- but let, but let's not start crying about the the disadvantages that a 45 year old white male has. Okay, <laughs> I'm just I, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, but there is. But I'm just saying there's a difference here. I'm saying that there, is there true. Is, there is a difference, and uh, so I think these awards help women in poker, both who want attention or ones who want uh, money from from sponsorships or or whatever else that they can get for for being a known. Poker player, you can be, you can become a known, famous, or semi-famous poker player much more easily if you're an attractive or semi-attractive woman under 35 than you right. can if you're a man. Now, I'll admit there's many other places in life, and even sometimes in poker, where being a man is better. Right. But uh, you know, like when I go to when I go to play a live poker, I don't have to worry about anyone hitting on me. I don't have to worry about uh, people disrespecting, you know, showing me disrespect because of my gender or, or, uh, or, or getting mad that I beat them in a pot just because of my gender. Like, I, I admit... Well, they're the, going to get mad at you anyway. No, they get mad at me for beating them in the pot, but not, but not because of my gender. They're not going to be insulted that I, that I beat them versus some other guy at the table. So uh, I, I admit these things can be frustrating as a female in poker. I'm sure these things are real, but uh, there's... I, I know a lot of guys that treat women better at the table. Yes, that, that, there's that too, especially if they're, if they're young and pretty. Like I, they're, they're guys that I know that would just... Just call someone a fucking idiot just because they, you know, sucked out on them or something, are, are not going to say that to a woman oh, no, I've for had, whatever reason. I've had it worse. I, I've had it where at the Bellagio one time, a, a girl who was uh, like in her late 20s and was pretty was really nasty and belligerent to me during a hand where I was totally in the right, and every single person at the table took her side just because she was, she was a young, pretty girl. And, uh, and I was 100% in the right there. And uh, well, so, there, and there are layers to this kind of advantage too. So, attractive people in general, whether male or female, um, their studies have been shown that they get paid more money. Um, and then layer on top of that, when you there's some kind of scarcity in a particular environment, 
it ends up being that whatever is scarce is what people seek out. You know, for instance, as a, a white guy going to Japan, I mean, you're just the most popular guy in town. You're like being a, you're like a celebrity. Yeah. Really. Um, and then on top of that, just the biology of the way it works with men and women. If you're an attractive female, you know, all of these things combined, you're just going to get a ton of attention. And you're right that you can then work that to your advantage if you choose to. Yeah. You're right about the scarcity thing. I remember back, back in the eighties, I, I called up a, a party line in Australia. It was actually located in Australia. Yep. And, and the girls there all wanted to talk to me because of yep. my accent. And I thought, my accent? Yeah, I have an accent to them. So, right. And the guys were so pissed. They're telling me to hang up the phone, you, 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 you bloody yank. Yep. <laughs> they all wanted me to get off because they were mad that the girls all wanted to talk to me. Cause, well, the girls wanted you to get off, too. Yeah, the, the, they wanted to get off. They were talking to yeah. me. and So I, I became the thing that they all were drawn to because I was different. But right, yeah. and I've experienced that myself in Australia as well. Um, and it's a fantastic thing. And I know, you know, buddies of mine from England come over and there are a certain percentage of women here that are, that they just love oh, that yeah, English yeah. accent. I know. I hear that all know? the time too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I'm sure that, uh, Colonel Niger Fabelsham probably gets, you know, he gets laid more often than, uh, well, it's funny. Colonel Fabersham on, on, on the, on the Donk Down show, we once, uh, Hollywood Dave was on there and he once said, Hey, here's the number of this, uh, this girl I know. Let's just call her and mess with her. She was like an act, like a wannabe actress in in Hollywood. So Colonel Fabersham just called her and started talking to her. Just out of nowhere, he didn't say who, you know, how she's supposed to know him. She just how can an Nigel Fabersham hand just started talking to her, and she mm-hmm. kept talking to him. Well, by the end of the call, she really liked Colonel Fabersham. Like she really right. seemed into him. And then I actually I, I had Colonel Fabersham at her on Facebook eventually too. Oh, so she still to this day believes he's real. And every once in a while, I go on the account and I'll make some kind of. Uh, like like overly British response to something she posts. So she she's with a guy. She's married now or something. So she's not interested in Mr. Fabersham anymore. But well, I, and I don't think there's anything silly about it either because you know we're we're just naturally interested in things that are out of the ordinary. We live our day to day lives, and something that's a little bit different or unique is of course going to stand out. Yeah, you know. Well, so anyway, that's so that's what's going on with with. Uh, this whole debate and yeah, you know, Liv Bory weighed in, and uh, I, I'm not going to read all the different uh, takes on this. You can go find it on Twitter if you want. But uh, uh, Daniel Negreanu threw in a, a good point, unrelated directly to the gender stuff, but but uh, it, it might help solve the problem that Natasha was mentioning. And he says, been reading, quote, stuff, <laughs> referring to the gender stuff, <laughs> and, and firmly believe there should be a prestigious GPI ranking system for events 10K and lower. Super high rollers dominate unfairly. That's a good point. He should, he's saying throw, maybe have two different categories for awards, that uh, you know, one that includes super high rollers and one that don't, because the, if, if there's too many of these and they, if you don't play them, you're not going to win. And that's not fair. So I... I I think that, and then and the other part of that is that it's then a elite club that is very hard to break into, and yeah, not just break into, but you can't uh, you can't unless you have the money to do it. You, the, well, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. If it's not even like you can't break into it, but it's, it's hard. It's it just yeah, you, you just shut out completely unless you right. have a very very huge bankroll to do it. 
So, yeah, I, it, it's almost like buying a title in a way or, or buying your way into a chance to have the title. So, right. Uh, it, it would be like giving World Series Player of the Year based upon whoever cashes the most. Well, it's always going to be the winner of the one drop. So that doesn't really say who's the player of the year. So that's he, – he's kind of saying that. I, I agree with him. So that yeah. – now that, that – I still think that you're not going to get a female player of the year for a while because there's just so many more men competing – forward than women, the chance of a woman winning it is just not that high. That's even if there are yeah, some that's the reality. Even if there are some very good female tournament players, which there are. Yeah, I mean you remember those years when we had uh a few years ago, we had a couple of women that got pretty deep. Yeah, I played with one of them. She was and in fact uh, and I she was super aggressive. I played with, with her on day two and it, it wasn't good because I couldn't make any hands. But uh yeah she yeah there's two women who made like tenth and eleventh. Well, I can guarantee you that the execs at the WSOP and ESPN and everywhere else were just creaming their pants, hoping, hoping that one of those uh, women make it to the final table or even wins. Yeah, they they were fairly good looking too. That was uh, yeah. I remember the one at my table was that there's a guy, and this is like day no, it was day three, wasn't day two? This is day three, and there was a guy at the table really trying to awkwardly hit on her. It was embarrassing, but uh, a young guy. She was like twenty six, but uh, he said. Yeah, and didn't didn't her boyfriend like buy her into that event? Yeah, he did. The one I'm thinking of. She, yeah. yeah, it was it, it was her boyfriend bought her, and it was funny. He said that, like she she was like just very very aggressive, and, and it worked. Yeah. And it, it was funny because like the way he was hitting her, I was like, "Wow, you're, you're not just beautiful. You're a really good poker player too." And I'm just like face palming. Oh my god. That's, uh. <laughs> that's you don't say something like that. Come on. So. And she just, yeah, you know, she was polite about it. She said, oh, thank you, thank you. And then she said, she threw in something about her boyfriend. Like, oh, yeah, my boyfriend taught me right. something like that. So so he got the message. Which was done on purpose yeah, and yeah. good for her. She's being smart about it. Yeah. So, uh, so let, let's go to the Lyman topic. He, I, I had thought he was uh, banned from Twitter, and so did everybody else. But now I'm starting to wonder if he was actually banned or if he just deleted himself and pretended he was banned because it's very hard to get banned from Twitter as we discussed last week. Right. And unless it involves uh, some kind of high profile situation. So if you're harassing a celebrity, if you are a celebrity uh, harassing someone else, uh, something like that. So someone who's, when I say celebrity, I mean anyone who's, who's known to the public. It was kind of like a public figure like that. Well, like Martin Shkreli, he was, he was, I think banned from there for uh, bothering some woman who'd done a, an article on him and making sexual comments about her or, or uh, you know, Milo Yiannopoulos, he was banned for, uh, he didn't even do it directly, but some people who followed him were harassing Leslie Jones about the Ghostbusters film and calling her racist names. And he got banned for it, which I didn't agree with, but you know, the, they, they would do things like that to, to, so people would get the impression that Twitter is doing things about cyberbullying. But the truth is for the average Joe on Twitter, if it doesn't involve a celebrity or high profile situation, you just don't get banned from there. So, uh, so we were wondering how Lyman, who, yeah, he had these, his Trump-related meltdowns, but was that really enough to get banned from Twitter, given that we've seen much worse things happen on Twitter and those people don't get banned? So, surprise, surprise, Lyman popped up on Twitter again a few days ago on the same account, on Ly- at Lyman Poker. And his account uh, I, I guess it's it's possible that the ban the ban happened to end or he appealed and won the appeal and came back 
But I think it's more likely that he was never banned in the first place and just banned himself, much in the way it's suspected that he is not really retired or has sold his piece of Live at the Bike, but uh, has just stepped back and is not broadcasting anymore. So he returned, let's see. It was. I'm trying to. Scroll, he sent so many tweets. I'm trying to scroll down to the first one. I can't believe how much he's tweeted in just uh, a day and a half. Well, he's had it bottled up. <laughs> yeah, boy, he's tweeted. Oh my god, I can't. I'm, I'm scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. It's never ending. Uh, see, I haven't been really following everything he's been writing. Wow, this is. I cannot believe how long this is. <laughs> uh, okay, finally, I'm, I'm getting past it here. So, he made tweets on uh, December 21st, 2016. The last tweet we see from him was he's he was retweeting uh, something about Donald Trump and he put pure unadulterated scum referring to Trump. That was it. That was the last we see from him. Possible he made some other tweet that was deleted and then he got banned for that, but uh, also possible he just killed his account at that point. So th- this had been about a month and a half since the election. He was still melting down about Trump every day. Maybe he just decided his only way to stop this was to ban himself from Twitter. So he disappeared after December 21st, claiming he was banned from Twitter. A little more than two months later, February 28th, he just shows up with, yo. Now, now keep in mind, February 28th is not an even number of days in any way from December 21st. That is, I believe, uh, 69 days from, from December 21st. So you have 31, 31, and then 7. So I, I couldn't see him being banned for 69 days, unless they're trying to make a, a joke from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. 69, dude! Like, unless there's something like that. I don't see Twitter saying, okay, Lyman, you're banned for 69 days. So I, I I really have to think that if he just popped back up on February 28th, it wasn't because his account was re-enabled 69 days later. I think I think he either appealed to be re-enabled and they said okay, or he was enabled the whole time and was never banned, which I think is more likely. But we're- so I'm going to take the, the opposite on that. I, I think that probably what happened is he got banned – and he was just like, ah, fuck it, I don't care anyway, fuck them, you know, whatever. And then, you know, all this stuff went down, and he went on vacation, and maybe he either, while he was on vacation, he had the time to look into getting unbanned, or, or when he got back, you know, whatever. Um, but especially since a lot of these outlets have been taken away, uh, as you were mentioning last week, yeah, you know, maybe he got a little antsy and he said, "You know what? I want my Twitter back." And he probably just finally got around to trying to ask to be reinstated. I, I just don't see him like faking. Well, you, you might be you might that. be right because I, I just got called out. I just got called okay. out. Uh, I, I love how quickly the word gets around. Unless he's listening, in which case, uh, hey Lyman, welcome to call in seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. But he just says, "Just got told mongoloid at Todd Wattellis." says I wasn't banned from Twitter, and it was staged by me. $100,000 bet, scum. Okay, so, look. The problem with these type of bets, and I've seen them before, and, and but he might be right. Maybe he wasn't banned. The problem with these type of bets is that when the person challenging you to the bet is the only one who knows the truth, it, then, then you are afraid to bet with them. 
unless you have some knowledge of the situation. And the only way I could have such knowledge is if I worked for Twitter or knew someone who did. So, right. so Those are the other people that do know, though, right? What? You're saying people who... Uh, yeah, I think that, people that right. work for Twitter right. know, too. I mean, right. It's not just him. It's no, not just Lyman. I know. It's not just to... him, but it would have to be, like, if he doesn't think I know someone who could give me that information or would give me that information, then he yeah. could put something up like that. And, and even if he really did not get banned, and I'm correct, he knows I wouldn't take that bet, believing that he wouldn't offer it unless he could win. So it, it's, it's something like that, where the person who offers based upon something that you're, you're – you make a statement about someone, they say, you're wrong, I'll bet you – Whatever you want on it, then you're afraid to take the bet because you're unless you know for sure they're wrong, you figure they wouldn't offer that unless they they, they knew they could. Be. Yeah, I mean this is clearly like the the old stack a dunk a dunk line from the early two thousand poker online poker where you, you know that the fish is just never ever going to fold, so you just shove all in for like ten times pot. Yeah, and and you know that they're going to call, and I guarantee you that he. He he knows what is right. <laughs> you know what I mean. And I didn't know any of this before I was saying what I was saying. But. Yeah, no, I, I don't think you you saw that. He just made it like. In fact, I think while you were talking, while he wrote that. But anyway, Lyman, you can call in seven seven five three seven two eight three five five seven seven five fraud fifty five. He's he's going to make some excuse. I don't want to call into that crappy show. I'm not calling that. My first instinct is to bet you that he won't call in, <laughs> but I lose money every time I yeah, do this on this show. True. I- <laughs> but okay, so I, I don't know if he's f- f- faking. It is possible what you're saying is true that he just decided he was bored and, and or, or had so much to say he couldn't bottle it in any longer and appealed it and got unbanned. But I, I think he, you know, I just knowing him, I, I think that when he got banned, he was just kind of like fuck them and. Had other stuff to do and just didn't feel like dealing with it, and he just now, for whatever reason, got around to trying to get unbanned. I, th- I think how quickly he got the word that I was talking about him. I mean, this was like a minute after I said that I thought he might be faking the ban. Yeah. He's right there tweeting about how he's going to bet me a hundred thousand dollars on it. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, he he has sent so many tweets since then. I'm just scrolling up and up and up and up. I mean, he's I, he he's just going crazy. He's had this bottle up for a long time. Uh, someone said he should come on this show, or no? Someone said he should go listen to what Bart Hansen said about him. I don't think Bart said anything bad, though. I mean, he's just retelling the situation. Yeah, I didn't think know? so either. But he says so. Someone tweeted to him. It's a person named uh, Venture CL Three R said, "Lyman Poker, welcome back. When can we hear your side of what Crush Live Poker said about you on Poker Fraud Alert?" And he says back, "I can't listen to Todd's horrible show, Cliffs." Well, the cat was away. The mice did play. So I guess I guess uh, Bart Hansen's the mouse. Is, is that or am I the mouse? I don't know who the mouse is in this situation. Well, I guess my point is that you know Bart wasn't on here trashing him. Bart was just recounting what happened, and then I was there. That is what happened. You know. Yeah, I, I already he he said I, here he said I'm not calling the shitbag show. That's what he just said. Why won't he call the shit? I called his I called his shitbag show a few times. Why won't he call this show? Doesn't want to give you the free publicity. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. I, I, honestly, I think part of it is he doesn't want to deal with it, and the other part of it is uh, with that you know golden parachute agreement, whatever it ends up being with a bike, he probably just also doesn't want to put himself in situations where he could be doing anything to violate it. You know. I think a, a Lou Father is trying to bait him into calling Lou Father. Uh, <laughs> Lou Father tweeted him and says. 
uh, Lyman, heard you were a pedo. Call into the show. <laughs> now, I will, I, I will say for the record, I've never once said that Lyman is a pedo. I have no evidence of that, and I've never suspected that. Uh, this is uh, Lou Father's words, not mine. That's just <laughs> what he tweeted. But... Uh, so then, but he, yeah, he says, he, I'm, I'm not calling to that shitbag show. He can message me and call me if he wants. I'm not listening through the nonsense. It would be the same oh, conversation. Then call him, bro. <laughs> I, I think he would. He didn't say when. Yeah. Call him now. I don't even have his phone number. I, the only number I had. Well, actually, I had his phone number a long time ago, but I didn't save it. But I'll, I'll say this. The conversation we would have on this show would be the same one that we would have off the show, like where no one could hear. The only difference would be I wouldn't be playing sound effects on the, on a, a private phone call. But other than that, it would, be, it would be the exact same conversation. I'm not going to put on a fake attitude with him calling in here. It would be the same exact words I would use uh, in both situations. I I would like to know, uh, not just so much about his band. Do it for the show, Druff. I, I don't even have his number at the moment. I I, I yeah, had it I no I had it once when he called into this show or I called him I don't remember how it went but when the one time he was on here uh, I did have a number he was calling from but I didn't save it I, I don't save any of these numbers I probably should but I I don't save it so he would have to send me his number and I'm sure what he's trying to say here is that he said you could call him <laughs> well here he just he just at messaged me again L- lying Todd. How am I lying, Todd? Isn't that like what Trump would say? See, he hates Trump so much, but he, he acts just like Trump. Lying Todd can PM me here, and I'll give him my number. I'm not going to listen to his idiocy for hours on his hold line. Well, okay. I mean, it's fine. I'll, I, you got I, his number. Call him. I, I, okay. If, if you could send me his number, I'll call him right now. Do it. Did you send it to me? Let me see. Yeah, you did. Okay. We will call. It's for the radio. For the good of the show, yeah. it'll be entertaining. <laughs> okay, everybody. So I'm going to give you a warning here. Uh, get your volume knob ready and, and get ready to turn it down. And I'm just going to, like, mute and let you two go at <laughs> <Okay>. it. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll just complicate things to have. To have you I'm not, I'm not going to try and jump have, in the middle of that. Have you as part that. of the conversation. I'm going to try to call here. Do it. We'll see if he is willing to come on. Even if it costs you a couple of credits in your Skype account, do it. I'm doing it. We still got Trader Ruski here? Well, hold on. That's not it. I, I, hold on. I did something wrong here. Trying to get you. Okay, so we're going to add people. There we go. Hit the wrong button. He's probably, he's probably laughing right now at the difficulty in adding him to the show but he i had, don't know that he's even listening no, someone well he had someone else on his listening. phone he has phone issues all the time on his show what okay so you are what? listening to me. I, I hear myself in the background you are listening to me i knew it i i i i've been told that you're talking about me no i know that but you said you weren't going to listen at all so at least you're listening so i was told you were talking about me so when people talk fucking smack about me I want to know what's going on. I see. Well, you know what's going on. Okay, so let's let's start with a simple thing. You say you were banned from Twitter. So how did you get back there on February twenty eighth? Did you do? Did you appeal? How, how did you just return there sixty nine days after being banned? I can. I 
Twitter told me that there was a big misunderstanding. Okay. So I always use my Twitter. I've been using my Twitter account since I was banned. And they've told me, you're banned for fucking life. I, I, when I first got banned, I wanted to find out why. And they said targeted harassment. Okay. Did they, tell you, did they tell you who, who are you harassing, supposedly? No. They just said targeted harassment, and they said your, your ban will never be lifted. Okay. Whatever. I was like, fuck it. I don't, uh, what, what the fuck? Like, there's a lot of social media. I'll do whatever. Then, and I would be on my Twitter account. I use my Twitter account still, even though I was banned, because I want to see, like, you know, what Trump is saying. I want to see what smart other smart people are saying, not fucktards like Trump. I want to see, like, what Kurt Eichenwald is saying. Uh, I want to see what David Fahrenheit is saying. And so I'm on there. Then this pink band pops up that says, your, so that says, contact Twitter about your band, basically. I click on it, and it says, Do, were you having a problem with uh, blah, 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 like Mac for Windows or something? So I said, whatever, yeah, I'm having a problem. I fucking can't use Twitter. And I hit send. Then I get an email in my email, snap in my email box that says, if you can read this email, reply. I'm telling you exactly what happened. I said, yes, I replied. Then, like, within 24 hours, I got an email saying, Twitter is, I can, I could, if you want to bet me, $100,000. No, I, I don't want to bet you $100,000. I just, uh, I, your story is very possible. I'm, I wasn't saying I was sure about what I was claiming. It was just a theory. But, but when, when you did, don't know anything, Todd, you're a fucking moron. I know, I'm making, I, know, I don't know anything. I, I came up with a theory that was very plausible, even if it was incorrect. But no, your theory was not fucking plausible. Why was it not plausible? Fucking retarded. No, it was the dumbest you're theory. you're a drama like, queen. You could have easily done that. You easily could have done. Am that. I gonna fucking sit around my house setting up a fake ban for myself? Yes, Todd. Yes, Todd. You fucking idiot. Listen to me. Everybody, I have five thousand fucking followers. All five thousand followers went to my Twitter account, and the Twitter account said you are banned. Did I hack Twitter? You idiot. Wait, how did they say you are banned? You would only see that. They don't see that. They only no, see that your account's saw. gone. No, everyone saw it, Todd. Every human. It, it, said, it said you were banned? All, yes, all 5,000 people. That's why they would call into Poker Sesh every fucking week and say, are you, you're banned for Twitter. Why are you banned for Twitter? How's everyone get banned for Twitter? Okay, I, 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 don't, I, don't know, I don't know what message banned. comes up. I don't know if it says they're banned or they're just gone. So I, I don't know. If, if no, it says you're banned, then you're banned. Yes, it says this user has been okay. Then you were probably banned. Okay, then you were probably banned. See, I haven't seen uh, that message before. So, oh wow! Now, now you fucking are thinking instead of fucking spouting off nonsense. I was spouting off a theory. I didn't. I never said that is what happened. I said it's a theory. It's possible. But anyway, so so, so, so what? When? When did this? It's not possible. It's like me saying, "Oh, here's my theory. My theory is." That the guy on my TV right now lives in my TV. 
I'm not going to go check. No, because that's not possible. See, what I just said is very possible. But let's go on here. It's not. Very when did the possible. when did this? Okay, stop screaming. When did the pink bar come up that you're talking about? Like three days ago. So it just out of nowhere came up there, and then you clicked on it and followed its instructions, and then it was it was uh, yesterday when it it told you you're back. Uh, no, they did. I, I here's what happened. I like I was telling you, I go on Twitter. And forever it has said, you are not allowed, like this bar would come up that said, you are not allowed to use Twitter, right? And, but it didn't, but even though the bar was up there, I could still scroll through uh, other people's tweets. And so, like, I didn't fucking care. Like, I was really only using it as a, as like a news feed. And it's a really great news feed, even though for a while I thought they were shitbags fucking morons for barring me right like i was like how the fuck do you get barred from twitter this is impossible like only like celebrities get barred from twitter but whatever i don't know i have a lot of followers and i'm a very important person so (laughs) i figured maybe i'm a celebrity whatever so then one day after this pink bar came up i didn't i don't check my email that often because I don't use email Mm -hmm. and uh, I noticed that the black bar didn't come up anymore. The one that said you can't tweet. That's why my first tweet is so stupid. My first tweet is just, yo, why? Oh, if I knew that I could have a first tweet, I would have a fucking killer ass first tweet. But the reason why it just says, why? Oh, it's because I didn't think it was going to work. I, actually, I think "Yo" was the smartest tweet you've you've written in months. Well, I'm accidentally like I'm just like I I sort of just do the right thing uh, by my nature, you know. So it worked out. So I twice I I put in "Yo," I hit send, and holy fuck, it's like hundreds and hundreds of fucking responses and likes and retweets. I'm like, holy fuck, this shit works, man. The fucking shit worked. I'm back. And that was it. Then I went to my email, and my email just said from Twitter, this is what it said. It just said, you did not violate any Twitter policies. That's all it said. Like, you, you're done. Okay. Like, that's, you made a mistake. Well, congratulations. You're back. But let's, let's go to some more important things here. Uh, you're, you're no longer broadcasting the poker sesh. You're no longer on live at the bike. There, there's been some, you're going to hate this again, but there's theories. There's theories that you yeah. that you have not been bought out, but that you have just stepped back. You still own part of Live at the Bike. You're just no longer in the forefront. You're no longer broadcasting. Uh, so are, are you? Oh, these th- fucking theories. These are the these are theories that come from like fucking morons, fucking like mongoloids that say things like, "I think that Lyman faked." This is like you. You're like you were. You're like one of the idiots who would say, "I faked the moon landing." Ryman faked his band. Okay, so are, are you stating for, for certain, with certainty, that you have sold all interest in Live at the Bike? Why would I state that for certainty? Because, because if you did, then say you it. did it. No, no, don't try and trick me. You I'm not. A moron. I'm not You're tricking not you. I'm asking you to make a direct statement. I'm not tricking you. I'm asking you for a very direct You're, statement. I don't own Live at the You're Bike. Not, I will make the statement. I, I, do, I personally do not own anything of Live at the Bike. Now you can make the statement. Go ahead. You are not a smart person. <laughs> you cannot trick me. You cannot get me to say anything. I, Todd, I'm just like 
so much fucking smarter than you. No, we no. We don't even exist on the same planet. No, that I agree. Like, I, I agree we don't exist on the same planet. I, I don't... The, the idea that... I don't. I don't spend my days uh, obsessing over Donald Trump. That that I don't do, and you do. Todd, you did this so poorly. Like it's so ham handed. Why won't you answer the question? Why won't you answer the question? It's a simple question. Why? Todd, Todd, you. If you want to try to trick me, you can't. Where is the trick? Where's the trick? I'm asking you a direct question. There's no trick. There's no trick. Todd, I already fucking did a fucking podcast that was probably listened to by. 20 times as many people as this shitbag podcast. And I I read a statement, and the statement says everything that I'm going to say. I don't want a statement. I want an answer, a direct answer to my question. It's not a trick. It's a direct answer to my direct question. Oh, Todd. Okay. So do you just like, like when, when two companies merge, does Todd would, like, uh, you know, when, when Viacom and Comcast merge, does Todd would tell us, get on the horn and be like, Tell me the details of this. I need to know the details of this merger. Uh, like, Todd, there are certain things you don't get to know. These are business decisions. No, but, but Vi- Viacom doesn't have to sit back when, when Comcast big times them. So it's a different uh, situation. Well, I can talk about dog puke. If you want me to talk about dog puke. You, you, can, you can do I that, too. If you, want to talk about, if you want to talk about Doug Polk, you're welcome to. But I, I would like an answer, though, if, if you wait, really have wait, sold your wait. part of Live at the Bike. Wait, who's Doug Polk? I'm talking about dog puke. That, that's that's extremely clever. <laughs> no, it's not. How, how much have you had to drink tonight? What do you think your blood alcohol content is right now? What's your BAC? Uh, no, no, this this actually it's got to be pretty a high. Bit of a, no, I mean it's whatever. It's medium, but <laughs> this is Kawat there. Can you put Calwatt on the phone? No, let's not involve Calwatt in this whole thing. Let's let, let, go on. No, t- t- I want Andrew. Put fucking Andrew on the phone because Andrew says he knows the truth about everything. And I like Andrew, by the way. That's good. So why are we involving him in this? This is between you and I. Because that fucking cut bitch, Bart, fucking Blart, it, 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 this is what I hear. This is what I... Tell me if I'm wrong. Because... I know that sometimes you get bad information on Twitter and people PMing you in this. Somebody is telling me, Pokemoner, I mean, somebody's telling me that Blart, fucking pacey bitch Blart, is running around saying that that I'm an alcoholic and this is the reason why all hell broke loose or something. Is this true? No, that's not what he said. No. You can go back and listen to it. It was on last week's show. I will even do you a favor after this is over. I can find what timestamp it is so you can fast forward to it because I, I know how valuable your time is. So I, I can find the point where it began in the show. Uh, I can't play it for you right now, but, uh, but he didn't, he did not say that things went south, things went south between the two of you because of any alcoholism. Though you probably were an alcoholic too, did, but that, that did that's he mention he this? Did he mention that like alcohol might be a reason why I act crazy or some shit like this. I think I probably said it, but I don't know if he said it. Okay. You probably would. Because if Bart, if fucking Bart said that, that little fucking bitch, it, that's a, like, where, where would he get off on this? Okay, so I want to know the truth on that because I could have been lied to. Well, you can go listen. Uh, it's it's recorded. It, I, it's recorded, so you can go listen. I mean, I can find the, the timestamp for you. If you said it, 
whatever. You you say so much fucking stupid shit. It's hard to decipher like what one from the other. You know. You you said that I like. You said I faked my Twitter ban. Oh, let's not get oh back to that God. again. Come on. You you said it. If we we already went over it. it. It was a it was a legitimate theory. You 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 said something which I probably believe. Why are we going back to this? Why? This is the because, least interesting part of the whole conversation. The, this is the least in- interesting part of the whole conversation. Stop going no, back to it. No, this is the most interesting no, part. No, Because the 11 people, the 11 fucking retards that listen to your fucking show, retweet this fucking stupid shit you say, and they need to know that you don't fucking have If there's only 11 retards, you shouldn't care. If it's only 11 retards, you shouldn't care. Because uh, all eleven of them bother me, dude. Then block, like I think, block the eleven I, retards. I think your entire site is just me now. Really? Yeah. yeah exactly. Is that like your your five thousand followers? Joy Ingram is is tweeting me. Would you big time Joy Ingram? No, I would never big time Joey Ingram. Well, well okay, why so... are you saying that? Joy... I'm not even big time in Todd with Tellis. The See... only reason why I made Todd call me is because I don't want to listen to. Oh my god, you fucking talk about the call-in number, and then you talk about the fucking, uh, the, the topics you're gonna discuss for the so, show. So, so why, why don't we talk about 80 minutes of, about, uh, Doug Polk big-timing you? That's, that's, uh, that's a good topic. Okay. Let's go, 80 minutes, okay, start. Dog puke. We can talk about dog puke as much as you want, but I cannot talk about business relationships with life at the bike, other than what I already said. Yeah, because, I, because your statement probably wasn't true, that's probably why. But go on, tell us about Doug Polk. Oh, you don't think my statement's true? You want to bet hundred thousand? Oh no, let's start this again. Okay. So you, you fucking retard. What, what, what are the What are the terms you want? What's the terms you want to bet me? What's the terms you want to bet me? Before you learn, I don't. I just say the way things are. Listen, you. You won't even state for the record that you sold your part of Live at the Bike. You keep avoiding that. And I, there's a reason for that. I never. No, I never said that ever under any circumstance. You could. I have a statement. There's an official statement. But make one here. Just make your own statement now. I don't want to dick up your crappy statement. Just tell us what the truth is. Just tell us directly what the truth is. Hey, dumb fuck. If you didn't want to (laughs) dick up my statement, why'd you fucking call me? Why did you call me? To get the answer from your alcoholic mouth. Uh, Oh, now, oh, wait, now you're saying, okay. You just admitted you're drunk. You admitted you're drunk. We watch you drinking on your own show. We Uh, watch you with a drink in hand. You're telling me you're not alcoholic? just because you have a drink doesn't mean you're an alcoholic. Okay. Oh, no. Are you playing the sound effects? Jesus fucking Christ. I knew you would love that. I knew you would love that. That's why hey, I did Todd, it. can I ask you a... Todd, Todd yeah. you're an okay guy. Can I ask you a serious question? Mm-hmm. Did you ever figure out a way to get Skype to bring in a second caller? Because that's almost killed me. It literally ruined my life. How do you bring in a... What happened to Skype? What is this? The tech support tutorial? Is, Skype yes, has a I lot? want tech support. You're a nerd. Hey, okay. You're a total fucking nerd. Hello. You, you've reached you Dell Technical Support. Uh, wh- how can I help you, my friend? Yes, Would you like your you. help with Skype, yes. my friend? Yes. More okay. races. I, I, yeah, I, want, no. I want you to click on, on, the, button, on the Windows yes. button, and then you yes. click Run, Start Run, yes. and type yes. in the Skype. S-K-Y-P-E. Yes. Okay. Mother Chode. Randy, thank you very much, Mother Chose. Okay, listen. Listen to me. Listen. <laughs> Did you, on your Skype, can you add a caller? Yes. I'm just asking you because. Yes. How? How? 
So you 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 constantly insult me in this show, and you want me to help you if you ever bring your crappy show back up, so you can fix this ridiculous problem you had that for some reason yeah. you and you you and the brain trust over there uh, could not figure out. There is no brain trust. Well, that's You're for sure. You're a nerd. That's for sure. You hang out with you hang out with fucking Andrew, who's a who's a great guy. But although his fucking throat is shaped like Bart's dick, he's a great guy. Even though his throat is in the exact shape of Bart's dick, it's just happenstance. It's just happenstance that his throat is the exact shape of Bart's. You're dick. really trying to it's get him out and talk to you. You're really trying to draw him out to talk to you. I can tell. I love Andrew, but Andrew is super smart about fucking tech shit. So if you can add a caller, then I want to know how to add a caller. How do you add a fucking caller on Skype? You just had a call. It, it, there's there's a function to do it. I don't know. Like Skype has some other problems. Like I'll, I'll tell you one thing I'm having an issue with, and that is sound effects. If I play sound effects like uh, the one you love so much, this one uh, that does the the cuckoo call, that one. See, sometimes the co-host and the callers can hear it, and sometimes they can't. And Skype just arbitrarily seems to decide whether the caller is going to be able to hear sound effects, and that's very tilting. I'm trying to grapple with that one, and that one's very weird. No, no, Todd, I don't want to hear your sound effects. I want you to show me that you can add in a caller. Add in Okay, I, I understand you want me to show you, but this is not tech support chat, so let's talk about more exciting things here. The, the, callers don't, the, the listeners don't want to hear about uh, how I'm operating Skype. They hear enough about that when I struggle with it. Wait, if, 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 if someone else calls in right now, does their, their number pops up, right? Yes. Does it give you the plus symbol? It doesn't give me a plus symbol. Some, sometimes, usually I can add them. Occasionally it screws up where it will not let me add them. And then I have That's to... That's right! Okay. Why is that? Because Skype, that is, because Skype is a piece of crap and it has bugs. That's why. All right, good. I just wanted to make sure that you didn't have a special Skype that I don't have. Well, I might. I might have that too. But uh, apparently I can operate it better than you even though I'm a fucking moron. Yeah, uh, you also have a special Twitter that tells you whether I faked my fucking banning, you fucking idiot. See, the thing is, I don't, I don't have that much of an interest in you. I just, uh, you know, when something comes up oh, about wait. you to talk, I, I talk wait, about Todd, it. Todd, Todd, oh, if you no. don't have that much interest in me, then why did you fucking call me, you dipshit? I have an interest in you in the moment because oh, you've been uh, uh, you've been freaking out. Oh, I'm a tryst. I'm just a tryst for you. you you're just—you've been freaking out. You've been melting down. It's—it's—it's it's, uh, it's like a train wreck. So I've—I have the, a yeah. momentarily a momentary interest in you. But let's talk about Doug Polk. Why? Why uh, were you I'm so? I'm also smoking. At, wait, this is another thing I want to tell Andrew. Yeah. I'm also enjoying. Tell Andrew mm-hmm. that I'm enjoying a God of Fire. Uh, Don Carlos, no Carlito, and I think that the God of Fire Carlito in the Maduro, Maduro uh, uh, shape is, I think that it is actually the Don Carlos Robusto. The, I think, no, I'm not cuckoo. Andrew cares about the shit, and he would know the truth. But, but he's, he not, he's not part of this conversation. Why are we talking about it? I don't even know what you're saying here. Because you don't know what I'm saying, because I'm saying something important. And when people say important What's things, important about like it? I don't understand. Chinese. It's some personal message to, to Andrew. So let's let's yes. talk about Doug Polk. That's but, what people want to hear. Todd. I want to talk about Doug no Polk. Longer, Forget this thing. Wait, I don't know what you're talking Todd, about here. I don't want to talk about it. No, let's talk about Doug no Polk. It's no longer your show. Of course this it's my no show. Your show. Of course it's my show. This is it's, my it's, show. It, no, no. This is I, my I, show. I know you're suffering from withdrawal symptoms that you don't have your show to, <laughs> to rest. <laughs> oh, boy. 
Okay, oh, boy. Todd. Listen, I want to hear about Doug Polk. Why do you feel he was big-timing you just because he was 20 minutes late because he got confused at the time to call in? Why, why was that a big deal? Can't, Todd, this is fair, right? Can, can I offer you a fair deal? Okay. Let Andrew interview me. Why, why are you bringing Andrew into this? Let's just do it. Why? He has a better voice. You sound like a weasel, dude. Oh, wait, he has a better voice. Are you? Do you hear? <laughs> do you hear what you sound like? I don't care. Have, have you listened you to yourself? Me, bitch. Have you, you listened to? Yes, me. I called you. I, I warned everybody to turn down their volume. You're 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 very you very me. difficult to listen to. Uh, no, you're very very unnerving and difficult to listen to. Uh, actually, my my last show had a thousand viewers, so a lot of people can listen to my show. This show has Thanks. more than a thousand listeners, so. You're, this show has yes. no fucking no, Okay, you can you can say that if you want. It's not true. Todd, live? There's a thousand people listening right now. No, not live. No, overall. Yeah, you're full of shit, dude. You're just lying again. No, I'm not. You're fucking nope, lying again. No, I don't do that. I know that a thousand people I don't do that. I don't, I don't lie about listeners. I don't lie about retiring. I don't do things like that. I don't lie about because not being a drunk. I, Todd, if I did a show... And it was live with you, which we did more than once. I remember it was fucking horrible. It there was horrible. A thousand that that I agree tweets. with. There would be a thousand, not a thousand, but there would be dozens and dozens of tweets. My tweets would be going blah, 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 blah. I'm on the, I'm on the air with you. Nobody's tweeting you, you, nobody's you, fucking listening. You live, you live on Twitter. That's why. You live on Twitter. Well, well, since I got unbanned, I do. I'm back on Twitter since I got unbanned. Thank you. Okay, Todd. So tell us about Doug Seriously. Polk. You're, you keep changing the topic. Tell us about Doug Polk. Why did you feel he was big-timing you just because he was 20 minutes late and it seemed to be a confusion that he, he thought he could call in any time and you thought he was calling in at 7? So why was that worth an 80-minute rant and meltdown that resulted in your getting fired or asked to step back in a, from your own show? Can you explain? Don't, don't, don't say stupid shit that's not true. Okay, then I correct cannot me. be then, fired. Then, I was not fired. Then correct me. Correct. What, what huh? was the pro- what was the problem here? What were you mad about with Doug Polk? Since it seemed to be a miscommunication, why were you so mad that you ranted for eighty minutes? Why? Uh, well, that that rant was fucking epic, dude. It was one of the greatest things ever in the history of fucking poker. First of all, number one, it was great. It was amazing. It was riveting. Like the fucking viewership just went up and up and up. It was fun, and I was saying it the exact way I wanted to say it. So don't try to act like I was like unhinged. I was putting on a good entertainment, okay? Number one. Number two, the reason is because Dog Puke did try to big-time me, and I can, I can lay out the evidence here, okay? Okay. Dog Puke, Dog Puke uh, knew let me just do the timeline. I did a sh- I, I, I did my live show, right? Yes. And then in the middle of my live show, Dog Puke calls in two weeks before this all happened. And Dog Puke, I don't know he's calling in. He just calls in randomly. I don't even think it's him. I think it's somebody pretending to be Dog Puke. Because people will always pretend to be people on my show. We have a good time with it. At the, so in the beginning, I didn't even know it yet. So Dog Puke starts saying, Yo, bro, uh, I heard you've been talking smack about me, bro. 
in two weeks, there's going to be dog puke week on your channel. Bro. Let's play a heads-up match. Settle once for all. Who's the, who's the best poker player? He says some stupid shit like this, okay? And then I say, well, I'm not sure whether this is dog puke. And then, Ryan, like, Ryan Feldman's texting me like fucking maniac, little fucking fingers going like crazy. And he says, it's really, what? He says, it's really dog puke. He's telling me, he texts me like crazy. His little, his little fucking fingers are tapping away like fucking a million miles an hour. He's saying, dude, this is really dog puke on the phone with you, okay? So then I tell dog puke, I say, what, I, I never talked smack about you in my life, which is 100% true. I, don't, I never said you're a bad poker player. I'm sure you're very good. I mean, you're at least, you're almost as good as a computer, which makes you pretty damn good. Um, I said, I don't do heads-up matches because they're fucking stupid. I'm a professional gambler. I don't have, like, an ego involved in that. I just make money. I made money my whole, my whole life, and most of the money that I make from gambling goes into other investments, real estate, stocks, yada, yada, yada. Dog Puke then is like, he gets scared, and he says, oh, shit, I'm driving through a tunnel. The phone's breaking up. <laughs> and hangs up, okay? Because Dog Puke knew that I wasn't going to play any games. He knew, he knew that it was all a lie. He was trying to set up a heads-up match, which would help his channel. And maybe it would help my channel, okay? So... Fast forward, after the show, I call Ryan, because I knew that he was in contact with Dog Puke, and uh, I say, Ryan, what's this shit? Why did I get this fucking call? What's this bullshit? And he says, hey, Dog Puke wants to have a heads-up match. He thinks it'll be good for the channel, whatever. Uh, I say, well, it may be good for the channel. I don't fucking know, but... I'm negative EV in a fucking heads-up match with a guy who can beat most humans and everybody but a computer. And uh, uh, there's no good reason for me to do that. Like, I, I, I don't gamble for fun. I gamble for money. I say, but wait. Because I something, a little bell went off in my head. I, uh, something stuck in my craw. And what stuck in my craw was how once I started to press him a little, he pretended that his phone was breaking up and he had to hang up. And it, so I said, you know what? If Dog Puke will do a full interview on my show, the, the real deal, the full fucking two hours, just like he would do on Joey Ingram or anybody else, and we do a real fucking show, then I will play him on 5100 I will play until I lose $10,000 or 3 hours whichever comes first you have to this understand is- you have to understand though for, to, to try to force someone to put up with you for 2 hours just to, for even for $10,000 that's a pretty tough sell that's right it's negative ev it's you're right Todd this is one time you're right it's massively negative ev for him but guess what's negative ev for me playing the best heads up player in the world okay well, a computer is, but the best human, whatever that means. It doesn't fucking matter because there is no such thing as heads up poker. It's all dead. It's like the equivalent of backgammon or chess now. Um, but I say whatever. 
I will do this stupid exhibition if you do your stupid exhibition. Because my expected loss in three hours of live heads up at 5,100, even if I'm horrible, which I'm not, because I fucking play poker my whole fucking life. Let's say my expected loss is the exact same as the expected loss of the humans when they played Liberatus, 14 big blinds per 100 hands. In three hours, we're going to probably play 100 hands. So I'm going to lose 1,400 bucks. Uh, who fucking cares, dude? It's a rounding error. Uh, I might win. Then I can fucking say, whatever. It was, it was great, dude. I'll do a video. I would have done a video. How I fucking won in a stupid heads-up match that nobody fucking cares about. Whatever. I, I understood that he was going to take a negative EV loss and I was going to take a negative EV loss, okay? And we'd meet somewhere in the middle. It would be good for the channel. Now, so he was supposed to come on the show the next week. Ryan Feldman texted me. And, I, and this is not anything bad about Ryan. I think that he tries his hardest, you know. With, 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 with his little fingers, right? Yeah. You know, God bless his soul. God bless his soul. That that kid gives 100%. God bless his soul. We're, we're going, you know, we're going around here without really getting to the, the point here, but let's, let's get on with it. You are fucking telling me to get on with it. Yes. I, I, I'm, I'm, waiting for, I'm waiting for the important part about the phone call. I'm getting a lot of backstory that's not that important. Everything is important, dipshit. You, <laughs> listen, you don't fucking know what's important. If you knew what was important, a thousand people would be watching this live, and somebody, I've gotten one tweet about this show. Literally one tweet. So I can surmise that ten people are watching. All right. Now listen. You got God, God bless Ryan Feldman's soul. Um, and everything is great. That's all you need to know. That stops right there. Now, so as I understood it, Dog, Dog Puke was supposed to come on the next week to my show to do a full show. Now, this is not my opinion, dude. This was advertised on Twitter. On Facebook, on Instagram, retweeted, tweeted, Doug, Doug Puke fucking advertises shit, dude. And so it comes time, and then I don't, I'm not going to talk about, I guess I got to talk about private conversations. But then. I was informed that Dog Puke could not do the show. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't care, dude. This is this is a business arrangement. I don't fucking care. I, I didn't think Dog Puke was going to do the show. He's not going to do the show. It doesn't change anything about my life. I'm just not going to do a heads up because now we don't have an arrangement. doesn't matter to me. It was like, it's a wash. I don't fucking care. So I go about my life, and Ryan, you know, he keeps working hard. God bless his soul. Hardest working man. He's, you know, just little fingers going, everything's going. And uh, 
he gets back to me. He says, okay. The dog puke said that, like, he had a dental appointment <laughs> at 7 p.m. on a Monday. Uh, wow, I wish I had a dentist. That. Um, this is what I was told. I don't know if any of this is true. And he says, he'll come on the next week. The next week. Okay. Fine. Whatever. I don't care. As long as we do the full two-hour interview... It's a real fucking show, and uh, I gave him my number. Like, when, when you got you, – I never gave you my number or planned to be on the show, but then once somebody on Twitter fucking told me you're talking fucking smack about me, uh, you called me within one minute, dude. This, you're a professional, Todd. I'll give you that. You, oh, you wow. behave. Hey, he said something nice about me for once. I can't believe it. Todd – you aren't smart, so you have to make it up, make oh, up see. for it with professional behavior. And your behavior is very on point. So uh, you, you get back. If, if, if unprofessional behavior is, is a sign of intelligence, then I would say you're, you're a genius. So go on. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Um, so then, then. I say, fine, tell dog puke, I'll fucking put the whole fucking thing off for a week, he can come on next week on Monday, it doesn't make any fucking difference, and we'll do the fucking full interview, and believe me, I don't, I, 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 I prepare for interviews in a certain way, I, I like to know, like, all the details, because, unlike you, I'm not going to do ham-handed lines of attack, I am going to slowly brew my guests and they're going to be at 10 degrees, 20 degrees, 30 degrees, 40 degrees, 50 degrees. And by the time they're fucking boiling, they aren't going to fucking know they're dead. And if you've heard any of my interviews, this is the way I do it. I fucking boil the frog. So I know exactly how this is going to go. If there's anything to learn. And if there's not anything to learn, we're just going to have a good time. But I know that what I'm building up to, I think about this fucking shit in advance. This is why I ended up at the end of my show having fucking David, having, well, not David, uh, fucking Mason Malmuth trying to tell jokes to the audience. I knew what I wanted out of that. I wanted, I just, no, I, I, let's just, you just gotta listen to it. I know what I want out of things. Okay. So. Dog puke agrees. This is what I'm told. I never spoke with him other than the time that he called me and pretended that his phone didn't work. Ryan Feldman was the, was the middleman, but Ryan Feldman, this is all, this is logged, this is fucking, there's texts, there's tweets, there's fucking, this is logged. It's very clear. There's a fucking schedule, there's times on the schedule. I've had dozens of guests on my show. The guests start at the beginning of the show. Jacqueline Moscow, Mark Klang, you... Uh, Mason Malmuth, David Sklansky, DGAF, fucking, the fucking best fucking guest, you know. They all start at fucking minute one. So, minute one comes and he's not there. Whatever, you know, I understand. There might be a time difference between here and Las Vegas. Minute two, minute three, 
minute four, minute five, and then you can go back and I, I think somebody posted the show uh, around minute five. And, and meanwhile, all of Dog Puke's minions are in the fucking chat. All of his little fucking buddies, like seriously serious, that bitch, like all these, all the bitches, all the dog puke bitches are in chat. So I know because these people work for him. These are his business partners. I know that he knows. Your business partners don't show up on time. But here, let me give you a list of all the people who showed up on time. Me, my entire audience. His entire audience, we're talking about a thousand fucking viewers at this point. Me, my entire audience, his entire audience, and his fucking team, and my team, and Ryan Film, everyone's on time. Everyone is fucking on time. Everyone on the fucking planet who cares about this is on time, except for one person Dog Puke. Where's Dog Puke? Where's the man of the hour? Okay, so at the five, at 705-ish, 706-ish, I say, hey, I see the people in chat, Ryan, seriously serious, all his fucking minions. I say, wow, this seems like Dog Puke is um, starting to big time me here. Tell Dog Puke he has about 10 more minutes to call in or this fucking shit's off because you got to understand something. Dog Puke had put his logo all over Live at the Bike. It was Dog Puke Week. Live at the Bike promoted him up the yin-yang. There is splash pages. He had been promoted to at least, I mean, at this point, this had probably been promoted to 30,000 viewers. I've let you go on for a while here. I have a question. Why do you think, okay. why do you think he came late? If you think that he knew... That everybody was waiting for him there. He, if his associates, like seriously serious, were there, and you think he was intentionally waiting twenty minutes to call in just just to be a jerk or just to big yes. time you, or do do you think it's yes, possible big, he really just uh, couldn't call in until seven twenty no. and didn't think it mattered? I don't think it's possible, uh, but that, I, I think he was trying to big time me, and here's the reason why: if he shows up on time with bells on. And, do, and does the song and dance, he has to legitimize fucking Lyman, dude. Now, he's a bigger deal than me. So it fucks up the power structure. So if a bigger deal than me, if he, like, I'll tell you, let, let me ask, let me give you a thing. If he had to come to Los Angeles, right, and Dog Puke fashions himself at this point as some sort of a, uh, Dog Puke fashions himself as some sort of businessman. He thinks he's a brand. I, I Like the, the seriously serious bitch, that bitch. He was saying like, uh, Lyman did an a, a, a interview with Mark Clegg, and it was, a, it was a train wreck. We met with Dog Puke and told him this was a bad idea to fucking interview Mark Clegg. So it was bad for his brand. We don't want to have a train wreck like Poker Sesh. Meanwhile, the Poker Sesh with Mark Klang was a fucking dream, dude. This motherfucker is the real deal. He's like a real 
fucking live out loud degenerate. He's fucking on my show, snorting coke, driving his car around, listening to fucking yayo on the stereo. He fucking has to he has to drive down a dirt, a dark street and swing the door open to get cell phone reception because he's hiding for people he think might want to kill him. This is a fucking dream, dude. This guy's this is like real radio. This is what real men do. They don't fucking bitch about their fucking brand like a fucking cunt, dude. They just fucking do it, man. But I'm still not, under, I'm still not understanding the, what what is he gaining by showing up late. I'm not getting that. If if everybody is ready for him and even his own associates are ready for him, what does he gain by showing up late? It doesn't make sense to me. Well, here now I will teach you something. Okay. I will teach you something time to, time about, to learn. Learn in time. Go about, ahead. Yes, about power structures and power relationships. So he starts to show up late, and his audience, believe me, I, I never, I'm not, I'm not like delusioned here. Of the thousand people watching, three hundred were my people, and seven hundred were his. Let's just be honest, because on a normal show, I would get up the two hundred eighty-five, three hundred people watching live. But right now, I have a thousand, like nine hundred eighty people watching live or something. I know that the majority of the audience is his audience, right? So he starts big time, okay? And his audience immediately gets the dog whistle. His audience is in my chat, just fucking wilding out, just raging, like fuck Lyman, fuck Lyman's audience. They wouldn't be doing this if he showed up on time. Why? Why, why wouldn't they be doing this? If we, you, first of all, your audience is pretty terrible. I'll be honest. Like your chat no. room was the nut low. Your chat room was the absolute nut low. It was like it was like kids oh, you're on AOL chat. After my audience, bitch. Yes, your audience you're is terrible. After your audience, it's it's like teenage no. boys on AOL back in 1998. That's the way your chat no. room looked. That's the way your chat no. room looks. Yes. No. My audience is the fucking gold standard. My audience is the greatest fucking audience in the world. <laughs> I was hoping when you wrote about the gold friend. standard thing, you were being sarcastic. Sadly, it looks like you weren't. I'm not. Uh, that's, I'm a not. Sad, that's a sad thing. I, I was hoping you were, but... No, I'm not. When I, when, I fucking, when I fucking go down to the fucking bar, the arena bar at Commerce, or I fucking go down to the fucking the, the brewery at the Bicycle Casino, and I go to Casa Fuentes in Las Vegas, if I fucking go anywhere in, the, in Tokyo, my audience was there. My audience was there in fucking Tokyo. It drives my wife fucking nuts. All I know is that the, the chat room is terrible. Your chat room was absolutely terrible. I don't know about the people who listen don't and don't care. chat, but the chat room is horrible. If you thought they were terrible, then they were perfect. No. Because they shouldn't like you. You're fucking idiot. You fucking said that I faked my own Twitter base. Oh, here comes the Twitter you're, thing you're again. You're a moron. Here comes the Twitter thing you're again. You're a fucking moron. Okay, now listen to me. Don't go after my audience. No, no, but I'm trying to. Me, okay, listen. Don't go after the audience. If, if Doug Polk's really had 70% of the audience, which I believe, I believe that 70% yeah. of them were there for him, why would he big time yeah. his own audience? Why, If he knows they're there for him, why wouldn't he show up on time if he was ready? It doesn't make Here's sense. Here's the reason why. Here's the reason why, and I will prove it. It's because he's an egomaniac, narcissistic, fucking prima donna. And I will prove this. I will lay it out. I will prove this. He took big-timing me as more important than his own audience. But you got to understand something. This plays well with his audience. This plays well with them because it gives them the freedom to say, 
Yeah. Lyman doesn't matter. His audience doesn't matter. Doug is obviously saying they don't. Do you think that Doug, listen to this. Let's say Doug was going to be on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Kimmel. Is that The Tonight Show? I mean, Doug's obviously a really big deal and a very important person, so why shouldn't he be on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Kimmel? They used to have lots of pro poker players on there. The Tonight Show had Doyle Brunson. That is actually Jimmy Fallon, but go, go ahead, go ahead. Whatever. The Tonight Show had the guy who ended up being a child molester. What was his name? I, I don't care. Just, just go on. Just go on. The, 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 Hunter, Hunter, shut up. Hunter, come. Uh, Hunter! Looks like even, hey, even, even your dog can't stand hearing you talk. No, my dog sees a... Hunter! That's not dog puke. Leave him alone, Hunter. It's not dog puke. Your dog's saying, shut Hunter, up no. already. Give me some peace for once. Give no. me some peace, please, Abe. Please. Okay, he, he's coming now. Come on, Hunter. Get up here. Lay down with Daddy. Come on. Come on, little bud. Okay. Listen. So, this is a dog whistle to his audience that this is, if he was going to be on The Tonight Show, there's no fucking way he shows up late. If The Tonight Show advertised him months, um, weeks and weeks in advance, at exact time, he retweeted it, he sent it out, there's no fucking way he shows up late. Now you can, now somebody's going to say, well, maybe he thought that he could just call at any time. No! Because when you're going to be on a show and you're an important guest, I've been a guest on ESPN Radio, Fox Radio. I've been a guest on multiple podcasts. I even think I came on your show more than once. And I was always fucking exactly on time. And it wasn't because somebody told me. It's because I did a little research. Because I have some respect. If I'm going to show up somewhere, I have a fucking little bit of respect. I realize, like... This is the way this show works. Like, when I'm on ESPN, I don't say fucking cut. When I'm on the Fox fucking sports channel, I don't say that, that Andrew's fucking throat is the exact shape of Bart's dick. I understand my audience, dude. I know what is expected of me. Because I have a fucking level of respect. I'm not a fucking prima donna. I'm not a fucking bitch. I'm not a fucking dog puke, Okay. Okay, I'm, so, I'm telling you here, what it sounds like to me, it sounds like he showed up late for whatever reason. Even if you want to concede, even if I want to concede or he wants to concede that it was rude or that he shouldn't have done it, I think you're ascribing a lot of reasons to him that you're just guessing at that make him look as bad as possible. And and no. uh, I don't see any evidence that these things are true. You're just you're just reaching in the air wait, why he was wait. late. The only I fact have we have, it. the only fact we have right. is that he was late. That's the only thing we know. Wait. Yes. I have evidence. Okay, what's the evidence? Just don't talk, Todd. Oh, That's boy. the best thing you can do right now. Well, I, I have no to when this goes to... off the rails. I have to. Nobody wants to hear you anyway. Okay. Be- believe me, I'm, I'm, uh, I've probably lost a lot of audience by now with having to listen to you for this long. But uh, I, I want, you, I want the lost, truth about this to come you out. You have lost zero fucking audience. This is riveting. This is riveting. It, it would be if you stuck to the topic, but you're you're incapable because your blood alcohol content is probably like you know point twenty five right now. My blood alcohol level. I've been. I had a cigar, and I'm having a nice glass of Syrah. It's nothing out of the ordinary. 
I cracked open. I, I'll tell you, you want to know the God's honest truth. I left the Commerce Casino at 7 p.m. 7 p.m. I got to my house at 7.35. I let the dog out, take a whiz or whatever, have a good time. I turned on the TV to see that Jeff Sessions, the scumbag piece of shit, was talking to the fucking Russians. Oh, no, let's, let's, not, let's not start out with Trump stuff now. That, that, that we can't have here. And now he is going to have to resign or recuse himself because he's a piece of shit liar, just like all these. So this is what I mean. Bags. We need someone to keep you on track. No, no Trump stuff. We just, I just want to okay. stick to the Doug Polk thing. And and I don't. Okay. You keep calling well, him Dog Puke like this is kindergarten. We're trying to have a, a serious discussion no. about what happened here. It is. I like it. The reason I like it is because it's so juvenile. That's the reason I love it. Do you think I think I'm being smart here? No. It's fucking complete juvenile delinquency because I'm stooping to the level that I had to deal with. Okay? So. Then, continue with my timeline. I made chips and salsa. I made fresh pico de gallo. I included some peppers that I grew in my garden. Why are we hearing about this? Just get to the point. You're making me hungry, Abe. Look, look, now you, now you just brought, uh, you just brought Andrew, Andrew out. You just brought Andrew out. Andrew! <laughs> Andrew is there! You're making me hungry. Cut it out with the food, man. You're making me hungry. Andrew, I know that you probably spend too much time talking to horrible people, and you're mad at me, but... Dude, I am not mad at you at all. I... And I know that you probably think I have mental problems, right? Which could 100% be correct. But I have a soft spot, soft spot in my heart for you. And you've never done anybody wrong. And you're sort of like an angel of some sort. But your throat is shaped like pork dick. I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I can guarantee you one thing, Abe. I've never right. had a dick in my mouth. I've tried. Okay? Right, right. But either I'm Who not hasn't? flexible enough or my dick is too small. It's one or the other. Who hasn't? Who hasn't? <laughs> I tried. Didn't work. Now, Andrew, can I ask you a question? Don't, Todd, can you tell Todd to shut the fuck up, please? Like, Todd doesn't understand that we are going to make his show a million times better. He doesn't understand. Like, Todd will talk about the call-in line. Who the fuck uses the call-in line? Like a 99-year-old fucking... A lot of people use the call-to-listen line. It's a, it's a great resource for people who have a bad connection when they're driving around and they want to listen. It's not will you, will you stop getting off the rails? You need to stick to the topic. You're, it's very, very hard to ever have you on any kind of show because you, you just scream and you rant and, and you make yes. no sense. Yes. It's so hard to make your show better. It makes no sense. Right. This is not making it better. This is hey, just, you guys are going to love this. The, the chat wants you two guys to play heads up. <laughs> Todd, not, 99% of your call-in line are people who dial the wrong number, okay? That's what you need to know. Thank you. That would be great. I hope hey. that's true. That means new listeners. I, no, I, I didn't say it as a slight. I said it as a fucking fact, you dipshit. That's, that's, okay, I, I hope that's true. Go ahead. Andrew, do you think that the God of Fire Carlito is possibly the Don Carlos Robusto? Yeah, it, it is. It is, but it's got yes. the uh, it's got the um, the Opus X Rosado wrapper. But the cigar itself, you're right. It's the Don Carlos. Yes. So, yeah. Fuck yes. 
Can you imagine Fuck being yeah. this guy's dog? I feel so bad for your. I'm going to call the SPCA about your dog here. Your, your dog's got to be living under torturous conditions there, having having. I'll, I'll be right back, guys. Hold on. Having to listen to you all day, like this. No. At least, you, at least I can listen to you only limited doses and hang up when I'm done. But the, your dog is stuck. Here's what you don't understand, Todd. I got that just from tasting a blind tasting. People, the world. Around the world, people want to have the Don Carlos Robusto. It is the most rare, amazing cigar that you could possibly smoke. But this isn't c- this isn't cigar out. radio. I don't care. I don't care. You tell it tell that to Andrew matter, on your own. Uh, Send him a DM. Not you're back on Twitter. Send him a DM about it. You're back on Twitter. No, Send I him a DM. DM. Yes. Fuck a DM. This is important shit. I figured it out strictly from my palate, just from tastings. I discovered that it's the exact same tobacco. I don't care. I don't okay. care. Nobody cares. Okay, moving right along. So then, whatever. What do you, Todd, is it conceivable? If you want to continue on, I'll continue on fine, but i got to go take a leak. Do you want to talk right. to Andrew for a second and then come up with some questions? It, it, you can go take a leak. Please don't take the phone in there, but uh, go ahead and do it. Okay, okay, here we go. You talk to Andrew for a second. Okay, I'll... Are you, are you there, Cal I guess he had to take a look yep. too. Oh, you're, What's you're, up, you're man? here. Oh. Now, he, he really wanted to talk to you. I was, trying to, I was trying to keep the integrity of the conversation to just me and him, but... Uh, yeah, me too. I, I see he, he drew you out with the food talk somehow, and... Well, it was getting a little slow, too, so... Yeah, well, I was, I was trying to keep it on track, and I'm trying to... I'm trying to get the story out. I, I even see that... Uh, I think I saw that uh, pro poker from Super Are we listening was to him take a piss right now? I knew he was going to do this. <laughs> oh, God. I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to let you two go because honestly, I think uh, listening to two people talk is a lot more interesting. Yeah, here I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna shut that off for a second here. I, I don't want to hear that anymore. I had to shut off Calwatt too at the moment. I, I can only shut out thanks to the miracle of Skype. I can only shut out either everybody or nobody. Let's see if he stopped pissing. No, he's so wow. He's he really drank a lot. I've that's a long piss. That's a long piss. Okay, so let's see. Is it still going on? Now we're done. Okay. Now he's flushing the toilet. Wow. See, th- this shows you how smashed this guy is. You're so fucking lucky that I'm providing you with the best podcast. Yeah, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so lucky that I have some drunk pissing for a minute straight on the air, which I, I muted. I muted most of it. Hey, that was a powerful stream. <laughs> Sounded like a horse taking a piss in there. Yeah, well, if if if, if we could, if this was a video show instead of an audio show, for sure it wouldn't be a horse. If it was a video show, we'd be number one on Pornhub, bro. No, it's uh, maybe on the channels that people want to uh, use to induce vomiting, but that's uh, about it. So look, look. look. Wait, wait, Todd. After that, you got to do the laugh track. No, no. Let's 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 move on here. So, so I'm still I'm still trying to understand this. I'm still trying to understand where you're coming from with all these accusations because it sounds like you're coming up with theories. He was late, and you're coming up with all these different theories 
as to right. why he was late. But you have not provided one shred of evidence as to proving these theories, and, and yet you okay. criticize me for coming up with theories about you. No, wrong, Todd, because we haven't gotten to the meat yet. Okay, so let's talk about the evidence. Here's the evidence. Uh, exhibit A. This was advertised for a month by him, not me, him. I didn't have Twitter. I don't. I didn't have anything at this point in time. This was on the Live of the Bike website, and it was advertised on every Live of the Bike show, and this went out to tens of thousands of viewers. Yeah, we already heard no that. But that's, not, that's, not, that's just showing he was, uh, at worst, inconsiderate for being late. That doesn't mean okay. that he did this on no, purpose. So we, we have established awareness here, okay, number one. Number two, all of his minions, including his employees, like, seriously, serious, a bitch, I'm seriously a bitch, seriously. Is that his name? I'm seriously a bitch, seriously. All of his fucking employees, like, I'm seriously a bitch, seriously, and Ryan and these other people were in my chat. So they knew. They all knew that, that I was saying, get his fucking ass here. I'm not going to be big time. And I started a countdown. But they're not I physically with him. So even if they're telling him, I'm sure they were telling him that Lyman wants you to come and he probably wasn't ready for whatever reason. I'm not saying that, uh, yeah, oh. ma maybe he should have oh, shown up at seven. Ready. I'm just saying maybe for, for whatever reason he was running late. And, and even if you want to say that's inconsiderate, you can't say he was doing this to big time you or to screw with you, which okay. it seemed like you were spending 80 minutes crying about on your podcast. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, then let's move. So we have a couple of exhibits already. Exhibit one advertised to tens of thousands of people. Exhibit number two, I did an actual countdown. Ten minutes. Nine minutes. Eight minutes. This is after, so this was after the first five minutes. So it's like 15 minutes, 14 minutes, 13 minutes, 12 minutes. I did an actual countdown. Oh, that's exhibit two. So there was no, there was no, no, everybody knew that I was doing a countdown. And it went on for fucking 20 minutes, my countdown. Exhibit three, hit all of his bitches were in chat. Seriously, I'm a bitch, seriously. And all the other people, his fucking employees, I saw them talking in chat, okay? So now let's get to exhibit four. Here's exhibit four. If you, by some ungodly bending of events, like, like literally... You want to have dog pukes, fucking anal baby. You've allowed anal insemination. You are going to shit out a baby with a fucking faux hawk that looks like Vanessa Selps. If the, even if you love him that much, even if you love dog pukes so much that you would shit out a fucking faux hawk androgynous anal baby of his, you have to realize that what he did next proves that he's a big-timing douche. Here's what he does next. He had also advertised appearances with his logo and our logo on Live at the Bike weeks in advance. 20... 30, maybe 100,000 unique views of these fucking advertisements that said he's going to play 
25-50 on Tuesday. He's going to play heads up on Wednesday. He's going to play such and such on Thursday, right? All this shit. So you would think that he, that any normal human who's trying to run a business would be like, well, I fucked that shit up with Lyman, but the people who would have my anal baby, the people who would be anally inseminated by me and shit out a fucking dog puke baby with a fucking fohawk and androgynous dog puke baby with a fohawk, those people, I could tell them that it was a mistake and they will hate Lyman and then I'll just show up on time for my other shows and I'll be a fucking model citizen and everybody will see that Lyman's full of fucking shit. Lyman's a fucking horrible human who overreacted. That's what a normal fucking person would do who's not big time. But then what does he do? He shows up two hours late for his first show. Two hours fucking late. There's 3,500 people or something watching this live, waiting for him. A normal show of that size would probably get 1,500 people. So at least 2,000 of the people in the audience are waiting for him, waiting 20 minutes, 40 minutes, 60 minutes, one hour and a half, two hours, two hours and a half, and he's big-timing the fuck out of these people. He, this has been advertised months in advance. This has been retweeted and tweeted and fucking sent to every social media to 20, 30, 40, 50,000 people. And he big times the fuck out of them. He will show up whenever the fuck he wants. He doesn't give two fucking shits about these people. Now listen to me. Listen to me. If he gets invited to the, to the Tonight Show or to Charlie Rose and he shows up two and a half hours late, I will eat my word. But he wouldn't. He would fucking never do that. The reason why he will show up late to my show and then late to the next show is because he doesn't fucking care about these people. He's big-timing them. Okay? Now wait. But wait. Let's say, just for argument's sake, that you took the dick up your butt and you're fucking shitting out a dog puke-shaped baby. And you think that because of that, the faux hawk scraped your fucking sphincter, because the faux hawk scraped your fucking sphincter, that he wasn't big-timing Lyman. He just made a mistake. He wasn't big-timing Lyman. He just doesn't read the shit he retweets. He wasn't big-timing Lyman. He just doesn't check to see how the shows work that he's going to go on. He wasn't big-timing Lyman. He's just, like, semi-retarded, whatever. Okay, now let's say that you gargled fucking Doug Poke yogurt the Doug Polk yogurt's down your fucking stomach. Somehow, his fucking magic yogurt in your stomach, you, you, you regurgitate it. And when you regurgitate that, that fucking yogurt, you have regurgitated 
Another Doug Pug, baby. And the fucking Fohawk scraped your fucking throat, man. The androgynous Doug Pogue baby. And because you did that, you can also apologize and do a bunch of apologetics for his second late arrival. Are you with me, Todd? Uh, there's been so much talk about faux hawks and scraping uh, sphincters and all. I, I, I'm getting lost here. You, you're all over the place. So stick with me. Well, it's very, it's very me. tough. It's very tough. Here's the sound it makes. Here it comes. You're the biggest fucking Doug Pope, fucking dog puke bitch that ever lived. You fucking took the yogurt down the fucking throat, and now it's it's in your stomach. Something got created in there, and now you're barfing it fucking up. It looks like a, a it's like an androgynous I, androgynous with a faux hawk. I know, I know. So, but what's the point? What's the point? The point is because you you did it in the butt and in the mouth. You're going to apologize. You're still going to apologize for this bitch. You're going to apologize for him, and you're going to say, he made a mistake on the second show, okay? Traffic. Fucking traffic. We're, we're, we're here talking about fucking traffic. Like, this guy's fucking big-timing his entire audience, and we're sitting here talking about fucking traffic, okay? Traffic. Okay. Fine. Now, where's the third input? Because this next thing I'm going to say is the third fucking input. Okay, pl- pl- please no more reference to faux hawks or, uh, or, or shitting out uh, okay. androgynous Doug, uh, Doug Puke. I've, I've heard enough of that. Here's the third input. Here's the third input. He fucking big-timed me on my show like a bitch. He fucking big-timed his entire audience on the second show and the Live of the Bike audience, like a bitch. But no matter how much fucking Doug puke mayonnaise, no matter how much dog puke yogurt that you've had injected into the last two inputs, you cannot apologize for the third show in a row. On the third show, he was playing individual humans. He doesn't know what a human is. He doesn't know that, that, uh, what, a, what a human being is. But he was playing individual humans for heads-up matches. These individual humans had scheduled their time to be there to play with him. He doesn't see human faces, I don't think. They all just look like lizards or robots or something to him. He big-time the heads-up matches. And then he says that the reason that he couldn't be on time for these human beings, some of them might even look up to him because, oh, fuck, they got problems. The reason why he couldn't be on time for these human beings is because he needed a fucking haircut. Listen to me. Listen to me, Todd. Dog puke at this point was staying at the bicycle casino. He was one, He was a three-minute elevator ride from the table. He big-timed the fucking human beings who had planned a schedule to meet him and play with him for a fucking haircut. 
Well, hold on, hold on. Uh, but think about it. Think about if if Doug Polk showed up somewhere in public without the fauxhawk, he wouldn't be Doug Polk. So, isn't it important for him to have the fauxhawk? Isn't that me. of the utmost importance? You literally sicken me. You, <laughs> Todd. If you have an ounce of decency, if you have an ounce of decency, go on the record right now after the evidence I've laid out. I'll say this here. If I, I haven't, I didn't really follow what he did after the thing with your show. I wasn't, I wasn't watching. So I, I don't know. Maybe he was late to those things. Maybe what you're describing is accurate. I can't say if he was or wasn't. You're saying he was. Maybe he was. But I'm hey, not. You want, hey, wait, Todd. You want to bet on it? No, because I'm not even denying that. His, I, I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm saying I don't know. You're telling uh, me it did. But I'm not making excuses for it. something I'm, about Lyman. Lyman doesn't lie. Because Lyman is always ready for a prop bet. Do you want to bet? Again, I, will you listen to my words? I was not saying uh, that I'm not challenging your assertion. Horrible. I'm saying I don't know either way if it's true or not. And let me get my point out here. This isn't really uh-huh. relevant to what he did with you. What it sounds to me like, if, if I listen no, to this No, it is story, relevant! Will you shut up and listen? Relevant. Will you shut up and listen? It shows okay. that he's a fucking douche! Okay, I'm going to have to... Shut up and listen. I'm going to have to mute you. Okay? Uh, you, if, you mute, if you mute me, just hang up on me. Well, you, you, you can do what you want, but i I got to get my point. I've let you rant for about a very okay, long time here. Go, I, I even Todd, lost track go, of time here. Idiotic. Todd, if you apologize for this guy... I'm not apologizing for anyone. He's not my friend. He's not my friend. I'm not trying to apologize for anyone. Okay? I'm trying to say here that to me it sounds like the guy just has a chronic lateness problem, which I'm not defending, and he shouldn't have, and he should, especially if he's staying at the bike and he has heads-up matches scheduled, he should come down on time. And if it is true he missed it because of a haircut, that is ridiculous, and that shouldn't happen, then that's wrong. But... that doesn't sound so much like big timing. That just sounds like someone who has a chronic lateness problem and who doesn't, you know, maybe not, may not be uh, properly sensitive to other people's time, and that's a fault of his. If that's the case, sounds like a sociopath to me. No, see, that's that's not true. That's 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 really really going too far. You, it just well, sounds I mean, to me. The, it the sounds. One thing I, yeah. The one thing I will say is that and it's true in business and poker and everything else is that people who are always late. It shows you that they value their time and they don't value your time at all. It's big time. But that's big not big, big Big timing is different. You're trying to say big time because he thought it was more important than you and therefore yes. just wanted to make he you wait. No, but it just this could just this could, this could just be that he budgets time poorly. And I say, I don't know. God, you are the fucking worst apologist. Ever. I'm not. I'm not being an apologist. I'm telling you that you are, you are, you are ascribing the problem here is that you are ascribing motivation to, to him that I don't necessarily believe are true. I think he's just late but to things all the time. But fucking Andrew, Andrew could see it immediately. It's it, it, when you call. He didn't say big time. Andrew didn't say big time. You 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 took this as a personal insult. It wasn't a personal insult. It may have been something insensitive. It may have been something that uh, was rude, but it was not necessarily an insult to you or him thinking he's better than you. It was probably just him budgeting time poorly and not putting out the effort to make it on time. That's what it sounds like to me. Okay, that's Great. what it sounds like to Great. me. What what with all your fucking bitch ass crying apologies? What have you solved? No, I'm not apologizing. Look, Doug, I, Doug Polk's not my friend. I've never talked to him once in my life. I have no reason to defend no, him. No, but you want to be important. 
It's no. Like trying to fucking walk I, the middle I of never, the road. I never kiss God. ass to any poker players it's ever. Tom, never. You're never going to be important. The thing that will make you important is telling the truth. I am telling. Tell I, no, I always right tell now. the truth. I always tell the truth. And the and the problem is here that you turn this into a battle of importance. You thought if he's showing up late, that means he's more important than you. And you probably had some insecurity complex right. going on, like you think he really is more important. And now Quite and now possibly. he's showing it. And now it's becoming a competition of who's more important. That's not what happened. The guy was just late and didn't give a shit. That's what happened. He's late every day. He either he, right, so he probably just doesn't give a shit. He probably just uh, he doesn't try hard enough to be okay, on time. Tom, but that's not big timing, and that's not an insult to you. Let me get this straight. Your apology for him. I'm is not apologizing. That he doesn't give your apology for him. I'm not he apologizing give a shit about anyone. Todd's like, hey. Wait, Abe, it's not an apology for wrong. him. You're not understanding. He's, you're taking something he did and changing his motivation to something that sounds more convenient and better for you. To where he he big time. None of this is convenient. It is. Nothing it's so you can play victim. So you can play victim and have an 80 minute meltdown. I'm not. Nothing is convenient. None of this is convenient. You know what's convenient? Keeping your fucking promises. That's fucking convenient. Thank you. This is not, again, you don't understand what big timing is if you're saying this. Someone being rude is not big timing. It's not the same thing. Oh, fucking Todd. It's not. Todd. I'm sorry. It's not. That's Todd, that's why everyone you know thought you were being so ridiculous. That's why you had to resign or, or step back or whatever the hell you did that you won't even clarify. Or, I'm sorry, you clarified no, in, a, in a statement. See, well... As a result of this, then suddenly there's all these changes, and you have to leave live at the bike, or they pressure you to leave, or or you feel you've, you they feel you've melted down one too many times, and you're embarrassing the brand. <laughs> I don't know what made you right. have to leave, but what I what uh, I do know here is that you melted down over something which, at worst, was Doug Polk just being rude and insensitive, but not big timing. I don't believe he was well, big no. timing. I think at worst this was rude and insensitive of him, but uh, and at best Thank he just got confused. That. So Todd, that's, listen. I listened to the whole story. I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced of the way you're telling me. I'm con- From your story, I think I believe that he has a chronic lateness problem. I would believe that. <laughs> oh, the, the maniacal laugh, my favorite. Oh, he has a chronic lateness problem for all of the people who came to see him. That's what chronic means. Like that's kids. what chronic means. It's not, yeah. just what, it's not just what you smoke. That's what chronic means. Todd, Todd. Listen to me. Uh, my relationship with Live at the Bike has been tumultuous for very long. I time. wonder how that is. I wonder how that happened. It, it happens because I don't. I'm not a brand ambassador. Okay? Well, that's for, that's for I'm sure. I'm just. Yeah, exactly. You can say that. It doesn't make me feel bad because I'm just me, and um, I do what I'm going to do. You know. And it work, and there's certain good parts that come out of it, like a lot of subscribers and this and that. And there's certain bad parts that may or may not come out of it. <laughs> we have reached, after enough time, my partners and I had reached the may or may not point, okay? And I'm not... So, so, so basically you're saying you were detrimental to the brand and you agree? No. We're saying we don't know. And <laughs> if you don't know, that means you you're detrimental. If, if even you're conceding that no. you may be detrimental, then you're detrimental. No, if that's not true. Todd, uh, you're completely wrong. I don't make a living off of any off of my 
podcasts and my things that I do, okay? I make a living playing cards and getting paid to play cards, okay? That's where, like, 80% of my income, 90% maybe, of my income comes from. I haven't looked that close. But other people in the poker industrial complex make 100% of their income from this, okay? Now, I'm not a jerk or a dick, and I understand this stuff. So if somebody who makes 100% of their income from the poker industrial complex is coming to somebody who makes 10% of their income from the poker industrial complex or 20%, whatever, and says, dude, we got to try stuff. We got to try things. I'm not against it. I'm not against it because I'm not like I'm not like fucking Hitler or something, dude. I, I'm gonna go play cards tomorrow. I played cards today. I'll be at table fucking twenty seven, Commerce Casino, five five ten plus, Hot Limit Omaha, every fucking day. If you got anyone who knows me knows that I'm fucking the real deal and I'm there to play. I started heads up with anybody on the planet. And we fucking play cards. And I just know what I'm doing. So, like, other individuals who make a living doing other things besides playing cards and being part of the casino world, if they think that, like, they, they want to try, they want to experiment with stuff, I'm more than happy to do that. It doesn't hurt me. It doesn't make any fucking difference to me. Like, the money's the same for me. So, that's just the way it goes, you know? I like everybody at Live at the Bike. I like them. Why are you playing at Commerce now, anyway? Why not play at the bike? Even if you're not on Live at the Bike anymore, why not play at the bike where you've been for so long? Why Why start with Commerce? Well, here's the thing. I get, Todd, you may not understand this, because people don't like you. But when you're well-liked in the poker community... People will come and play with you. Okay? Wait, a minute, wait a minute. You you think you're well liked in the poker community? <laughs> <laughs> that was great. I love that. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm not, but people come to play poker with me every fucking day. Lots if, of people. If you were well liked, if you were well liked, then they would have wanted you still on the show if if you crossing the point to where you're a detriment to the brand rather than a positive or even close to that then there's a lot of people who dislike you a whole lot of people and that's the problem no if, that's if, not, if no, you want to say if, if you want to say that you're bringing in a lot of people who do like you then there's no. got to be at least an equal number of people who dislike you there for that to no, be the, you're the literally, case no no you're literally 100 percent wrong you're 100 percent wrong let me explain to you something, because you don't have any viewers or listeners. So let me explain to you how this works when you have a company that, bring, that brings in tons of money doing in the poker industrial complex. Uh, Andrew knows more about this than you, because he works with Bart, and Bart's actually pretty good at this. I'm popular to a point, like, whatever. Maybe I could sign up. Hundreds of people, maybe even a thousand people somewhere when I work my ass off, right? Uh, just like Bart. Bart might be able to sign up hundreds, hundreds of people, maybe a thousand people if he works his ass off. Dog Puke has 
60,000 followers on Twitter, okay? Now, what does that mean? What does it mean that Dog Puke has 60,000 followers on Twitter? Or not Twitter, or YouTube. Because you don't make any money. Here's, here's the thing you got to understand. And Dog Puke talked, even Dog Puke talked about this. You don't make any money on Twitch. Andrew, are you there? I'm here. Andrew. You, Bart knows this too, correct? You make no money on Twitch, right? Yeah, I mean, you you have to be really in the upper echelons to make money from yeah. it. There, there are people that do, but I don't know. Uh, other than Jason Somerville, I don't really know anyone yeah. in the poker industry that makes money from no. it. You're right. No, yeah. And even Jason Somerville ha- wants to do, like, the run-it-up extra event, uh, tournament events, meetups, blah, blah, blah. Because uh, merchandising... You don't make any fucking money from Twitch. Twitch is a way to get eyeballs, okay? So if you see somebody that has 20,000 people watching them on Twitch, you can basically assume that that made them like $11.95, okay? And you're like, I, I know for you, Todd, because nobody watches you. Like you're like you keep saying that, but you're you're the one who you, you keep saying this, and you, you're expecting me to be insulted. I know what my audience is. The funny thing is, you you admitted yourself that you you couldn't even get 300 people watching Doug Polk, who's gonna be right. like your biggest guest in a long time, and that right. the only reason you got a thousand because most of those people were his people. So it sounds like right. nobody watches you. It's the truth. It's this sounds like someone. This sounds like the gay guy that calls everyone else gay because he's ashamed no. of his own situation. That's what it sounds Todd, like to me. If you, Todd, Todd, if you shut up, I'm going to explain something to you. I, I've shut up, and you just how, say ridiculous things. I have to finally respond. I'm going to explain something to you about the poker industrial complex. Oh, the poker industrial okay? complex. Okay. So even if you have 20,000 people watching you on Twitch, you aren't going to make fucking shit, dude. Nothing. Some tiny amount of money. Now, if you can transfer... Those same 20,000 people over to YouTube, now you start to make actual money, what I call trooper money. Do you know who trooper is? Yes, I know who Trooper is. But by, by the way, I hesitated because I was looking. Someone posted a, a, a video of your tirade, of your 80-minute tirade. In fact, I, I, played, yeah. I played some of it on the last show. I just skipped around it. What was funny is skipping around on the last show – it, it was so funny. I could just jump to random points, and you're saying this literal same thing over and over. I could jump from, like, the 17-minute mark to the 35-minute mark, and it sounds like one continuous statement. That's, 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 how, that's how repetitive uh, a you were. Number one, a number one, that's 100% untrue. B number two. <laughs> you can go listen to the show. B you'll hear it. Two, B number two, I was taking calls. So I just could only talk about what the callers want to talk about. Okay. But, but also, to, to show you how popular you are, uh, in the what, – what did this happen, like a week and a half ago? In, in all that time, the only video of the full uh, – you know, they, they su- supposedly had technical difficulties on the bikes. Right. So people can't go in and, and see this anymore. So the only video on YouTube of this or the only video anyone could find anywhere of this has a whopping 756 views right now in the week and a half since that happened. <laughs> and, and probably a lot of them came from my show so so uh, that shows you how much people care about you is that the only video of your rant uh, that you say is so entertaining has 756 views in a week and a half uh, you are so dumb 
that I shouldn't even explain how this works to you, but I will. <laughs> how, like, listen, Todd, I, like, I can't even imagine how fucking stupid you are. I don't know how to talk to you. Listen to me. Yes. I'm trying to explain to you the poker industrial complex. I don't want to hear about the poker industrial complex. It's, you're not making any sense. You're, 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 the, you're the drunk guy who thinks you're making sense and you're not. That's what's happening. No, I am making sense. No. Listen, Andrew could help explain this to you. Think about Blart, and I'm going to be sort of nice to him because I I don't have confirmation that he called me an alcoholic. But once I have confirmation, I'm not going to be nice to him anymore. Um, I don't know how many subscribers Bart has. It's somewhere between 1,000 and 1,500, I assume. If Bart puts up a video, the video will get a couple hundred views. But it doesn't matter because... He, the people who like him love him, okay? This is what you don't understand. Of course I understand. That's, that's what this show is. This show has a very loyal listener base, the one you're on right now. Yeah, the people it, who listen are like the ones who people. listen. It's, it's, no, and it's not it nine people. Matter. I have I have 1,500 people that listen a week here. It's, it's your friends and family. And it's no, not I, I, have, I have 1,500 friends? I Thank you. That's a compliment. It's I, I not 1,500 people. It is. I, I, I've analyzed it. I have. I have the proof. It's probably 1,500 clicks. No. Okay? No. Because your show is so fucking long that to get through a show, you have to click on it at least 20 times because you're so fucking annoyed. Why would you have to click on it? Why would you have to click? No, people do listen in spurts. They don't listen six hours at once. But a lot of people like having a long show they can listen to when they're doing things. uh, They're at work. They're driving. They're they're playing poker. Yes. Yeah, you can say yeah, no. That's nobody the, likes that. That's the reason. Nobody on the planet. That's the reason no that people listen. Okay, that. you can nobody say that. It's not that. true. It's not true. Can I talk to Andrew because he's smart? No. I don't want to talk to you no. anymore. Can I talk you, to Andrew? You can you can DM him and talk to him all you want. I mean, he he can chime in. I'm not going to say he can't, but uh, not not in places. Andrew, he can talk when he wants. Do not be- Andrew, don't get big time by Todd. With no, Todd. no, he can talk when he wants. I'm not going to tell him he can't talk. I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm just being place, entertained by you two not, going not, back not and forth. Not in place of me. Okay, so you know <laughs> no, we have but, we have to get on to other things. I gave you way more time here than you've ever given me on your show. On your show, no, on your show, the second I start to own you, you hang up on me and say oh, he can call back any time. Then you don't take my call. That's what you do. But that's because I'm entertaining and you're not. No, no, you, you've you've been a rambling drunk for hours no, here, and I don't I don't know why I put up true. with. You. God, that's I'm, what you've I'm, been. I've, I've had. If, if I didn't try to interrupt and and get you back on track, this would really be all over the place. So, I am Todd because you've annoyed me so much. I am not going to tell you how the poker industrial complex. Oh, works. terrible, and Andrew! Mark I'm not going to find out the secret of the poker industrial complex. What am I going to do? You should have. I you should, should have. Want to know? It's the secret of you life. Should want to know? It's the secret of you life. Should want to know? Lyman was going to give us a cancer cure, and we're not going to get it because I was mean to him. Later on, Andrew will tell you how bad you fucked this up. Because I was going to tell you how it really fucking works from a guy at a company that fucking throws off six figures of cash, not a fucking shitbag fucking site that's throwing off zero dollars of cash, okay? I was going to... I literally was about to tell you how it fucking works. I don't care. You just, like, annoy the shit out of me. I don't care. Okay, good. You shouldn't care. I don't. Okay. So, uh, yeah, the chat room is very frustrated. They say, God damn it, Druff, you blew it for us. So I think they're on your side. I think they they believe I... uh, 
you were about to reveal the secret, and I blew it for everybody. So I, I apologize you to the audience. I apologize to the audience. Okay, you let's. I, I've, got, I've got to move you on to other it. things here. As as uh, as fun as this has been, I've I've got to end this here. So, uh, what else would you like to say before we terminate this call? Okay, well, I only have one thing to say. Yeah. You fucking blew it. <laughs> okay. So are, are, are people going to hear you anywhere since you've come back to Twitter and you've sent about uh, 800 tweets? Are you going to now start up your own show on Twitch or uh, somewhere else where people can find you? Or is it just going to be all Twitter all the time? Oh, he hung up. <laughs> okay. He wanted to hang up on me before I could hang up on him. Okay, Andrew, I guess you can uh, – I guess you know, the floor is yours again. Huh? <laughs> he he just hung up. He said I blew it I and hung up. Yeah. Uh, I actually I thought of that question. I guess we'll find out. But uh, yeah, I, I just kind of kind of got sick of it. He uh, he wasn't going anywhere with what he was saying. I think I think we got all we're going to get out of him here. You should have used your voice changer, man. I, I should have. <laughs> actually, the funny thing is, the, I just realized something with the voice changer. Uh, not just right now, but I realized something before that it's actually linked to the external sound card that I was using when I was on the road. And without that, it actually will not work. I'll have to get a different voice changer that'll work with this one. It was something that was it was specifically bundled with the external sound card. And if I use the external sound card, then we'll start having the uh, the volume issues, I think. So uh, I'm just going to stick. Well, I could try some experiments with it. But yeah, the short answer is yeah, I, I probably should have. But... Anyway, that was Lyman. For those of you that wanted him on tonight, you got more of him than you'll probably ever want to hear for the rest of your life. You probably got your fill. You know, Seriously Serious was actually in chat. Well, he could have called in. You know, like I was waiting for maybe him to call or Bart to call or something if they wanted to talk. I don't know if they wanted to get into it with Lyman right on the air or not. But uh, they can call in now if they want uh, or, or say something in chat, and I'll repeat it. I know seriously Serious was in chat, and he said something about uh... – it was good talking to you all. I can only take three minutes of... Wait, well, let me find what he said. <laughs> Hold on. Oh, he said, um, three minutes of listening to Lyman is about my limit. Good talking to you guys again later. Yeah, well... He and then I said hello to him just after he left. Oh, well, you got big-timed. <laughs> you got big-timed! Uh, I, I gave him a chance to mostly talk. You know, yes, it, it was a contentious conversation we had. But I gave him a chance to, to get at his story. It was kind of going all over the place. This is the problem with having guests on here that are not sober. And that they think they are making sense, but a lot of times they're not. He was kind of going back and forth between kind of making sense and, and telling the story as, as he saw it, which is what I wanted. And, and then just going off with all these weird tangents that were just difficult to follow and... Even the joke about the the faux hawk and uh, shitting out a Doug Polk androgynous baby like, went like five times. I don't know. I just I started to lose patience. We spent a lot of time on that call. So anyway, the bad news then is I I've blown most of my wad on this already. Yeah, it's uh, the other problem. <laughs> There's no no more uh, cow what we're gonna lose them. You just uh, used up most of your energy listening to Lyman, which is tough. It's no, I'm just talking about how late it is. That's what I mean. Well, it's, it's yeah. 3.16 now for you, so it makes sense. No, that's fine. Like Whenever you're 
too exhausted. I'll, to stick, I'll stick around for a little while longer. Yeah. But. Okay, so so yeah, we're done with the Lyman topic. He's back to Twitter. Uh, he's he obviously can't be silent for very long. He has a need to spew. So, I believe his story, by the way. About Twitter? Yeah, I think I believe it, too. Yeah. It's a weird story, but I think I believe it. Uh, I I've, I guess if people saw it say banned, then for sure he was banned. And the whole thing about the pink bar, I mean, it's, it's kind of weird that just out of nowhere would decide to let him click on something for tech support and then get restored. But I I, I could believe it. Twitter, Twitter well, has... Well, they, they may have, like, a... Uh, what would you call it? Like a, a team that reviews cases like this and i'm sure that they're inundated and it wouldn't be too shocking if it you know it took them this long to actually evaluate what was going on and decide that it wasn't worthy of a ban yeah but but according to his story it was like he got some kind of tech support thing about uh, are you having a problem with your mac or something like that and that that he went through that and then shortly after that it gave him yeah i mean i I don't know exactly what happened but that's not anything that someone could make up. No, I, I didn't think. I didn't think he made it up. I, I yeah. think he probably was banned, and he it probably did have some kind of weird restoration, yeah. whether it's intentional or unintentional. He, he's back. So, uh, anyway, the Christian Lusardi thing. This is really weird. There's another update. This is update number three. So, Christian Lusardi, the Borgata chip counterfeiter. The guy who introduced fake chips, not even very good ones. I, I see those chips. I even wonder how they fooled people for any time. But he was the one who ruined that whole tournament at the Borgata with his counterfeit chips. That flushed, He flushed them down the Harris toilet when he had excess chips that he didn't need. Didn't and, he in jail? Um, he, he, yeah, he, he is in jail. He got transferred. At first it was thought he was released, but then it turned out he just got transferred. Okay. But... He's in jail. There, there's a fucking genius right there. Yeah, Thank he's you. flushing the extra chips on the toilet when all you have to do is just dispose of them anywhere except the toilet yeah, of your yeah. own hotel room, which is amazing. But he's in jail both for that and a DVD counterfeiting scheme he had going on. So here's a weird story about him, and it makes you wonder how he was even able to set foot in the Borgata to begin with. Because people can get banned from casinos for, for pretty minor things. Uh, in New Jersey, you can't be banned for card counting. That's one thing that's not allowed. But you can be banned for a whole lot of other relatively minor infractions over there. If you're too drunk, you're too belligerent, you say the wrong thing to certain employees, they have a right to ban you and not let you come back. So you would think that anything involving violence or the threat of violence or something scary that makes people think of violence would be an insta-ban for life. But apparently not. Uh, this is what was uh, reported regarding a situation that Lusardi had in 2010. It said Borgata's off- officials tagged Lusardi in 2010 for monitoring after receiving an anonymous letter mentioning his name in connection with possible cheating in three-card games. And then his comments to a Borgata floor manager about cheating occurring at another casino. So I guess he also was talking about cheating. In addition to already being suspected of cheating, he, he talked about cheating, which is another red flag. Yeah, he's brilliant. 
So it says, although Borgata's surveillance logs on Lusardi contain numerous entries, including a bizarre incident in which he's observed on tape placing a backpack, later discovered to contain a fake gun and a homemade bomb in a trash can. Most note him simply being observed after placing a large bet. So they're talking about the notes on him. That there's one that notes that he dropped a backpack in the trash. I don't know what's, what's with him throwing things away that he shouldn't be throwing away in, you know, in the wrong places. But he apparently threw a backpack away into the trash can in Borgata that had a fake gun and a homemade bomb. Now, it doesn't say if the homemade bomb is real or fake. It kind of sounds like it's real. But if you were seen throwing this away, wouldn't they say this guy has a screw loose if he's carrying these things around in our casino and we're very worried about him and we think he's a threat and, you know, do not let this guy in? This happened in 2010. And and somehow he was able to come back and play and, and eventually cheat like that. Now, And he was also suspected of cheating on top of that. Then it also it mentioned that the Borgata turned over the backpack and its contents to the Atlantic City Police Department and notified the FBI, but neither took any action. So it was assumed the bomb probably wasn't real. But if you have a fake bomb and a fake gun and you drop it in a casino trash can, I would think that is a very, very valid reason to ban someone, and especially if he's someone they're suspected of being being a cheater anyway, this is the perfect way to get rid of him. It's a perfect way to say, we can get this guy out of here without him raising issue that we're falsely accusing him of cheating. Here he did something that they can claim it's a safety issue. So it's so weird that he would have been allowed back in. So... I'm just surprised he didn't try and flush the backpack down the toilet. <laughs> Maybe he tried that at first and didn't fit, and he had to go take it out and then drop it to the trash can. He also, amazingly, another dumb thing he did in addition to the, the flushing the chips down in relation to that cheating scandal, he posted publicly on a question-and-answer area of Alibaba, which is where he bought those chips, the Alibaba website, about you know he, he wanted a sample he wanted them to give him a mock up of the $25 casino chips that he was trying to make from the borgata and and posted it under his real name so like C. Lusardi posted something about uh, hey can you make a $25 borgata chip can i see what that'll look like and they and they posted a mock up for him and the question and answer that anyone can read Just right out in public. And then he goes and does it there. It's not like he did it and then like, oh, crap, I shouldn't have posted that publicly. Well, I guess I'll have to do this to another casino or I guess I have to call this off now. No, he did it anyway with a public Q&A on the Alibaba website about cheating at the Borgata with counterfeit chips. So not much more to say about that. Just another weird footnote about Christian Lusardi. Lyman's already back on Twitter, of course. You know he has to take to Twitter immediately. What do you, what do you tweet about you? Anything good? Well, a person who calls himself the Poker Mentor. I'm not sure 
Oh, I know who that is. Uh, but he's, he says, Thanks to fucking lot Todd would tell us. This is the poker mentor, not Lyman. I was about to get the fucking poker industrial secret from Lyman, but you fucked it up. That being said, poker fraud alert with, with Lyman Poker... He mentioned you too, uh, and and, uh, and and Todd would tell us worked really fucking well. We'll listen again, and then Lyman actually wrote, "This is actually true." Yeah, get him on. So I would be I would be happy to have you and Lyman do the show. I'll no, no, I, I, I couldn't stand that. That because <laughs> you be... guys would drive each other insane. No, that's the problem. It's. It, <laughs> Having Lyman on, it's like just a, a constant. Uh, it's it's like having to babysit a wild uh, child. It's like this rambunctious child who just always runs around and screams and and is a pain in the ass and just doesn't ever get it. And you just feel like strangling him. For, fortunately, my child's not like that. Fortunately, Poker I, mentor, I, by the way, is hilarious. Okay, I, I, he's I, he's trolling like ninety nine percent of the time. So if you read <laughs> what he says in that light. You'll find him very well. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I know he was joking about the thing with the uh, the poker industrial complex, but yeah. uh, I'm telling you, whenever I'm on with Lyman, whether he comes on this show or I come on his show, it's just I, I feel like I'm babysitting a child. I think there might be some sexual tension here, Drew. No, that would even be worse. <laughs> I, I'd rather listen to him piss for 24 hours. I'd rather a 24 hour loop of him pissing. Trederuski, welcome back. I thought you'd be asleep by now. Nah, I had to go do something, but I'm back. I yeah. was listening to some of the, uh, and then I heard Cal Watt uh, talk about having him on more. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Mix that. Oh, Mike, that guy is so delusional and such a moron. Well, you know, I was going to have to, I was going to say that there's probably going to be some people who say, oh, this is a funny segment. There's going to be others that are like, oh, my God, don't ever have him on again. I'm never going to listen again if you do. Like, I know there's going to be a lot of people who, who will have found that last segment very stressful and very frustrating to listen to, and there'll be others who will have liked it. And you know, I'm being honest here. If I if I was Lyman, I'd say, Ah, nobody likes when Todd comes on. He ruins the show. He makes it terrible. But see, I'm the honest one here, and I'll I'll say there's probably some who will like that segment, and probably some who will think it was terrible. And if you guys who are listening, whenever you're listening, whether it's live or in the archives, you want to text me seven seven five three seven two eight three five five and tell me what you thought of that segment. Then I'd be interested to hear. I think it was good when you two were really going at it. Uh, got got a little bit slow in some spots. Yeah, that's, that's why I was trying to I was trying to get it back on the rails. I, like I I I didn't want to be accused of not letting him speak and not letting him get his story out because people who wanted to hear him wanted to hear what his story was with the whole thing that happened. So I I was hoping that would be what would come out uh, more of that and less of the drunk rambling so we kind of got some of both anyway update number four on this show of updates fantasy aces which is the fantasy sports site that was one of the bigger minor sites in new york for daily fantasy sports the two huge ones of course being DraftKings and FanDuel. but then there's some other ones like fantasy draft and fantasy aces that are nowhere near those size. You know, those the two the big two take up ninety percent of the market, and then the remaining ten percent is divided among the smaller ones. So these are two of the bigger, smaller ones. But Fantasy Aces, as I've mentioned on two previous shows, went broke, and they owed about like one point three million to their player base, and they had just about nothing. 
So it was very clear to anyone with a brain and anyone who had been through the similar poker scandals like Full Tilt that they had just simply stolen the money and probably used it for operating expenses. Well, this has been confirmed now. It is no longer assumed. It has been confirmed that Fantasy Aces did steal the money. So... Uh, so this is a, a letter that uh, – let me find this here. Um, yeah, I had this up and I lost it. Uh, here we are. Here's a, a filing says that uh, Fantasy Aces said themselves regarding – in their bankruptcy – their bankruptcy filing. It says this. Shortly after his appointment, trustee met with debtors management team, including Thomas Fresina, Brian Fresina, Trent Fresina. During the meeting, the, the trustee learned that the player database contains approximately 30,900 names. So they had almost 31,000 people signed up. Probably not all of them had money in their account, but that's what they had in the database. Debtors management explained that each player had an account comprised of money owed by debtor debtor being fantasy aces, based on amounts deposited by each player and money won by participating in debtor's daily fantasy sports contests. Although debtor was supposed to keep the amounts in the player's accounts in trust and separate from debtor's operating funds, it did not do so, and all player funds were used by debtor to pay operating expenses. So, they stole the money. (laughs) <laughs> is the answer, which we already knew, but it's, it's actually... No, 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 it's not stealing. It's the full tilt model. Yeah. So, yeah, so they've declared bankruptcy. Uh, just, it was on January 31st when they did that at Chapter 7. They had only $2,200 total in all their accounts, owed $1.3 million, and they have acknowledged that they used funds for operating expenses, which it's amazing that nobody has been criminally charged with this. They do have state regulations regarding daily fantasy sports in New York and every state regulation having to do with uh, daily fantasy sports requires the operators to keep the player funds and the company funds in separate accounts and and one should never touch the other. So fantasy aces stole the player money and, and somehow I, I don't I don't see why these three for Cena's the uh, Debtors management team. I don't know if the the management team, if these guys are the owners or the the officers of Fantasy Aces or just a team that's been appointed, but whatever. Whoever's responsible for this should go to prison. This shouldn't just be, oh, that's too bad that business didn't work out. They were holding people's money and stole it. And there's no point to have regulation if there's not going to be consequences. So I, I hope there is. I hope there's criminal penalties for doing this. Otherwise, why have regulations? So here's the, that's not much more to say there. We've already talked about this in the past, but wanted to give you that update that Fantasy Aces admitted that it stole player funds. Update number five. We actually have six updates. This is update number five. You guys remember on a previous show I mentioned how I went to a doctor for a physical who then didn't give me the physical 
and told me that I already had a physical on a previous visit when I came in for blood pressure medication. I probably need more medication after speaking to Lyman. You seem pretty relaxed. That's good. But were you not? Were you, no, were you no, clenching? I, I, no, no, I wasn't clenching. I, I, I was relaxed, but at the same time, it's kind of stressful just ever having to talk to him. Even his voice is stressful to listen to. So the funny thing is Lyman making fun of my voice and Doug Polk's hair. And I'm like, is this guy not self-aware? I mean, it's, it's true that uh, Doug Polk has a full hawk. It's, it's true he does seem to model his hair after Vanessa Selfs. But uh, Lyman, Lyman is not the one who should be making fun of people's hair since he's got the, the sideshow Bob do. But anyway, uh, with this doctor I went to that uh, fraudulently billed me for a physical that they didn't give me. When I said I wanted one, then they said, oh, no, no, we gave it to you yesterday when you went in for the blood pressure test, when that's not what they did at all. They just didn't feel like doing it and retroactively claim I had one only when I said I wanted one. If I hadn't said I wanted one, they wouldn't have billed one. Once they said I want one, oh, yeah, we did it yesterday. Now we're billing for it, which they admitted. So I, I reported it to the insurance company, which is what you have to do. I looked into this, and what you have to do in these cases, you can't go to the police or anything. You, 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 know, you have to go to the insurance company if the insurance is involved, which in this case it is, because they're the ones that pay for the physical. File a, an appeal or a grievance with them. They have 30 days to follow it up. And then if you're not satisfied with how the insurance company handled it, then you can submit a complaint to the state. But the state will not even take your complaints until at least 30 days have passed after your complaint to the insurance company. So I did the insurance complaint, but then the investigator for the insurance company was not calling me. When I tried to call her, I got first ring voicemail every time, and she never called me back when it left messages. So after about a week of this, I tried to call just the main customer service number of the insurance company. And every single time I was getting call centers outside the U.S. who obviously could never handle a situation like this. And I kept saying, look, I just need to reach the appeals department in the U.S. All they could do was leave messages for me. And as you can imagine, I did not get calls back. To transfer to a regular U.S. rep, forget the appeals department, but even to get a regular U.S. rep, they have this ridiculous procedure in place where you have to first get a supervisor at the foreign call center, and then the supervisor will attempt to transfer you, but often not be successful. Now, the problem with this model is everybody has learned by now that when you get a foreign rep, the first thing you ask is, can I please be connected to a U.S. rep? So everyone asks for that. Then everyone has to be transferred to the supervisor first. The supervisor has this huge backlog of calls to take. So you wait like half an hour to get a supervisor, the supervisor gets on, and then they often can't even reach the U.S. rep and you've wasted your time. So finally, I resorted to something that uh, I should have thought of before. Because there is something out there that is used these days for important messages by both the President of the United States and people who obsessively hate the President of the United States who tend to scream on podcasts about poker. We're talking about Twitter. 
most companies, especially the large companies, have a Twitter presence where you can often DM them, direct message them, without even having them follow you. And you can request a callback from someone in the U.S. or someone important at the company or semi-important, you know, someone who has the authority to get things done. So I tried that with this company, and it actually worked. They called me within an hour, which is shocking, a U.S. rep. Anyway, I, I, I've gone back and forth with them, and I found out the bad news. The bad news is that – and I have to give Gaucho Jake of this forum credit because he, he pretty much predicted this. He works in the industry, so he, he knew. But he told me that what's likely is that nothing's going to happen except they're going to let me do a, a second physical, this one being a real physical, not a fraudulent one like the one I had last time. But they, they are going to pay – they'll probably pay the compl- – the, they'll probably pay the provider. They'll probably pay that office even though I didn't really have the physical. But they'll let me do a second one and cover it. Well, that's pretty much exactly what they told me. They said that they're not going to even try to determine who's right or wrong. That they just generally pay this, even if it's fraudulent, and then I can go get a second one. It'll be covered, too. So, uh, you know, uh, on one hand, fine, that's good. I get my physical. I don't get robbed of my physical thanks to these scammers. But what pisses me off is that the office gets paid by my insurance company for for a scam. They scammed me, and even though it doesn't come out of my pocket, it comes out of the insurance pocket. And this is part of the reason that healthcare costs are so high in the U.S., is that there's these dumb procedures like that to just pay obvious fraudulent bills because they've determined it's too hard to fight. It's too hard for them to... Tell the provider, no, we're not paying you. So their their approach is just generally to pay. So that really sucks. And they even said to me, they said, look, we're doing you a favor here by us paying it and letting you do a second one. It comes out of our pocket. And otherwise, if we didn't, you would owe the money to the provider. And so I said, look, how about I turn down that favor? How about you guys just don't pay them? How about you just... Tell them that it's, it's all going to be on me, that you're not going to cover it, and it's and I've agreed to take full responsibility. And then what I would do is i just give the middle finger to them and not pay. And they can come after me if they want. They could try to sue me, and you know, good luck with that. But they told me that's not even an option, that they have to do me this favor. So that sucks. Fraud really does pay in medicine. There's a lot of fraud in medicine in the U.S., a lot of fraud. And I was... I experienced this, and it's it's happened before in my family. To my grandmother, back when she was alive, way back in the late '90s, there were you know she was in her mid '80s, and there were some doctors. Uh, my mom had the smoking gun proof that they had falsified tests, and the reason she had smoking gun proof was the test results they gave my mom when my mom demanded the results of these tests that were never taken were completely different than my grandmother's real numbers, where there's no way they could have been taken on her these tests. So not only did my mom know that these tests were never done, and not only was she present with my grandmother and saw these tests were not done, but the the numbers that came back were false. And in fact, they could look at my grandmother's other medical records and it would be seen there's no way those tests could have been done and had those numbers. She brought it to the proper authorities, and the proper authorities said, we don't care. My mom said, look, I have proof. They said, we don't care. Not big enough. We're not investigating. So... There's a lot of doctors out there, a lot of offices out there that make a lot of their money from fraud and they know they'll get away with it. 
So it's a, that's one area of the healthcare discussion in the U.S. that doesn't come up as much as it should. Update number six. Dan Bilzerian and Bill Perkins, we talked about how they were multi-accounting, and they were basically playing on the same account uh, together. Other times, sometimes it would, it would be Bill, sometimes it would just be Dan. The, the thing was, it was not, uh, that's not supposed to be happening. It's supposed to be one person per account. They are very publicly doing so on Twitch, and it was assumed that America's Card Room, which of course is an unregulated card room online, that they were happy for all the publicity and attention that Dan Bilzerian brought them. And the fact that you know these, they were also depositing and playing just crazy and pretty much like fish and spewing to the site, which also was helpful to them, but more of the publicity aspect. So when Dan Bilzerian's giving your site a lot of attention on on his Twitch, do you really want to rock the boat, even if he's technically breaking your terms? So everyone assumed, no, they're not going to ban him. Well, wrong. Dan Bilzerian and Bill Perkins came on, and they were banned. They were banned. So uh, we're going to go to another person's broadcast about this matter, and I'll play you the reaction from uh, Bilzerian. This is actually from uh, Doug Puke. I'm sorry, Doug Polk's. Do- it was no, sorry, Dog Puke. Dog Puke. This is from his. This just in: breaking news. Our. Yeah. His, his uh, video podcast on uh, YouTube. And seriously, serious, actually, you know, he's the one who produces these things and does all the effects and really puts it all together. You know, D- Doug Polk does the, the talking, the content. Uh, he has all the poker knowledge. And then seriously, serious has all the, the video and the technical knowledge and the production knowledge. So uh, I guess they're, they're experimenting with various styles to emulate some very successful YouTubers and see how that connects with the audience. And it is true, a lot of the money is on YouTube. And so I guess Doug Polk is, is looking to both become a YouTube star and also to promote his training site. So anyway, here here no. from uh, see that the Las Vegas money makers are getting in there for some trolling with the hashtag LOLGPL. Our final story here, here tonight is Dan Bulzarian and Bill Perkins getting kicked off of ACR on a live stream, and let's just open up with the clip of what happened. He really does kind of look like Vanessa Selbst. <laughs> Lyman's got a point there. You picking more fights? Yeah, I guess I'll have him coming on here insulting <laughs> me now. You're, now you're calling him dog puke or whatever? No, I, I actually thought that was stupid for him to keep referring to him that way. It's, it's, it's next. It's, it's, it's next. Polk is coming after you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Polk must be doing something right. I'm, I'm, I'm playing him on the show all the time. I, I guess the next thing that will happen is Polk will sue me for stealing his content. But here we go. Uh, this is the... Reaction from Bilzerian as this happened. It's playing. So, so it pops up on the screen. Let's see if I can see it. It's pretty small. Your account has been disabled by administration. Please contact support for details, what it says. So there's actually two pop-ups saying the same thing. And... Bilzerian has this funny look on his face. He's sitting like, I don't know if it's on a boat or in a hotel room, but he's got this beautiful background of, of the ocean and, 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 uh, and boats and, and hills of some some island where he is at the moment with his shirt off. And he's sitting there playing on Twitch. <laughs> and, uh, he just gets this look on his face like, what the hell? 
The town has been disabled by administration. Fuck her. What? The what? They fucking kicked us out. Oh, okay. oh, you, got booted, you got booted finally. Oh, you got booted off. Yeah, we got booted. Now we did. Yeah, so that that was uh, so that was Perkins. Who got booted off? That was, that was Perkins there. So, I sounded guess, like they were expecting it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they must have known that this was uh, a risk they were taking, and I, though they probably felt that they they were getting away with it, they probably felt what we all felt that they were just too big of a deal. And that ACR wasn't going to have the balls to do this, but they did. And uh, apparently, something was written in ch- chat to them, like uh, Bill and Doug, this isn't right, or not Bill, Bill and uh, Dan, this isn't right. You can't do this. So there, there is a happy ending to this, in that uh, I guess they, I get one of the the account's been reopened. Someone got their own account now, something like that. So it's been. Maybe someone in the chat can tell me. I, I just heard this before the show that it has since been re-enabled, but may, maybe a second account has been created. But the bottom line is ACR actually did something about it, which is surprising. So I, I guess they got enough pressure from people saying, look, you can't allow this and then complain when we multi-account. And that's probably what ACR realized. The next time they have to suspend someone for multi-accounting, it'll look terrible when they say, well, why could Dan Bilzerian do it? And like, well, because he's famous? Like, you can't have that. So they kind of had to do it, though it, it did take some balls on their part because they, 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 they risked pissing Dan off and him not playing there anymore. But... I think the better way to do it, rather than just killing their account, is emailing them in between games and say, "Look, you know, we are happy to have you guys on here, but please, you know, have two separate accounts and don't do this." So, I guess uh, this is over now. But I'm surprised they closed their account in the middle of a session. Someone must have just made a snap decision. That they're going to stop it. JSTAT saying in chat, I slept through most of the Lyman segment. How do you even manage that? How can, how can you sleep through Lyman's show? In fact, I was thinking Wait, about... Wait, did you call it Lyman's show? I mean, oh, you know what? He's going he's gonna to really use this one against me. I meant Lyman on a show. Either his show or <laughs> him on this show. You're going to give him license to say he came in and took over your show? Yeah. <laughs> Crap. But he said, I was thinking when he was on uh, on this show, I was thinking to myself, There's an, even though he says we have no listeners, we really do have about 1,500 listeners, at least. So I was thinking, a number of people, yourself included, Calwatt, fall asleep to this show. Yep. And I can't imagine anyone could do that with Lyman's show. When, when he had his show, like, do you think anyone could have fallen asleep with Poker Sesh? Like, you'd be drifting off and you'd hear, What the fuck? You're totally incorrect! You don't know what the fuck you're saying, you fucking moron! Like, how could anyone sleep through that? Of course, if anyone is uh, trying to sleep right now, I probably just woke them up. So, yeah, Beer and Poker said, Lyman screaming woke me up from my nap. I... I couldn't stand listening to that for a long time. I really 
Could uh, Lou Father was trying to get Steven Crowder on this show. That's a good try, but <laughs> who the hell is that? Uh, Steven Crowder is a conservative commentator slash comedian, and I, I I watch a lot of his stuff on YouTube. He, he puts he does like a daily show now for a few hours a day. It's all about politics, and I but he he makes it entertaining. It's not like a boring political show. And he's in like the early thirties. I. I watch the clips. I'm too cheap to pay for the content. You, you have to pay now to watch the full show, and I'm too cheap to do that. But uh, I watch the clips. They tend to take the best and funniest stuff out of the shows they do and put in little clips. So I just find that is sufficient to watch that. But Lou Father tried to get him on this show apparently, and I guess he just that'd be respond. awesome. I guess he. No, I'd, I'd love if he came on, and I, I think his show is great. You know, you, you know that I must like a show if I have a dream about it. I actually had a dream that I tried out for Steven Crowder's network, which was funny. At the time, he didn't have a network. At the time, it was just him doing his show on YouTube. And there was no network. But later on, after my dream, he must have gotten the idea from my dream. He actually has a network now of several of the shows. But I had a dream that I went to his studio, which I think was in his house at the time in the Detroit area. And tried out to do my own show there, to have my own show on his network, and that I thought it went pretty well. And then he has this partner there that does the kind of like a seriously serious type that helps him with all the production stuff, but also acts as kind of a co-host. Called himself uh, Not Gay Jared. So Not Gay Jared, in my dream, came up to me as I'm I'm walking out with him after I was done with the show, and Crowder isn't really saying anything to me. And Not Gay Jared goes up to me and goes, "That was fucking terrible." That was one of the worst things I've ever seen. I go, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure it was. He goes, no, no, I'm, I'm serious. Man. That was terrible. That was a fucking <laughs> awful show. And he just went off on me. He just went off on how terrible I am. And that was just he, he could he wasn't leaving me alone. And I just felt so bad. And then Crowder looked like he was trying to be polite, but finally he's like, yeah, I admit it was pretty bad. That that was a lousy. <laughs> you didn't do a good job out here. So I just felt. I mean, it would be one thing if I tried out, but it wasn't quite good enough to get on there. But here they were telling me how just unbelievably terrible I was, and they couldn't even keep quiet about it. So I, I felt so terrible. And then right then, I woke up. And it's one of those dreams where, like, you have such a strong emotional reaction to it that it takes a second to even convince yourself when you wake up that there's nothing to be depressed about. That it didn't really happen. Right. So that's uh... – and then strangely enough, like a, a few weeks later, he announced that he was going to be – you know, doing this network and, and doing it every day. And I guess he lives like uh, one town away from Lou Father in the Detroit area. So I, I think he's pretty funny, though, especially if, if you're a conservative, you probably like his stuff. It's uh, Steven Crowder on YouTube. But um, let's let's get to the next topic here. Trader Rusi, you still here? God damn it. We lost him. I think I'm going to have to be alone again. I think God I, damn it. When, you, when you ask that, I know that means you're about to go to sleep. <laughs> I'm, I'm testing the waters. <laughs> I mean, you can go at any time. I know I know it's easier for you to leave when you feel you're not just leaving me alone in the dark, but I'll, I'll be okay. You know, it's uh, I know you're going to be I, okay. I, I don't have, I don't have the Lyman monster under my bed anymore. Uh, I think you can handle yourself. That's why, that's why I wasn't uh, chiming in there. I mean, you know, to be honest with you, I think that, 
two-person conversations are usually more interesting when there are three people involved or more. A lot of times people are talking over each other and all that, and it's just not all that interesting. Yeah, well, the reason I was trying to keep you out was twofold. First of all, I know you have a personal history with him. You traveled with him and stuff like that. Oh, Trade Risky's up. He's he's calling in. Here, let me put him on. Nice. But I... The reason I was trying to not add you into it is because I know you had a personal history with him, and since this was a kind of a contentious conversation, I didn't want to have you in there and then having to decide, you know, it's not like just some random you don't know where you don't have to feel bad or, or feel weird about saying anything critical of them. I know right. if, if someone you were friends with and, and traveled with, uh, this kind of an awkward situation for you to be with them uh, on a conversation like this. That was the first thing. And then the, the second thing was uh, – he would often ask for you when he wanted to distract from whatever I was asking. <laughs> so, or, or, or when I was saying something critical and he wanted to either try to prove me wrong or, or try to like say something positive to you and then, and then say the opposite about me to make me look bad. It, it was always, it was bringing you in with some sort of purpose that wasn't very noble. So that's why I, I felt, you know, let's just keep it between me and him. It's simple. Then he doesn't have a third party to try to uh, play games with here to get out of discussion. Yeah, well, and it's it's also, it's kind of like a menage a trois in a way. It's something that sounds a lot better than it is. Yes, you know yes, I mean? it's, it's true. Especially in a conversation like that, and especially when you already had a personal history with him. Trader Risky, hello. I'm back. I tried to call back, but it couldn't get in. Yeah, it's this old Skype that we're still on here. See, that, that's the one thing that the one good thing that came out of that call with Lyman is that he validated what a freaking nightmare it is to use Skype for these things. I I do better than him apparently. He can't even get another call on the phone. Uh, oh yeah, I, I, was, I was laughing. I was <laughs> laughing when he was doing. He was asking you for tech support. Yeah, that was great. it's like he's insulting me first. It's calling me a moron. How do you get Skype working? I can't get another person on the phone. Like he he wants me to to help out. Like he wants me to help him out with running his show if he ever starts it up again. But no, I mean, I, I'm never going to be someone who's shy about saying what I think about something. But I just honestly thought that the radio would be better if you guys were kind of going at it because, you know, you got you got very different personalities and it's fun to watch you guys go. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> okay, so. I thought it was interesting also how he wouldn't answer the direct question about who owns Live at the Bike, if, you know, if he owns any part of it anymore. Oh, see my statement. I made a statement about it. Why Why didn't you read the statement? Like, I just kept asking a direct question, and he wouldn't answer me. Then he finally, Again, I mean, he's not a dummy. I don't think he wants to say or do anything that could jeopardize his well, yeah, agreement. Then he's obviously happy with whatever agreement that they came to. That, that, that's why I asked because I knew he'd refuse Of course, I know, I know that's why you're asking. <laughs> you're like, I know you're, you're thinking, I know this is going to, he's not going to want to answer this, so yeah. I'm going to ask it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's a, a, a new fail site called Global Poker. And I, when I say fail site, I'm just assuming. I haven't checked, but I'd be shocked if it's anything but a fail site. And every once in a while, there's these attempts to start these supposedly legal online poker sites in the U.S., and there's always some gimmick that supposedly makes them legal. There's this terrible thing about 10 years ago called duplicate poker, which it was funny. Duplicate poker in concept sounds like it may be okay, but in practice, it was terrible. Duplicate poker was a version of poker which was only skill. You say, oh, that sounds good. And the way they made it only skill and not luck is that everybody gets the same hands dealt to them. 
in each position at the table. So, so you know, you and so so what happens is uh, you're you're at a table with eight other people, and then there's another table, at least one other table. So, and it's always an even number of tables. Sometimes two, sometimes four, sometimes eight. Uh, something where you, there's at least one other table with getting dealt the identical cards to the identical spots at the table of the players. So basically you're not really competing with the players at your table. You're competing with the person sitting in your seat getting your identical cards at the other table. And whoever finishes with the most chips at the end of uh, you know, a full round uh, moves on. And then you know, they put everybody again at a table. It's, almost, it's like a tournament that way. I see. The only thing you can't do is you can't play heads up because then it would actually be skill at that point because it's, it heads up, there's only two people and they can't have the same cards. So you guys, you just go all in every hand. Yeah. So, so, so what they, so the problem with this thing is that it became a situation of how much your opponents are willing to spew rather than how good you are. So if you've got really tight people at the table, it's terrible because you're, you're not likely to get any action and then you're not going to win many. You know, the times you get good hands, you're not likely to win very much. And if you've got some maniac at the other table spewing, then the person in your same seat is going to get a lot more unless they run bad. So it really became a competition of who gets better people at their table as far as spewing. Sounds and, like poker to me. Yeah, so, so it, and it, it, was, it was so boring and it was so terrible and I played well, it once. Druff, at a, at a live casino, if you're sitting at a table with a bunch of tight asses and then there's uh, some guy... You know, wearing gold chains and he's just throwing down bricks of cash. I mean, you're going to try and get to that table too, right? Well, yeah, yes. But but the, the problem is that uh, you're actually competing only with the people who are in your I identical gotcha. seat everywhere. So that's, it was so terrible. You just feel like powerless just wherever you're put. It, it's pretty much the... So you can't pick your seat either. You right? can't pick you your seat. You, you, well, you, no, they just place you there. Limit. Right. So it's, it's, like, it's like a tournament situation. So you're okay. So you just feel powerless that no matter what you do... No matter how good you are, you just can't win if you're if you're put at a table right. with uh, with people that are not giving you action. So it was terrible. It failed. There's been also these subscription poker sites where you pay a flat fee and then you play for play money, and they give prizes based upon you know whoever finishes with the most chips, blah blah blah. But those never seem to work out. They often a, a number of them actually went broke and never paid people. Uh, people just didn't like that. People want to play for real money. They don't want to pay subscriptions to get play money and then win prizes. I mean, some people do, but it's not something that's ever going to catch on. Yeah, so- we had a guy here locally who tried that angle. A number of years ago during the, the poker boom, he actually opened up a storefront. And he, he just charged like a, a club fee to try and, and was just, you know, <laughs> basically running a card room. Um, and you just had to pay a, a cr- club fee to be able to enter, and in in that way, you know, I guess he thought he was going to skirt the regulations. But I think you can imagine how that turned yeah. out. Yeah. So, so well, it's interesting you bring that up because I think that's going to be it's going to be the way that global poker is going to have its demise. Either that or it's just going to fail. So, global poker, I don't even fully understand it, but th- this is my impression of it. So, if you go to globalpoker.com. It's no a, relation to Global Poker Index, or no? It, but I, I wonder if they purposely chose that name to make it look like they're associated with it. It's reasonable that they would. So GlobalPoker.com. It says right there on the front page how it works. So you think reading how it works, you'll understand really how it works. Well, tell me how much you understand of this. You can play with two types of currencies: gold coins and sweeps cash. 
Understand yet? No. You get $2 free sweeps cash and 10,000 gold coins to your account when you sign up to get started. Any more clear? No. <laughs> sweeps cash can be legally cashed out through PayPal in the United States. Okay. You get it now? So <laughs> you, you can pay you can play with either one of these currencies, but only one of them can you actually cash it out. And it doesn't talk about how you can play with them. What is a gold coin? What is sweeps cash? It doesn't tell you anything. This well, is how- I think I think yeah. I mean, I think they're being purposely vague. So I, ridiculously thinking that that's going to help them in some way. But it sounds like the gold coins are equivalent to play money chips on the poker site, and the sweeps cash. Is their name for, you know, whatever this thing is. Well, but there's no fucking way this is going to work. I, I thought that too, but uh, I saw something about how you can buy, uh, you can actually buy, I think it's gold coins. Like five no, well, you can buy play money chips on PokerStars too. Yeah, so I, I, and I'm not sure what $2 sweeps cash and 10,000 gold coins. I mean, they're, they're, they sell gold coins. They don't sell sweeps cash from what I could see. So that's the right. weird thing. So so I, I'm really not sure. I bet you that's what it is because, you know, PokerStar sells play money chips. Zynga made their entire business model out of selling play money chips to people. So maybe it's this. Maybe it's that you can, you can buy gold coins and that uh, yeah. you have to enter tournaments and then you win sweeps cash and that you can cash out. I bet it's something like that. But the problem is, if you, if, you, if you dig into this, what does this really mean? Well, the definition of gambling, the legal definition, is that you're risking something of real value in order to win something else of real value. And if that is true, then it's gambling. So let's look at the poker fraud alert free roll. You do win something of real value, that is the cash I send you. But I'm happy to say I run that poker room, I'm happy to publicize that I do, and I, I'd happily tell the police or FBI that I do, because there's no risk. The risk element's not there. You're, you're not ever buying in. It's free. So that's what makes it legal. But when you charge something to play, even if indirectly, then it starts to be illegal. And they seem to believe that these gold coins, since you can't cash out the gold coins, uh, likely. We, we still don't know... If, for sure what the exact way these are used but uh, you whatever way it works you can buy gold coins you also get 10,000 free when you sign up and you get $2 sweeps cash when you sign up presumably you can't just sign up get the $2 sweeps cash and cash out $2 uh, presumably you have to play some with it would you do it <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm asking you a serious no, question no no not for would $2 you sign up Huh? Not for two dollars. It's not worth it. I, I've you had would, I've, I've okay. had things before. Where, like I get a survey with some like some place I go to all the time, some fast food place or whatever. It says yeah, do this little survey online and 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 print it out and you'll get uh, two dollars off the next meal. I, I don't do that. It's not worth two dollars for my time to do that. What like, if it was ten dollars? Depends how long it would take. <laughs> You're saying for the sweeps cash or for the, like the survey? No, for the the sweeps cash. The sweeps cash. If I could sign up quickly. And then just hit the cash out immediately, get $10, I'd do it. Okay. If, if it's any kind of ordeal or I have to run it through, I would not do it. Now, would you try to hustle it and, like, sign up uh, 50 times? No, no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Unless, unless I heard they were stiffing people or something. Like, I, I once had the conversation of the ethical dilemma is, let's say you could go back in time and know what Full Tilt is going to do. And let's say also that... 
you know what's happening there, that basically you can deposit uh, and you get credit for depositing without uh, uh, without actually – well, there's, there were a lot, a lot of ways you could rip them off. You like what actually that. happened, yeah, like right? that, or, 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 or that people like, like Neverwin would, would uh, get a lot of uh, credit for e-checks and then just stiff them. And, right. and uh, you, I think Neverwin stiffed them out of $50,000 from what I heard. Wow. So, so let's say you could do this, and there wouldn't be any consequence on your credit or anything. It's just a, a, a ethical question. Knowing for sure, if you could see the future, what Full Tilt was going to do, would you cheat them first? And I have no other course of action, right? I can't report them, and no one would believe yeah, me. No yeah, no one believe you. Yeah, right, right. No one believe you. You have no way to stop this. Well, especially seeing what happened with Batar and everything, I wouldn't feel bad about stiffing them at all. Yeah, exactly. I said that too. I said if I could have stolen from Full Tilt, knowing that they were going to steal the money away anyway, if I could steal it from from them before they stole it from everybody else, I would. And in fact, maybe what I would do is I would steal and then I'd give it back to the poker community in some way. Maybe I'd steal it, steal as much as I could, and then hold a giant free roll for everybody who got cheated or something like that. But uh, that's, um, or, or or also like if if I. Deposit, let's say I wasn't intending to steal, but let's say I had deposited money on there and lost, and then I had a way to close my bank account so they don't charge me. Normally, I would never do that, but if I knew the company was a thief and was going to steal all the money anyway, of course I would do that. Of course I'd charge it back and, and get away with it, because I, if they're going to steal the money anyway from the people who want it, I'd rather just keep it myself. So, anyway, uh, going back to this with the global poker situation. Even if they're giving you free stuff off the bat, they're giving you $2 sweeps cash and 10,000 gold coins, which let's assume has some value to it. If you can also buy gold coins, then there's risk. You can buy gold coins and gamble with them on the site. You're purchasing something for real money, gambling with it, and then if you can cash out the winnings to PayPal then that's a reward. Then you're getting a cash reward. You're buying in for cash, gambling with it, and getting out a cash reward. That's The bottom line is what you're doing. No matter what they think they're doing in between, that is what's happening there. So the other funny thing is the cash out the winnings to PayPal. I can't believe they're bragging about that. PayPal is so sensitive to anything that even That's what I was going to say. Gambling. There's no fucking way. I don't get it. Yeah, anything that even looks like gambling, they are... Super sensitive to, in fact, they will not allow anything that even resembles it, even if it's not the legal definition of gambling. There are many things that you can't do on PayPal that are 100% legal because they think it's associated with gambling. Even if you can prove to them that the law book says that what you're doing is legal, they will not care. They still prohibit it. And they have a right to. They can prohibit it what they, can prohibit it what they want on their own service. But that's, that's what hard asses they are about gambling. So how can a site that calls themselves Global Poker, where you're buying in with real money and winning real money, that you can cash out to PayPal? So this is really delusional. That's going to be done really fast. The only reason they're probably not closed down yet is because probably nobody's cashed out yet. It's probably such a new site that there's no one cashing out at this moment. Or if- so I'm doing a little bit of research on these guys. So yeah. VG, VGW Holdings is the company that actually owns uh, Global Poker. Um, they were founded in 
2010, so they've been around for a while. They're in Australia. And you're going to love this. They're board of directors. <laughs> it's it's close to Colonel Nigel Faversheff. It's Nigel Blythe Tinker. <laughs> He's the, the executive chairman. What an English name that Blythe is. Yeah, it says he's from uh, the UK. <laughs> well, Nigel Blythe Tinker. I swear to God. That's funny. Well, go to go to VG, VGW.co, not COM. And uh, that's the, the parent company that owns them, and apparently they've been around for a while. VGW.co. Huh? You'll see, if you go to oh, yeah. uh, Investor Relations Board of Directors, you'll see... Nigel Blythe Tinker. VGW, Virtual Gaming Worlds. There you go. Board of Directors. Nigel Blythe Tinker, Executive Chairman. Nigel Blythe Tinker has extensive United Kingdom and international corporate experience, spanning over 30 years, covering all forms of mergers and acquisitions, divestments, corporate finance, restructuring AIM and FSTC 100 flotations, corporate governance, and incentive schemes. He has 17 years' experience with the international gaming sector. He has considerable UK-listed company experience as a key member of the executive team of the successful London Stock Exchange listing of a number of companies in his career, including William Hill, Gaming VC, etc., etc., etc. He's actually quite old-looking, this guy. So, Yeah, but if you check it out, I mean, it, you know, I mean it's not just some fly-by-night company. No, apparently. no, I and, see. I see the company is... And is they're real. saying they're pioneers of social sweepstake gaming. <laughs> so they're trying to make this look like it's a lottery, I guess. But what are they going to do when, number one, they, when the U.S. government says, no way, you can't do this, and, and number two, when PayPal well, says... Well, that, that's going to be the problem. When PayPal, let's say this thing, like, semi-succeeds. And by semi, I mean, like, Enough people play on there to where there's people cashing out. So PayPal's going to get wind of this real fast and kill it. No question. So then what do they do? Then they have to process payments, and that's always the killer for online sites because then they're going to have to get payment processing, and, and payment processors are not going to touch this because they're going to know this is illegal. Okay, so the company has been around for a little while, but it says the software that powers Global Poker was acquired in late 2016. So I wonder who they would have acquired this from. There aren't that many poker platforms out there. Yeah, they only have two games, though. I see there's the Chumba Casino. No, there, there's more than that, too, though. Uh, there, there's a whole, they list a whole shitload of games on there. But, I mean, the interesting thing to me, it says, working with leading sweepstakes and gaming lawyers in the U.S. to ensure that Chumba Casino was fully compliant with all local laws, this opened up the tremendously Underserviced U.S. market where winning cash this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it says where winning cash from online casino game gaming is largely illegal. Like how can they? That's why it's underserviced. They're understanding it. Yeah, it's not that people don't <laughs> want to rush in like piranhas and make money from this. It's that they're they're going to get arrested if they do. It they, is, it is undis- a Micon deal will happen. It's you know? underserviced. We, we, the reason we um, we're providing this is that the Americans they want to gamble, and for whatever reason, these companies don't want to offer games to Americans. It's underserviced the market, and uh, we say to these companies, "Why don't you offer g- gaming to Americans?" And they say, "Oh, it's a bit illegal. We don't want to do this and go to prison." Oh, that's a minor trifle. Um, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Drew. This is. I mean, if this is true, <laughs> this is really interesting. But it says. VGW has uh, also developed some formidable partnerships with Facebook, 
the largest social media network, and PayPal, the world's leading huh. payment process provider. So they're claiming some kind of wow. partnership. That is interesting. How? <laughs> How? That's a great question. How is PayPal, who's so anti-gambling, making partnerships with them? It doesn't make any sense. This is so weird. This there's there's so some weird. wrinkle to this that we're not seeing if PayPal is truly involved in this. Well, way. so I looked at this Chumba Casino. I haven't gone to the site yet, but I, I looked at the description on VGW's website. It says, the world's favorite social casino. And they, they put favorite with F F A V O U R. Favorite. Oh, the British, give them a break. Chumba Casino is the only online casino in the U.S. where players can legally cash out their winnings through our revolutionary sweepstakes technology. What does that mean? It means what is, what is a sweep, sweepstakes technology? What the fuck is that? What's interesting about that is that sweepstakes in the U.S. are illegal unless you can enter for free in some way. Or you're a state. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I don't know what their revolutionary sweepstakes technology is. Poker says the same thing. Cash out your winnings with PayPal. Unless, unless they think that what they're doing, unless they're calling it sweepstakes because you can technically get some free chips, and they're saying everyone has a chance. It says no purchase necessary. Yeah, that's probably the. I bet that's the loophole they're trying to use is that you can always get some free tries at it. So if you also want to purchase to improve your chances, then you can do that too. But since you can enter for free initially, that therefore. It's uh, it's legal. It's got to be something like that, which I don't believe because any casino could pull this crap. Any casino, you know, knowing what I know about PayPal, it's just it's bizarre to me that they would be a partner. Yeah, that's that's really in, weird. in this enterprise. And you're right. Like, think about how big the casino and uh, poker industry is, right? Like, if there really was some easy little loophole like this, I mean, why wouldn't the big casinos be doing it? Yeah, it they would. Sense. They would. So it's possible this place is that these casinos are so small and uh, underused that no one's. Paying but how did they yet. get? How did they forge a partnership? Well, with that, that could be a loose statement. It could be that a partnership is just the PayPal doesn't take this shit lightly. No, but they, though, they may mean, have lied to PayPal about what they are. Who knows? They may have put it a different way, and PayPal said, "Okay, we'll uh, we'll allow you to have a merchant account here and cash people out or something." I, I could see, like, we have a sweepstakes, and and people we're, we're giving people prizes for the sweepstakes, and PayPal's like, "Oh, okay," and they don't they don't know right now what it I, is. I can't imagine that would last because you can't even advertise gambling stuff uh, through Google if you wanted to. No, like, I know you can't. It's, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Well, we'll see what happens with this. But even putting aside the legal issues, I just don't see how this is going to be successful. I the problem is people in the U.S. they want to play poker, they want to gamble, but they they want to gamble and play poker in a way they're familiar with. They they don't want to do all these these dances. Well, wait a minute, Ruff. This is this is getting even crazier. I'm sorry, but I'm I'm looking at this more. And there's a checkbox when you want to sign up for this Chumba Casino thing that says, I understand that if I live outside of the United States or Canada or within Quebec, I cannot cash out my sweeps cash due to local laws. So it's saying, <laughs> right, so it's saying you have to live in the U.S. or Canada to cash this out. How? 
It's got to be some sort of misrepresentation that they're so small right now nobody's paying attention. That's my guess. But but in addition to this, I just think Fucking that weird. I, I think that whenever you have to jump through a lot of hoops or you have to present the game in an unfamiliar way to people in order to make it quote legal, people don't want to do it. People just want to sign up and play the poker they're familiar with. People want to sign up and you know they want to deposit money, they want to play for real money, they want to cash out real money. That's that's the way people want to operate poker because that's what they're used to in the live card room. They they don't want to get gold coins and and play tournaments and win sweeps cash. They, people don't want that. It turns them off. Very. Yeah, but if I this is essentially saying that if I'm from Estonia, where you can do whatever the fuck you want. You know, you can bury a body in your backyard, and you know, as long as you don't piss people off in the government, you're good to go. I can't cash out my money. Yeah, but if you're in the U.S., it's no problem. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> what the fuck? I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. It's, it's very weird. We'll ha- we'll have to see what happens. We'll have to see if if they either fail because they just don't catch on, or if they get busted in some way first. Uh, here's a review on winmoney101.com, which, of course, is a, a very respected review site that everyone goes to to learn about uh, various gambling sites on the Internet. Actually, I've never heard of them. I was about to say. No, this, it, sounds, this, it sounds more like a shill site. It is a total shill site. <laughs> Global Poker Review. You'll have to search high and low for a game that's more written about than poker, and for good reason. Described as a game that takes a few minutes to learn but a lifetime to master, you'll find no shortage of online poker sites where you can play for free or real money. None of them operate on the same model as global poker. If you're into social casino games and want to give poker a try, this new site is for you. It's different than the usual sites, and although there's no real money wagering involved, there are, int- there are options to win cash in sweeps cash contests. Sweeps cash is a term you'll definitely have heard of if you already play casino games at Chumba Casino, and you may have already been lucky enough to win. Chumba is the hugely possible is the hugely popular casino game site, which gives you a wide range of gambling type free to play or sweepstake games. They'll even give you free money to start off with. Now they're bringing global poker to the table, and with Chumba already experiencing a high level of success, it seems a fair bet that the new poker games will do uh, will do too. They have plenty of competition, not least from numerous other websites offering various types of real money games. But by targeting their current Chumba casino players, globals. Uh, Global seem assured of a wide customer base. So here we're going to review exactly how global poker sweepstakes-style gambling works. Okay, let's see this. Uh, I'm trying to read. Before I even read on, I'm seeing if this. Okay, how to play. If you're keen to know how global poker works and what it takes to get your teeth into some poker games, there are essentially two ways to play, or more precisely, two different types of currency you can use. First off, you can play for fun using virtual gold coins. So yeah, those are play money. Good guess. You'll get 10,000 of these added to your account when you register. That'll give you plenty to practice with, but the real fun starts off when you're playing for real money. This is done by playing the sweeps cash games. New account holders get $2 to start off. Win some money in sweeps cash contests, and you can withdraw winning through PayPal in the United States. Extra gold coin packages can be bought anywhere from 5 and $300 via the link in your account. Various promotions and giveaway offers give ways to win extra gold coins. Once you have registered an account, you'll find the route to games easily easy to follow. But remember, the strategy plays a large part in your success. Well, okay, let me. Let, okay. Let, let me, I've, I've, I think I know how they're making money from this. <clears throat> so basically, they're giving you two free of these sweeps dollar things. Yeah. Right. 
and you can buy more uh, of these gold coins if you want to. Just like you can buy play money chips on Poker Stars, you can you can live in the U.S. and you can buy play money chips yeah, yeah. on Poker Stars. There's no problem with that. Um, so there's no legal legal issue with that. And my guess is that they make money from three different things. One, people buying the play money chips. Believe it or not, people are going to do it. Uh, two, they're harvesting your uh, contact information. I'm sure they resell it to various marketers and that kind of stuff. And then I, I almost guarantee you that while you're playing these games, you're, uh, you're shown ads. Because I think what it is is you cannot buy these sweeps dollars. Um, you can only win them, and you probably have to like sit there and play, and thus you're exposed to the ads, and then you, you know, they generate revenue in that way. It's got to be. There's no way that PayPal would be associated with them otherwise well, so unless it question. was something can, like that. Can you convert in any way these gold coins to sweeps cash? I bet you can't. I mean, I, I can't imagine that PayPal would be involved if you could because then that would be ridiculous. Like and anyone could see through that and, and see that. that yeah, does, and, and what I'm seeing here is you can get you can get sweeps cash by sending them mail – just like in the, the old way, where to you know any kind of sweepstakes in the U.S., you can write to right. the company and, and get a free entry. So it says you can right. you can do up to five requests per month for for, for sweeps cash. I guess at two dollars each. Right. So my point is, if you can't deposit here, you can only be like given a sweepstakes entry. That probably is legal, but it, if there's no way for them to. Uh, be making money from that, it's got to be an ad-driven model. Like, there's nothing else it could uh, it could be, you know? Yeah, it's weird. And it says you can... Uh, actually, they say you get $6 sweeps cash, if you and you can do this up to five requests per month. So you can get $30. It says you can get $300. I think it's a typo. It must be 30 but but the the funny thing is they add the sweeps cash to your account the you know, the six dollars they don't do it all at once they add one dollar per day over six days. <laughs> well, that that makes sense though, you know. Especially they they may even make you uh, play kind of like when you get bonuses on the poker sites you have to play it through. Um, and it, it it totally would make sense because if you think about it, like when you go to YouTube, you're not depositing any money when you want to watch the videos that are on YouTube, right? YouTube makes money from the ads that are shown on there. Yeah. And I, I almost guarantee you that this is something similar. It's to got that. to be something like that. Yeah, you're right, because I'm, I'm I'm looking at this thing here, and it says nothing about a way you can purchase sweeps cash. Yeah. If they, if they have a partnership with PayPal, it has to be a model like that. There's, there's no other... There's nothing else that makes sense. I, I'm sure they make... Some amount of money from people buying the play money chips. I mean, Zynga Poker made a decent amount of money just from that. Um, and then they have partnerships with Facebook where they can provide it to Facebook customers and all that good stuff. Um, but the actual sweeps cash stuff, I, I almost guarantee there's it's something ad-driven related to this. It's got to be. Yeah. It, uh, I, like I you're sitting there and, you know, ads pop up or they're down below it or whatever, you know. Yeah, it, it must be something like that. I can't see any other way how they could make money other than buying people buying those play chips. And so I think it actually, I mean, without looking into their exact business model, it probably is legal. And it, it, if they have a partnership with PayPal, I can pretty much guarantee you that 
PayPal is extremely, extremely conservative about who they will partner with, and I'm sure that this has been very well vetted. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised that even if it is legal, that PayPal is associating themselves with it just because there is that kind of hint of gambling. That's what I'm surprised about, too, because they really yeah. just were so hard-lined about anything that even resembles gambling in a way. Like you, An example is... If you want to buy a piece of someone at the World Series, you can't do it through PayPal, even though that's totally legal. It's right. totally legal. You can you can go right up to the tournament director at the World Series and tell him, "Hey, I'm uh, you know I'm buying a piece of such and such person." Okay, great. You know it's not prohibited. It's fine. It's 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 allowed by the World Series rules. It's allowed by law. They used to even split up the prize for you at the cage. They don't do it anymore just because of the hassle, but. Uh, PayPal wouldn't allow it. If, pay, if you send money to someone on PayPal because they bought a piece of you in the World Series and you won, you'll get your account closed. Right. And that's happened to a bunch of people. So, I mean, it must be something that is quite well vetted. And because it's been, I'm just assuming, quite well vetted, it's got to be a model like that. Yeah. And they're very, very particular about it. It has to be in the U.S. and Canada. Yeah, it, it's got to be. It's got to be. Yeah, it's, there's no other, and that's just something we're still missing, but from the explanation they've given so far, even though they've said nothing about ads, I I have to agree that it's, there doesn't seem to be any other way they can make money, and it doesn't seem like the gold coin play money chips they'll be selling would be worth right. enough to them. So yeah, it's probably both. Right. And we, you know, when you go online, there aren't that many places that you probably go to that you're paying money to do stuff. Whether it's read news, watch videos, you know, do whatever, uh, check email. N- not too many places that you're actually paying money for those services. Um, but those companies are still making money, and they're making money through advertising. So why not apply that to the the poker game? Yeah, they've they've got you sitting there. They've got you staring at the screen. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay, so. We'll see. We'll see. Now, it doesn't mean it will succeed. It just means it's legal if, if this is the, the case. But right. uh, we will see. I, I'm not even sure. In fact, I want to look at. Uh, I want to look at this Chumba Casino. Really, is hugely popular because I hadn't heard of. No it. No way. I'd never even heard of it. As soon as you said that, I was yeah. started laughing because I'd never heard of these fucking guys. Like I, I really want to see. Let's see here. Um. I'm curious what platform they bought, too. It would be kind of funny if they bought, like, Seals with Clubs or something. Okay, so I'm going on Alexa, to, which I know isn't a, isn't perfect as far as analyzing traffic. But, yeah, if they are hugely popular, then Poker Fraud Alert is pretty much Google in its popularity. Uh, Chumba.com's traffic analysis, according to Alexa, the global rank is 4 million... 37,000th most popular site in the United States, or in the world. <laughs> so they, now, now, to compare, in case you think, well, you know, there's so many websites out there, but you know, the 4 millionth most popular site in the world, that couldn't be that bad. That's pretty bad. Well, to show you how bad that is, Poker Fraud Alert, which is not uh, a juggernaut on the internet is the 627,000th most popular site on the Internet. So, and, and I'll tell you, the difference between 627,000 and 4 million is pretty huge as far as uh, right. the, the popularity there. So that's that's a huge difference. And Poker Fraud Alert has uh, traffic ranks, which, by the way, I, I see we've been going down in our traffic, it looks like. Is that down? 
Yeah, it is down. Well, we've really slipped in the last year, according to... Uh, the, the thing is with Alexa, um, the, the way they... At least the last I heard, they were using some sort of like browser extension to determine if people were going to your site. So if your site has more web-savvy people that aren't going to put some kind of useless extension on their browser, then you're going to be under-ranked on Alexa. I'm doing a side-by-side comparison of both of them right now. Yeah. So, anyway. Um, the analysis I'm doing looks a little bit better for for them. Have you heard of WooRank? No. It's basically for measuring uh, SEO and site popularity and that kind of stuff. Um, it's ranking them at the uh, 92,000th most visited site in the United States. The thing with SEO, though, I'm, I'm, I'm a little skeptical because it looks like with shill sites pumping them, and I don't have... No, 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 no. It's not... That's not how the visitor measures are coming from. It, that's one of the things that it measures is the SEO type stuff. Um, it's still hard to believe anything coming with a 4 million rank on, on Alexa could be anything uh, anything popular. I agree with you. Um, I'm somewhat skeptical of Alexa. The The data from uh, WooRank is powered by SEMrush, which is very well respected So, for what it's worth. Well, okay. Anyway, whatever. I'd never heard of these guys. Yeah, I'd never heard of them either. So, we will see if that ever goes anywhere, if it, or if it... It probably won't shut down for being illegal. It sounds like they've probably... Trader Ruski. Figure that out. Uh-oh. Trader Ruski. He's, he's not even here. He's not even on the line. Damn it. I gotta go. I, okay, you, like you, you can try. We're, we're actually yeah. kind of near the end anyway, so... You can go. Okay. All right, man. Take it easy. Dude. All right. Thank you, Calwatt, and right. uh, talk to you later. All right, later. 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. That's the phone number into this show. In fact, since we're on the old Skype, let's, I just want to make sure it can come through. Then I'll read some text messages before we go on to our next topic. Let's see if I can call myself. Seven five five three seven two eight three five five. I'm calling with my cell phone into my own show. Oh, it looks like Trader Ruski's here. Trader Ruski, hello. Yeah, I'm here. Hey, I here. was trying to get back in. Oh, you're trying to yeah, get back so in. Okay, so and, and I, I see I can take calls. I just tried my own phone number, so I can get through. And glad to have you here, even though we lost uh, Calwatt. So I want to talk about uh, poker rooms in Vegas as we. Uh, go on to the one thirty hour here in the western U.S. I'm surprised you're still up. Yeah, I don't have much left in the tank. But yeah, I'm surprised I'll you have any. Yeah, that's, that's good. So the Hard Rock Poker Room, the Hard Rock Casino Poker Room has closed. And poker, you know, at one point when the poker boom was at its peak in the mid-2000s, Everywhere had a poker room. It's just if your casino didn't have a poker room, then there was something wrong with your casino. Because poker was just the, the huge thing in this country. But then it started to die down somewhat. 
And even though poker has much more of a presence than it did prior to 2003, it's just it does not have the presence that it did 10 years ago. And a lot of these casinos realized that, number one, the poker room just wasn't that popular anymore. Number two, it never made that much money in the first place. Before, it was, it was always there as kind of a loss leader. It had, to, it had to be there for them. Even if it wasn't a money loser, it was not worth the space in the casino that it was taking up. But they knew it would be, bring people in who would then shoot off money in the pits or on the slot machines or even spend the money in the restaurants or, or whatever else on property. So they, they were happy to get people down there for the poker and have them stay for other things. I even watched a Bellagio have some players I would play with who were good would sometimes take those winnings to the blackjack table or the crafts table and shoot it all off or the sports book. So the concept definitely works. I've always said that I, I would be thrilled to have a lot of poker players coming to my casino if I owned a casino because they tend to be degenerates. Anyway, the problem was that as the poker rooms became less and less busy and as they found that they could do much more profitable things with the space, they started to realize that many of these casinos that they didn't need a poker room anymore. And in some cases, they realized that if they have several properties in Vegas, they don't need a poker room at every property that they can, if people ask where's a poker room, that they could always be directed to the sister property. So poker rooms started to close. The Hard Rock is the latest casualty, but... Listen to the list of the 29 poker rooms that have closed in Las Vegas in the last few years. I don't have the exact time frame, but this is a, a list I have that says it was, quote, the last couple of years, which would imply two, but I have to say probably they mean about three. These 29 have closed. Tropicana, Hooters, Eastside Cannery, Sunset Station, The M, Ellis Island, Rampart, Silverton, the Plaza, the D, Cromwell, also known as Bills at one point, uh, Sahara slash SLS, Circus Circus, Riviera, the Link, which was once uh, Imperial Palace, uh, Palms, Texas Station, Aliante, Paris, Paris is no, no poker room anymore, the Tuscany, Stardust, which is now gone. All Stardust is gone. Uh, the former Las Vegas Hilton, which is now the Westgate. Uh, both Fiesta casinos. There's two Fiestas. There's Fiesta Rancho, and what's the other one? I don't remember. Both Fiestas. I mean, this sounds like five years dropped. How long is the Starbucks? Been yeah, coming? it probably Starbucks. is. I was just thinking but, that. I was just thinking yeah. the Stardust has been gone more than three years. Let's see when the Stardust closed. Stardust closed... In, uh, oh, wow, 11 years ago. So this, the person who made this list didn't quite have his time, time frame right. Yeah, they have a different definition of few. <laughs> There's a couple. I, I did a few. It's actually, a, yeah. So it's still interesting though. Uh, the Gold Coast, Joker's Wild, Four Queens, the Las Vegas Club, and of course the Hard Rock. So that's, uh, I don't know how far this list goes back. I, now that the, I see the Stardust is on it and that it was, uh, over 10 years ago when that place closed. This uh, could be more like a 10-year list, but still 29 casinos that once had poker rooms that have no longer, they no longer have such rooms, and most of these casinos still exist. There's a few on this list that are gone, but that's uh, that's indicative that poker rooms are, are not 
a must in all casinos. And I've always felt there were more poker rooms than players to support them. I used to say that about chat rooms on the internet back when chat rooms were a big thing. That there were far more chat rooms out there than people looking to chat. And for that reason, it was you couldn't just set up a chat room and expect it to succeed. You'd have to attract people and have a reason for them to stay. I, I don't, I'm sure I've mentioned this before on the show, but I actually ran a chat room in the late 90s and early 2000s. And it was just a small chat room that I just did for fun, but then a big chat room called WBS closed. And the format of my chat room was kind of similar to WBS. WBS is more advanced. And they were looking for somewhere to go, the WBS chatter. So I, I very rapidly, because I barely had any time, because the WBS abruptly closed and then the chatters were looking for somewhere to go. So like in a week's time, I had to do a major modification to my chat software and build it to look like what WBS used to be. And it was hard. Like I had to rush and do this in a week. And I had a regular job then too. So what I had to do, I was at my regular job and then I'd go home and I'd spend like all night working on uh, updating the, the chat room into looking more like WBS. And I did. And I, and I, I got it working. And and for a while, it, it was fairly popular. And uh, it, it never made that much money. It, at one point, it made like $20,000 a year, but nothing too exciting. Then it started to die, and then the you know, what really killed me was the, the dot-com bust of 2001, and then I couldn't get any advertisers anymore, which pretty much killed me as far as making money. So that was pretty much that. I kind of just left it up for several years for people who still wanted to use it and it's been long gone for a while. So, uh, yeah, uh, poker rooms in Vegas. A lot of people assume that Vegas is, is the big place for poker. It really isn't. Vegas has so many different casino games that they don't really need poker. The places that don't have full casinos, like California, they're, they're much bigger on poker. Like L.A. Is, is a much better option for poker than Vegas. Overall, you're going to do you're going to have a much better game selection in the LA casinos, especially LA has has two very large poker rooms in Commerce and the Bike. But then there's so many others in LA too that that are of decent size. So there's really a lot of poker in the LA area, whereas uh, Vegas, it's it's not really all about poker. There's only a few sizable poker rooms in Vegas, and even those are nowhere near the size of of the big ones like Commerce. So, let's see what else we got. Uh, I'm going to try to make a call here. Maybe a little bit late for this, but I think the type of thing we're calling doesn't really have hours, so that's why I didn't mind waiting until this point in the show. A listener who goes by Mumbles Badly, I, I met him last year in the World Series. He just happened to be in Vegas. He's a truck driver. He happened to be driving through Vegas and stopped there for a few days. He posted some phone number that he accidentally dialed that he claimed had these shady-looking offers. And he wanted the 
users of the Poker Fraudler forum to try it out. So I will try it out. In case you want to try yourself, the phone number is 888-891-8661. So I'm going to try that. I've never called it. This could be stupid. If it is stupid, I'm going to blame Mumbles badly. If it's not stupid, then we will thank him. going to ring. I'm not getting anything here. What is going on here? 888. Let's try it again. Let's try it again. I got nothing there. We can't reach it. We can't reach it. Hearing something. That's just sitting here. That's weird. It's not ringing. It's just sitting here. Oh, screw it. All right, I tried. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they just shut it off when they, uh, the call center opened. Yeah, but he said it was like he listened to a bunch of promotional offers for discounts and comps, and then the, the automated system was telling him to hang up now over and over. I thought it might be amusing. Uh, I, I was going to try to reach someone, but whatever. It's, it's, not, it's not worth putting much more effort into. I don't know why I just sat there. It was kind of strange. Okay, let's let's go to uh, the next topic. Another Las Vegas topic. The average daily rate in Las Vegas to get a hotel room has reached an all-time high. It is more expensive than ever to stay in Las Vegas. Now, of course, this is not adjusting for inflation. So I'm not sure if you do that, what you'd get. But the average daily room rate... Rose three percent, or actually three point seven percent, to one hundred fifty dollars and twenty one cents in January two thousand seventeen. That's that's pretty uh, quick that they got that data. It's only been a month since then, but that's the highest monthly average ever compiled by the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority. The previous high was ten years ago, one forty six fifty three in April two thousand seven, shortly before the crash, which really hurt Las Vegas in several ways. The economic crash. So th- this has shown somewhat how much Vegas has rebounded. Now, yes, a dollar today is worth less than a dollar in 2007. But still, the fact that they can charge this much and obviously get away with it, because if they couldn't, they wouldn't charge this much, shows that Vegas is recovering somewhat. However, this also might be because Vegas is getting more and more away from gambling as an income source that uh, Vegas a few decades ago was and beyond that where it was very cheap 
with the expectation that most people coming there were gambling. So everything was cheap, and it was assumed that they would make money from you losing gambling. And some people would take advantage of that. Some non-gamblers would come into Vegas and stay in the cheap hotels and eat the cheap food and see the cheap shows and never gamble a penny. But this was just considered an acceptable loss to the hotels and uh, casinos in Vegas. And there weren't enough of these people coming in to make that much of a dent. And even some of them would come in believing that's what they were going to do, and then they would succumb to the temptation to play, and they'd lose anyway. So they didn't even mind these people coming in believing they wouldn't gamble. But even those that really hated gambling and just came in to use Vegas for its cheap services and cheap food, uh, they, they were willing to put up with them. But as, as times changed and as these mega resorts popped up in Vegas that were more attractive for families to visit for recreational vacations, then it became more clear that a lot of people are going to come in and gamble very little or not at all and use it as a vacation destination, at which point it was decided that they're not going to subsidize the uh, these type of people anymore. They're not going to have the gamblers subsidizing the people who don't gamble. So it became almost like two separate Vegases, the, the, the Vegas for gamblers and the Vegas for for entertainment. And that's why those that would gamble, you know, they'd get their comps, and so this way they wouldn't pay these high rates. But if you're just coming in to stay in Vegas and, and, and you're just coming in for entertainment but not to gamble much, then you're going to be paying a premium. And, that's, and that continues more and more. That trend continues more and more each year, which is why they've introduced the parking charges recently. If you think about other big cities, you usually do have to pay to park. Vegas, the Strip, you just would never pay to park there. That just was never something they ever did. And then they realized, hey, why shouldn't we do this? People pay to park in L.A. They pay to park in New York. They pay to park in Chicago. Why can't they pay to park in Vegas? What's so special about it over here? If someone's coming here not to gamble, why should they be able to park for free was the attitude. And it looks like that is the prevailing attitude that's taking over there. So – that, I believe, is why the room rates have gone up, in that they've realized that those coming in for entertainment are willing to pay for it. They don't need to have dirt cheap rates anymore. Now, the one who brought this to us, to this forum, is a, a guy named Alpha1243. I believe he listens to the radio. I know he's a uh, a casino chip collector. And he said, in his personal experience, he said... Uh, in June of 2016, he looked for the room during the World Series and found that uh, a lot of the rates you find on sites like Kayak or Trivago have a resort fee equal to about one-third of the posted rate, and that dumps that were advertising a 45-a-night rate actually wanted $15 a night resort fee, and the better properties charging like 120 a night midweek would want like a $40 resort fee. So he says it's getting cost prohibitive, nothing like the old days. It's definitely getting cost prohibitive. If you're not gambling much and you're not qualifying for comps, uh, you're not going to have a cheap vacation in Vegas. And it's getting also harder and harder to find cheap food over there. So it's not like it used to be. Yeah, it's just uh, those who are looking for the, for the old Vegas where you're going to come in and you can get a lot of really cheap things there even if you don't gamble at all, that those days are pretty much over. Uh, Trader Risky, were you, were you going to Vegas back in the old days when uh, when they still had things like this? Well, not too old, but, you know, definitely probably 21 when I first started going. 
almost 30 years ago now. Yeah, I went uh, see, I went with my parents going all the way back to the 70s. But uh, So I have various impressions. Like when I see old pictures of Vegas in the 70s, I actually remember a lot of these properties. I remember how it would look. You know, driving down downtown and the strip, and even I, I saw this through the eyes of a little kid. But but I, I still remembered it when it looked like that, and then I also remembered how it looked in the eighties, which is kind of a hybrid of like the seventies and, and and what and, you know before the mega resorts in the early nineties. So, yeah. but uh, when I was twenty one, I turned twenty one in nineteen ninety three, and. It's funny because I was excited to be 21 to be able to gamble, but strangely, I did not take a trip to Vegas shortly after turning 21. It took until a few months afterwards in the summer when I happened to be – I was actually with my family on a, on a trip unrelated to Vegas, but we happened to pass through Vegas and stop there for uh, for the day, I think, not even for a full night. But I remember I played blackjack for the first time. I had played uh, you know, machines illegally prior to that and played a sportsbook prior to that when I was uh, underage, but I never had the ball to do a blackjack table prior to being 21. But uh, So this is my first time playing blackjack, and I, I played a little bit, and my dad played with me there. And But I remember we went, after after playing, we went to some meal there. I don't, I don't remember which property it was, but it was a meal where it was like a $1.50 for like a steak and eggs or something like that. It was something... Super dirt cheap thing. This is the '93. I'm not talking about like 1965. There was some super dirt cheap uh, meal they served you at the casino, which was definitely they were losing money on it. And that was as recently as '93. And this wasn't some sort of out of the way dump casino. This was something that was at least a semi mainstream casino. So, well, the Horseshoe always had a great breakfast. You know, the ham, steak, and eggs. For a couple bucks. I mean, that was the routine. We played poker all day at Mirage. There was no, that was the dunes. The Bellagio was the dunes at the time. Then go down, play craps all night. Breakfast at Horseshoe. Yeah. Do it all over again the next day. Yeah. So, and, and I, you know, I went, I, I took a number of trips myself in my early twenties to, to Vegas. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a different place. And I got, uh, you know, a lot of things were cheap, and there were there were at that point. You know, once the mid '90s were around, which is what I'm talking about now. At this point, the mega resorts already existed, so there were plenty of more expensive options to go to. But they, it was kind of a mixture of that and and also some cheap options if you wanted it. But those are just getting pushed out, and they've they're they're really aiming most of Vegas now at those who either gamble a lot or uh or who are there for entertainment and willing to pay. For everything they're getting at normal prices, and there's there's no more get this really cheap without playing. That just doesn't really exist much in Vegas anymore. And every year, it more and more is disappearing with that. And something another revolution that's happened in Vegas, and it's going to bring me to our next topic, is that they've realized they don't have to offer very good games. That the the people gambling, a lot of them have no clue what they're doing. And in the past, people the gamblers that came, a lot of them didn't know what they were doing. And they also overestimated that, the casinos. So they, they had assumed if they offer crappy games, no one will play them. So it was a combination between changing demographic of what was coming there and also a realization that they gave the, the player too much credit for being knowledgeable and that maybe they don't even want a knowledgeable player. Maybe that uh, it, it's not even that good for them to have knowledgeable players there who they're not going to win that much money from. So they, they've also degraded the games 
And they've also started to change games to where they're either like a fun slot machine type thing with some sort of theme that people will like, or something that seems to have a number of jackpots, even not a huge jackpot, but you know, like four figure jackpots that you're shooting for. Whereas you're either, either going to win one of those, or you're going to lose badly. And they, they kind of like grind and, and, and kind of stay kind of fairly close to even type machines that were more common in the past are, are also disappearing. Because they they've realized that people go to Vegas because they want to win something big. They're they're excited to win big. They're not excited to grind the same machine for for five hours and and uh, you know, finish twenty dollars behind. That's not uh, that's not what they're there for. So that brings me to my next topic of discussion. And, and I'll tell you how this came up. And, and maybe this guy's listening. Maybe he isn't. I know he's. Uh, there's. I have a friend on Facebook. I don't really know him too well. Uh, it was someone who I interacted with somewhat on one of the poker groups I'm on on Facebook, and uh, he seemed like a pretty nice guy. And wait, hold on. I was I was before I go on here. I was told to read the chat. Someone just messaged me to read the chat. <coughs> I'm going to read the chat. I admit I was ignoring the chat. Uh, Lou Father wants to make some comments about this last topic. He says Vegas is god. Still cheap as fuck. I paid 150 dollars for round trip flight. All my rooms comped. Also, holler at Station Casino's buffets, especially with the Gambler's Bible. You get you get BOGOs, and the card comes in at like $10 for two. Then go wreck them with a $5 blackjack, LOL. Well, the, the flight is not related to this. You, unless you're getting some kind of casino deal, you're just getting good deals on the flights from Detroit. So, you know, congratulations for that, but that's not related to this. And uh, if you're getting your rooms comped, Lou Father, you must be playing to earn it in some way. I'm not saying you have to be a high roller to do that, but you, you you're, you're not going to get rooms comped for nothing. And I, I don't know much of the station casinos buffets, but I, I'm not a buffet guy. I don't like buffets. I, I want to like them. As, as someone who ate a, a large amount of food at Live of the Bike, which I hope came out of Lyman's paycheck, by the way. I hope all the food I ate came from his paycheck. But the, as someone who ate a huge amount of food there, I, you would think someone who you know could eat all he wants until he's full and feels like he's going to burst. You'd think it would be appealing to me, but the problem with buffet food, I just feel like it has no taste. I, I go to these buffets. It looks really good. I'm all excited. I sit down. There's all this great-looking food on my plate, and I bite into it. And I'm like, yeah, this isn't that great. Yeah, this isn't great either. Let me try this. Yeah, this isn't that great either. Well, I guess I can eat this. And I'm like, do I want more? No, not really. And I, I often walk out of buffets not even that full because I just I'm just kind of sick of the mediocre food. And and I'm someone who I'm not some food snob who only has to eat in the finest restaurants. I like fine restaurants too, but I, I I eat at fast food places too. And I'll say this: a lot of the fast food I eat, even if it's not very good for me, at least a lot of times it tastes good. This buffet food often does not even taste good. So, anyway, let me go on to the next topic here about the, about the casino games. Uh, a Facebook friend of mine posted a win he had. And this is a guy I don't know very well. But I, he may listen to this show, for all I know. But he posted a, a hit he had. Now, this is not in Vegas. This is actually in Louisiana at a... At a truck stop in Louisiana, so you're not going to get the best pay table at a place like that. And I know that. But he posted a picture of it, and it was a Deuces Wild video poker game. And it's actually one that's known as Double Deuces. 
And I looked at, and he had a, he hit a thousand dollar jackpot on the machine. And he posted that and talked about how he invested $20 into it, ran it up to 60, then lost 40 back, and then, and then hit a thousand dollars. So great. You know, congratulations to him. I'm happy for him. But I looked at the pay table. Whenever people post pictures of a video poker hit, I always look at the pay table. And I look, was this person playing a good game, an okay game, a terrible game, or even a, plos- a positive expectation game? Of all the ones I've seen posted, the only person I've ever seen that posted a picture of a positive expectation game where they hit something was Alan Kessler. He played some like progressive game where... I forgot where it was. It wasn't in Nevada where he hit a jackpot and I looked at the pay table and I calculated that he was playing a game that was more than 100% expected return. But usually when I see these, it's just someone getting lucky. It's just someone hitting something big on a machine that isn't very good. So this guy was playing a terrible machine. It was a Deuces Wild video poker machine. And without doing the calculations... Exactly, without pulling up the calculator, which I would have needed. I did it in my head and figured out it was about a 94% return machine, which is horrible. Even the jackpot he hit, he got four deuces dealt to him on this deuces wild. It only paid him 250 times his bet. And it should have paid him 400 times his bet. So he even got stiffed by like 600 bucks here. Even though what he did hit, he should get like, or I think 640, something like that. He he got stiffed... uh, in what he should have gotten paid versus what he was paid. And when I say should have, I mean equivalent machines that are decent with that exact same game would have paid him significantly more. So I pointed it out to him and I said, you know, congratulations, I'm glad you won, but please don't ever play this machine again. And I explained to him why. I compared the elements of the pay table that were inferior to most other pay tables of this exact same game. And he said to me something that is you know, somewhat reasonable, that he was just messing around, that he was just uh, you know, he was just wasting time somewhere that you know, before he had to go or was waiting for someone to pick him up or something like that. So he was just sitting there. There was the machine in front of him. He put 20 bucks in. He figured he's not going to lose anything more than that, and then he, he won. So great. He didn't really care about the pay table. I will say if you're just there to, to have fun with a small amount of money, like $20, and you're just there for the entertainment, then yeah, I can understand not caring if the pay table's 94%, 96%, 99%. It, it's, it's not going to matter that much because the most you're going to lose is $20. But if you're going to play any significant amount of time or money on these machines, or anywhere in Vegas, any kind of game in Vegas, or anywhere that has a casino, you need to be aware if you're playing a good game, a bad game, uh, what variant it is, what strategy modifications there are, if, if there's something that's different about this game than typical. You've got to know what you're doing. You've got to feel like you're an expert on the game you're playing. Again, unless it's something that's very, very recreational for a very small amount of money, then you, it's not worth the effort. But otherwise, you're throwing away a lot of extra money. Look at this guy here. He hit four deuces. Great. But he should have been paid... Like 1600 something instead of a thousand. That's what he should have been paid. But he didn't. So he, 
he may say, okay, I was only risking 20. Well, yeah, but you hit something big. You really, you, you, you hit something that's unusual, but you didn't get paid enough for it. So that's the problem. That's where you really lose the money. Sometimes you lose the money in a different way. Sometimes you, you don't get paid enough for the small payouts, and that just adds up over a number of hands. Either way, whatever you're playing in Vegas, in some place that is a wannabe Vegas, you know, even if it's a truck stop in Louisiana, you've got to look for a pay table in, in, in like a video poker type thing. If, if you're going to play that, you've got to look for a pay table that is good. If you're playing blackjack, you've got to know what denotes a good blackjack game and only play the good blackjack games. Um, even roulette. People playing triple zero, zero roulette in Venetian was crazy. You don't do that. That's that's horrible odds. So, And it is amazing. Stuff. Even with like the video poker machines, they'll have like identical machines and one pays five, nine, five. And then the other one pays the one below that, whatever the numbers are. Yeah, eight five, or the other one's nine yeah. six. Better. Where yeah, it's yeah. like one aisle over, and right? You really, just have to look. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. The, yes, some of those things you just have to look. And and there's also just to mention there's a, that I don't know if you have looked at that video poker app. Um, if you just search for video poker, a guy named Robert Sue S U H makes it robertsue.com. And he, uh, it's it, it's really good because it just gives you the percentages of every, um, just every decision as you go through it. It's just a free thing to play on. You, you know, you, you, you save you the to, clubs, or do you go for the straight? Flash, yeah, yeah. So, or, so you learn how to play correctly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and if you, and also if you want to do this, there's a site called WizardofOdds.com. That's not the not the Wizard of Oz like the movie, but Wizard of Odds O D D S dot com. And they have not only the list of all the pay tables of each variant of video poker, and so you can see what denotes a good pay table, but also strategy for each variant of video poker and how to play perfectly or near perfectly. And if you want to be totally legal about it, you just print it out and bring it with you because that's totally legal to have. If you want to do something which is unlikely that they're ever going to give you a hard time about, but is technically not legal, but they're, I, I've never heard of anyone getting in trouble for this, you can bring it up on your phone. And the only reason not to bring it up on your phone is technically that could be considered an electronic device helping you. But I think if you made the argument that all you're doing is looking at something you could have printed out easily on a piece of paper, they probably would you know, not object to it. I'm just saying if you want to be totally legal, you should print it. That's If I'm going to do a long video poker session, I actually do print it if I need it, if I don't have it memorized because uh, I, I don't want to give them an excuse to take my money or anything. But uh, if you use your phone, they're probably not going to come down on you, especially if you're only looking at it occasionally when there's a tough play you don't know what to do. But it's a very good resource, and it's very easy. You just go to Google. So let's say you want to know jacks are better. You want to know if a pay table on jacks are better is good. You want to know what the strategy is. You just type in a wizard of, jacks of better wizard of odds. And... That'll be the first result. You click on it, and you'll see the pay tables, and you'll see for each one what the, you know, what the expected return is. And then, if you want to see the strategy, you can just type into Google "jacks are better strategy wizard of odds," wizardofodds.com actually, and that uh, will direct you to that page. I use it all the time, and you should too if you're going to play any kind of video poker more than just very, very recreationally for low limits. <laughs> 
And I've heard the argument before. Look, it doesn't matter what they pay for for a two pair or three of a kind or a flush or a full house. That's not what I'm going for. I'm going for Royals. I'm going for, uh, for, for quads with a good kicker on double bonus poker. That's what makes a good session or a bad session. Not whether I, uh, you know, I get paid better for, for two pair. Who cares that people tell me, well, you should care because you're only going to hit those big hands every once in a while. And if you go through a session, not hitting a big hand and then you're getting underpaid big time, for the smaller hands, then you're going to lose far more money. I put it this way to someone once. I had someone say to me, you know, this doesn't matter. I don't care if it's uh, eight for the flush and uh, or eight for the full house, five for the flush, or versus nine for the full house, six for the flush. That's all the same to me. That doesn't determine whether I have a good or bad session, so I don't really care. I say, really? Okay. So do you pay you play the five dollar a credit uh, video poker, right? They say yeah. I said that means you're playing twenty five dollars a hand, right? Yes. I say so you okay. So what that means is every time you hit a flush or a full house, you're getting underpaid by twenty five dollars. So if you don't care, um, how about next time you sit at a nine six machine, I'll sit next to you, and every time you hit a flush or full house, you pull twenty five dollars out of your wallet and give it to me. And the guy says, why would I ever do that? And I said, well, because you don't care. Apparently that $25 a hand that's being taken from you every time doesn't matter. So if you'll just as happily play an A5 as you would a 9-6, then let me sit with you when you play 9-6 and give me the $25 that you don't care about every time. Because I care about it. And if you think about it, if you hit a flesh and full house, let's say you, you hit, uh, let's say you hit 10 flushes, and, and you hit eight full houses. That's uh, $450 right there. That could have been in your pocket. That instead stays with the casino. So it's a big deal. And if you think of it as the casino actually reaching into your pocket and taking money out when you hit something because the pay table's reduced, then that's a much better way to convince yourself not to play lousy pay table games instead of just thinking... Well, the times I win is when I hit something big, so as long as that's always paid the same, that's all I really care about. That's what they want you to think. That's why the pay tables are degrading. And in blackjack, don't ever play a 6-5 to five blackjack. 6-5 to five meaning what they pay for hitting a blackjack. Don't ever play a blackjack where you can't double after split. Uh, don't ever play a blackjack where you can only double on 9, 10, or 11. You should play a blackjack where... All the rules are standard, where you, you get paid 3 to 2 on hitting a blackjack, where you can double after split, where you can double on any two cards. And if you can't do that, don't play. Go somewhere that, that has a better game. Uh, slot machines, be realistic that most slot machines have a very poor return, and you're going to lose pretty badly on them. Now, you can take the Alan Kessler approach and only play certain slot machines under certain ideal circumstances, usually ones with like a progressive uh, where, where if, the, if the progressive is high enough then it becomes positive expectation. Uh, if you just stick to those, yeah, you can play them profitably. But otherwise, slots are going to eat you up in the, in the long run and even the, the medium run or the short medium run. So if you find them fun, fine. I'm just you just got to be realistic that unless you hit some massive jackpot that's unusual, you're not going to win the slots. And 
that's really throwing away money. But always understand whatever game you're playing, like these side bets, the table game, side de- side bets during blackjack of what, of what the first card will be dealt to you, or whether you're going to be dealt uh, two queens, or there's, there's all types of little side bets you can make. Those are almost always terrible, not just bad, but terrible, where the, the amount they're paying you is a fraction of what they should be paying you according to what the odds are getting them. So stay away from all those side bets. They'll, they'll kill you. They may seem fun, but they're going to drain your bankroll really fast. So just always feel like you're an expert, and and not just feel like it, but actually know you are an expert of whatever game you're playing for any length of time in a casino. And if you don't know what makes the difference between a good version of the game and a bad version of the game, then you're probably not the expert you think you are. If you are playing video poker and you can't tell people what is a good pay table, what's a bad pay table, uh, what the expected return on the game is, you're probably giving away extra money to the casino. If you don't know the perfect strategy, you're very close to the perfect strategy in video poker, you're probably giving away money to the casino. Now, here is a man who tried to get Steven Crowder on the show, and instead we got Lyman. Lou Father, hello. Lou Father, are you there? No, we didn't get him. We thought we had, let, me, let me try to put him back here. So he was calling. Lou Father, are you there? No. Traders, are you still with us? I'm here. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so that Lyman interview wasn't even planned? No. What happened was, okay, so people were suggesting, he returned to Twitter yesterday. People were suggesting that he come on the show and he and he was writing belligerent things on Twitter about how he's uh, he's not going to do it. This show sucks, blah, blah, blah. He, in fact, he wouldn't even listen to the show, he said, about uh, people asked him if he'd listen to the thing with Bark Hansen talking about him, and he said he refused to listen. So he was refusing to come on, and then when I was talking about him, I guess he had a change in heart. Then he says, uh, first he's saying that I can call him and kind of implying that I have to call him privately. Then when I was saying a call privately to him would be the same as a call on the show. Then he started saying, like, all along what he meant, that he just wants me to call him on his phone number, and then he'll talk. So we called him up and he talked. That's what it was. So it was not planned at all. I was sure he wouldn't come on. Now, I would have planned to have him on if he was willing to come on, which I never thought I would do again, because when we had him on the other time, he was very obnoxious, and I said, I don't want to do this again. And when I went on his show, he was obnoxious. So I said, I'm not going to do this again. But because there's been so many stories involving him recently with the whole Life in the Bike fiasco uh, and the whole thing with Doug Polk, I wanted to put him on. I thought one thing that was interesting that he mentioned was that I, – something I, I didn't think he'd even admit to – was that <laughs> – the positives and the negatives of having him on Live at the Bike and having that poker sesh show that they started to come together to where it wasn't sure if, if he was a net positive or a net negative for the company. And then when I said, oh, wow, I can't believe you're admitting you may have been a net negative. And then he said, well, well I don't know. And I said, well, if you say you don't know, that must mean that you are because usually people overvalue themselves. So, uh, you know, very few people would say that they're a net negative to the company they work for, even though many people are. So... If someone's admitting that they might be, they almost always are. 
So I thought that was interesting for him him to admit to. I I thought he was just going to say that you know that he was too controversial, even though he was bringing them so much money. They they you know they couldn't yeah you know, that that a lot of them didn't want to keep him anyway. But that's not even where he went with it. He somehow drunkenly admitted that it might even be true that he was a bigger negative than a positive. But. And I know he had some fans that enjoyed him on there, but I know there's a large number of people also who felt that Live at the Bike was unwatchable when he was there, that the, the Poker Sesh show was, was unprofessional and they, they didn't like him there. And I, I always felt, and just, you know, honestly, that it was a weird fit between him and Live at the Bike because he wasn't putting on at all a professional... Uh, demeanor, and and yet uh, the bike is a very mainstream poker room. It's the second biggest poker room in L.A. So I was surprised that they would have someone like that representing them. Where whereas if he was representing some sort of small operation or even running his own thing, that would make more sense because then he's not representing any brand; he's just representing himself and. Those that like him will follow him, and those that don't will not. But this was kind of weird to me. So that's that was crazy. The first time I heard him when just when you were when something happened and you were on his phone, like when you were on the show, like twice or something in a week. Yeah, maybe that was. It may have been. There's two. I, I was on. I know about the poker star supernova thing, and also about Jacqueline Moscow. And but yeah, it was the first thing the poker star said. I think that was the first time. Yeah, and and, and it was impossible I mean, to reason with him on that one. It was just... He, I mean, just the guy is such a... He's just delusional. I mean, this guy, I, I can't even... Yeah, well, that's, that's the problem. And I was trying to, like, like the show, because I'm, like, always open to contact, but it's horrible. Yeah, you know, it's... He's somebody who... He's very stubborn and very... Yeah, he he gets so worked up if you don't agree with him, and 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 starts just getting and starts yelling and starts going crazy, and then treats you like you're crazy if you don't agree with him. And in, in many cases, what he's saying is absurd, and he doesn't understand it. And uh, and then he says, "You're the stupid one for not getting it the way he sees it." So it it, it can be very frustrating to argue with him. And that's why when when I put him on here tonight, I said, "You know what?" I'm going to let him tell his story. I'm going to try not to interrupt much. I'm going to try to let him just, yeah, I, I had to steer it into the proper direction several times, but I said, I'm not going to be the one who doesn't let him tell a story. I'm going to let him get his story out. But at the same time, uh, I, I'm going to treat him with the same amount of respect. He treats me. So, yeah, but I don't know what's going on in the chat, but as far as I'm concerned, if you never have this guy in the show again, it'll be too soon. <laughs> It was it was mixed in chat, and I no, I'm I, it's, he's I don't think he's going to be a regular on this show. I don't think he'd want to be a regular on the show either. But yeah, maybe he will though. That now that he has no show of his own, maybe he wants anywhere to hear him talk. I think that's what happened is that he he had all this bottled up. So finally, he gets back on Twitter and tweets like just hundreds of times in a day and a half, and then he still doesn't get to talk though. So this is his first outlet to talk. So here he is, and. Uh, yeah, I, I'm interested to hear from people, and, and to be honest with me, even though you know 
he and I had a contentious discussion there, if you want to call it that, uh, with a lot of insults back and forth. If you liked his appearance, you can feel free to tell me on, on text, 775-372-8355. And if you didn't like it, you can tell me. Or if you had mixed feelings about it, you can tell me. I'm not going to be mad at you either way. I, I like to hear honest feedback on it. I'm not I'm not taking the feedback to make him a regular segment. He's not going to be a regular segment no matter what. I, I couldn't stand that. But uh, Did you bring up the stuff that Bart was told? What was it with Bart? No, I didn't or... even get into the Bart stuff about what happened with his company and all that. Like I, Yeah, it, because, I mean, that just seemed pretty unethical and rude when they got back from the trip and then he's like bad-mouthing him on Twitter. Yeah, I see. I didn't want to get into all that because th- th- that was Bart's story, and I didn't. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't like telling someone else's story or or, or yeah, using someone else's beef. Bart on, but, but well, Bart, Bart I know he was listening because I saw him in the chat at some point, so he could have called in, but he he may not have wanted the the whole. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he probably didn't have two hours to deal with <laughs> to deal with that clown. But yeah, I. I, I wanted to just kind of stick to what was going on currently with the bike and with, with Doug Polk. And I still don't believe that Doug Polk did this as some sort of way to show him up or big time him, as he said. He was, he was, he was having a very difficult time understanding that somebody just not showing up on time is not doing it necessarily on purpose because they – don't give a crap about you or that they're they're trying to show you up. He really thought that Doug Polk was believing he was more important than he was and that this yeah. is his way of showing it. And I just it just at like seven that, o'clock in LA. I mean come on. It it just seems like that Doug Polk uh just doesn't show up on time for things according to these stories. And if that's true, maybe he needs to work on that. But that's not it wasn't a personal slight toward Lyman. And that's why he's not a understanding, especially uh and you know, so so I I wasn't. He kept claiming he had this evidence, but I wasn't convinced by any of it. All it seemed like was that Doug Polk seems to be showing up late to a lot of things, and that Lyman shouldn't take it personally. He should just say, "Okay, well, that's kind of rude of him to do," and I don't I don't like that. But uh, not to rant about it for eighty minutes like Doug Polk just killed his mother. Like <laughs> a- I know, and how, and how, the way that guy acts. How can he ever expect to be taken seriously by anybody? Yeah, it's Lyman. Yeah, that's that's what I've felt as well with the whole thing. That's why I was surprised he was associated with the bike. I just, uh, I, I really thought he had more of the personality to run his own channel, and then those that like him and his style can can be part of it. And but he I, he just never seemed like to me someone that should be representing a large company or a large organization that's trying to appeal to the masses because uh, he, he he doesn't put on a professional demeanor at all. So yep. that's that's always what I felt. I was surprised to see that, uh, that he had that affiliation, even if there were some people that did like his style, that there, there, there had to be an equal number of people or more than an equal number of people that, that he put off. And a lot of times you don't hear from them. If you drive someone away, they don't always come to you and say, hey, this is why I'm not listening. This is why I'm not coming to the bike. This is this is why I don't watch live at the bike. They just don't watch anymore. They just uh, Usually if you see something you don't like, you just turn it off. You don't go find the person making it or the company behind it and tell them why you don't like it. You just turn it off. So that's, that's what he's missing there. And I like how he's trying to imply nobody listens to this show, and then even he admits that on, on the, the biggest show they've had in a long time that, that fewer than 300 people were there for him. 
So <laughs> the, the rest is Doug Polk's audience. So like, well, you just proved your point here that that uh, I mean, you just proved they, your audience is not big. And now, well, the best part was, do you're counting them as hits on your page, like you don't fucking know. Yeah, and he's calling you an idiot when you have a master's in computer science, and you know he, he like he doesn't. Yeah, he wouldn't know what file logs were. He's making up numbers. Yeah, I'm it, sure. it, it's funny because like when I when I decided to look into the ratings which for a long time, I kept seeing a thousand, and it was, it was a very just rough estimate, and it was not on much data. And then I decided that I was going to look into what I the closest I could get to what the ratings really were. And so if I, I, I go and get the logs for a, a show that had been like a week or two ago from, from that point. And at first I'm floored. I see like 18,000 views or listens, 18,000 listens just from the server, meaning ones that were either directly listened to on the server or through iTunes or anything that, that pulls the MP3 right off the server. I saw 18,000. I go, wow. I wonder, you know, I knew it wasn't 18,000. I knew we'd have a lot of duplicate IPs and stuff, but I said, I, I wonder, you know, is it way more than I thought? What if I have 5,000 listeners? No, I, I, uh, I, I wrote a short program to strip out the duplicates and to really separate it out into, into unique listens. And, uh, boy, that number fell quickly, <laughs> really quickly. And so then I had, then I added in the, the Stitcher stats, and uh, I don't know if we had TuneIn at the time, but I added in whatever stats I could get a hold of from these third-party apps that allow you to listen, and you know, added that to the data from my own server, and made sure there were no duplicate IPs, and make sure that you know, I, I, and then I had to also do an estimation for. Maybe there, you know, some people had duplicate IPs. Like, for example, someone goes and listens at work and then comes and finishes at home. Well, that's not two people. That's one person. I'm aware of that. So I, I had to do a lot of different calculations to come up with the approximate number of about 1,500. Uh, where, where I, what I could not do with certainty is I couldn't be sure of which IPs were, you know, someone having two or three IPs, you know, listening for two or three different IPs of the same show. And I could, I could not be – on the other side, I couldn't count the people who were listening through sites like Rounders Radio that have grabbed the content for their, themselves and that you listen on their server. So there's a lot of guessing I had to do. But I came up with it was around 1,500. That, that's what I came up with. And it wasn't – this wasn't me attempting to overestimate to make myself feel good. I wanted to know the truth. The reason I did this is I wanted to know the truth. And I wasn't sure what I'd find. I wasn't sure if I'd, be, I'd find that it was uh, – vastly more than the thousand I was originally estimating or that when it all came down to it, I only had about 300. I wasn't sure what I was going to get to, but, uh, uh, the 1500, you know, that's, it was better than the thousand I was originally estimating, but it was also fairly close. It wasn't, you know, it was more, but not staggeringly more. So that's fine. Yeah. You know, that's, that's still a good number of people. I always have people coming out of the woodwork who tell me that they have been listening for years and never once made contact with me, never posted on the forum, never emailed me, have listened to every show. I know this is, they're sincere because they tell me details about the shows they listened to and what they liked and what they didn't like. And you know, some of these details are from years ago and some of it's recent. So 
if people approach me at the World Series that I've never met before that tell me they're listeners. I even had, I've told the story before, I once even at the main event had someone listening to Poker Fraud on the radio like two tables over, who I've never seen before in my life, had no idea who he was, but he he said to me, hey, I'm listening to your show right now. <laughs> this is at the main event. And I, had, I had no clue who that guy was. So... Yeah, that, that's that's good enough. I, I've never claimed that we have the best listenership. I know we don't have the listenership of, of the Chicago Joey show. Or we don't have the same the two plus two poker cast has more listeners than we do, and that's fine. It's not it's not a competition, especially since this isn't a, a commercial broadcast. We're not uh, attempting to make money here, so I I just I, I wouldn't want to broadcast to nobody. I wouldn't want to broadcast to thirty five people. You know, if that if that was the the whole audience, it would be it wouldn't be worth my time. It would just I just feel like I'm spending too much time to reach very few people. But uh, you know, we go fifteen hundred. Yeah, that's uh, to me that's worth the time to put into this. Anyway, you know, just as far just to conclude the last topic, make sure whatever game you're playing, whatever casino game you're playing that you really understand it. You understand what makes the game you're playing now better than other variants of it or other casinos of it that offer a worse version of it. If you can't think of what would make a worse version of it, in most cases, you're probably not understanding the game well. And then you're just giving Vegas free money. You're giving the casino, even if it's not in Vegas, you're giving them free money. And that's what we have to look at. It don't, don't look at it as, oh, you know... As long as I win, it doesn't matter. As long as I get lucky here, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it does, because if they should have paid you more for hitting certain things, then they're really taking money out of your pocket. And that's what I've tried to convince people. Rather than looking for the casino where you feel luckiest or where uh, you remember hitting a big jackpot three years ago, or pick something that's going to pay you the most for doing the same thing. For hitting the same things. And it will add up. So finally, I'm going to talk about uh, a little bit about the Donald Trump uh, speech, which I'm sure Lyman loved since he's a he's obsessed with hating Donald Trump, even though I, I see many similarities in the two of them and their personalities. But Donald Trump, for the first time, maybe, since he took the office actually came off as presidential. He came off as uh, very not Donald Trump-like in this speech and, and much more like a typical president where he spent an hour uh, in this speech to Congress laying out what he planned to do. Now, he was what, what he was outlining he wants to do is, was, was pretty much what we've heard from him all along. And most of it centered along... Uh, centered upon the general theme of keeping jobs in the U.S., not being taken advantage of by other countries, uh, you know, putting Americans first, uh, you know, building a wall, not letting uh, dangerous immigrants in the country, etc. It, it's, 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 it was all along those same lines of, of uh, take care of our country first, Americans are most important that, you know, to ourselves, that, that's who we have to look at. It, it was that theme. And whether you agree with that theme or not, that was that theme. Uh, 
it was clear that you know, he didn't he, write the speech. You know, these these presidents always have speech writers. It's not just Donald Trump who doesn't write his own speeches. The the presidents rarely write their own speeches, but they do have to approve those speeches. They're not going to say anything that they don't want to say. So they're someone else writes it for them. They look it over. They'll make changes. They'll say, "I don't like this. I don't like that." And and then uh, eventually a, a final version is made, and that's. Uh, then they practice it somewhat, and then they've got a, a teleprompter, and they read off of it. And you could even tell, because Donald Trump is not a politician, and he just uh, became a politician to be president. He hadn't held a public office prior to being president, which is crazy, but <laughs> that was the case. So you could tell, reading off the teleprompter, he, he wasn't, you know, sometimes he was even skipping words or, or saying something with an inflection that was incorrect, like he's really reading. And then that's fine. You know, uh, Barack Obama was great at reading the teleprompter. And I'm not saying that derisively. I, I he, he was very good at doing that and doing it naturally where it sounds like these are really his own words coming from his own head rather than reading a prepared speech. Uh, Donald Trump is not so good at that. So a lot of times, it, you know, he's still stumbles over the words or uh, uses the wrong inflection. You, you can tell for sure he's reading. And the critics of Donald Trump said, hey, wh- why should you give him any credit if all he did was read a speech someone else wrote for him and didn't go off track from it? So someone else wrote for him a speech to sound presidential and he repeated it. How does that make him, you know, how is that something you could applaud him for? And aren't we setting the bar low if this is something that we are going to applaud him for? But the positive sign from this is for those of you that have criticized Donald Trump for being unpresidential, and he has been many times, you know, when he tweeted about Saturday Night Live or about other personal things, personal opinions of his that he just would blurt out on Twitter without really thinking about the fact that he's the president of the U.S. now. And you don't, you don't say these things. Even if you think them, you don't say them. Uh, this was a step, and, and it's very possible he'll take a step back after this. So I'm not saying that this is him turning a corner, but it's it's in the positive direction that it may seem like he's starting to realize that being the president is a very serious job, that you have to have a certain demeanor that you project to get anyone's respect and to get the respect of other world leaders. And that you can't just do and say what you want all the time, even if your your hardcore supporters think it's it's refreshing and entertaining and whatever else. That if you really want to unite the country, if you really want to be taken seriously by other world leaders, you have to come off as presidential. And the fact that he made a speech sounding presidential and that being his usual self, it might be indicative that he's ready to start doing that or at least start to do that a lot more than he used to. So as far as the content of the speech, yeah, some of it I agreed with, some of it I didn't. I, I felt like some things that he said were too idealistic or sounded good in theory but don't really make sense in practice. Like One thing that 
struck me, and I, I'm not a big lover of government regulations, but he said about that he ordered that for every new government regulation on businesses that they take two away, and everybody jumped up and gave him a standing ovation for that one, or at least his supporters did. And that might sound great. Oh, wow, we have too many regulations in government, especially over businesses, which we do. A lot of them are burdensome. A lot of them are unnecessary or redundant. And that if we are going to add new ones that are very important, that fine, we have to go through and remove at least two old ones so the net result is fewer regulations. But the problem is you can't make that a blanket rule that you're forcing Every time a regulation is added, you have to remove two. What if what if every regulation there is important? Then you have to pick one to remove. You have to pick two to remove to add a new one. See, I, I don't like those hard rules which don't allow any common sense flexibility. And it seems like Donald Trump is very much about that. And that's unfortunately a characteristic of an authoritarian, which he is is that authoritarians like to just declare something's going to be a certain way, and they don't really want to discuss the intricate details, and they don't want to make exceptions, and they don't want to ever have to deviate from their hardline positions. And that can be very bad. So that statement about the regulations, not that I'm looking for more government regulations, or not that, I'm, not that I feel it's incorrect to reform overly regulated industries or businesses, I, I, you can't come up with a hard rule like that. And there were other things in his speech that were along those lines. So, as I said, some of the stuff he said, I did agree with, and I did like. And I, I think in some cases, what is good about having someone like Donald Trump in the White House is that some some of these issues I, I feel are overthought. I, I feel they're overanalyzed. I feel that sometimes the experts talk everyone, the so-called experts talk everyone into believing that the problem is too complicated to be fixed. You, you just can't fix it. It's just too hard. We're just going to, the way we have it, it's the best we're going to do. And here's all the reasons why we can't make it better. And sometimes you need someone to just come in and say, no, this we're going to change it. It's being changed and, and kind of force something to change that otherwise would not have happened if someone didn't want to come in and really shake up the system, shake up the status quo. So in some areas, sometimes it is better to not overthink the problem and to come in with a goal and say we're going to achieve it and we're going to make what happened that we have to do to achieve it and not find every reason why you can't or or shouldn't. Uh, Something I would love to see, and Trump hasn't mentioned this, unfortunately. I'd love to see him mention this because this kind of would fit in with his themes. It absolutely frustrates me and scares me that... Our private, sensitive information is being sent to foreign countries and stolen, by the way, in these foreign countries. I'm talking about banks, healthcare providers, 
send our sensitive information to reps in foreign countries to take the calls because these customer service reps work a lot cheaper than their counterparts in the U.S. So in order to save money, they are allowing foreigners in third world countries to access our bank accounts, to access our health information, to access our social security numbers. And the problem here is that in these countries, if the data gets abused, there's very little we can do to stop it. If it gets stolen, if it gets used for nefarious purposes, if it's used to wreak havoc upon us in mass, if it's even distributed on the internet in some way, there's very little we could do to stop it. So sensitive private data of U.S. citizens of essential areas such as healthcare, such as financial information like, like uh, banks, this stuff should never be in the hands of foreign customer service reps. And it is. And I would love to see a law passed against certain companies from outsourcing customer service. Not so much to be less frustrating. If a private company wants to outsource jobs to, to another country that are, you know, to take customer service calls because it's cheaper to hire those reps, it's hard to stop that. You can put incentives to hire U.S. Uh, employees instead, but it's hard to stop that. But we should at least be able to stop foreign reps from from accessing private and sensitive information of Americans. It should be illegal for certain industries to outsource. And, you know, there will be all this nonsense for the companies that want to do it. Oh, it's going to get so much more expensive if we have to do this, blah, blah, blah. You know, we're doing this to keep prices down, etc., etc. That's BS. This outsourcing only started about 15 years ago. And, and you know, think about what the prices were 15 years ago. Was there a, a massive drop in price for these services, for the, from these companies? Uh, were we getting a much better deal? Are we getting a much better deal now than we were back then? Back then when they were hiring U.S. reps? No. It's just a way for them to make more money. That's all it is. So... That's the type of thing. It should be, just be a hard law. You can't outsource healthcare. You can't outsource banks. Those have to be handled by people in the U.S. Period. And that's the type of thing, even though Trump has not talked about doing it, that's the type of thing I could see him doing where many other uh, leaders who might be in the pockets of certain industries or who might be able to be talked into not doing it by certain, quote, experts who would convince us that, that if, if we do this, it's going to wreak havoc upon the economy and things will get so much more expensive. You know, these companies can't afford it. They have to raise their prices, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes you just need someone to say, we're doing it anyway. And I bet everything will still be fine. A lot of times when you want to change something, there's always those telling you that if you change it, it'll be a disaster. 
And then if you just say too bad and do it anyway, many times it turns out it was fine. It turns out that those that didn't like it would adjust. And there's other times where it's just an outright bad decision to change something that's working. Or even something that's not working if you don't do it right. But You know, when Donald Trump was talking about taxing goods that are coming into this country, the way that our goods get taxed in exports, and I I haven't looked at the numbers. The problem with listening to Donald Trump is he he a lot of times just makes up things, and sometimes you, you hear something that sounds like a fact, and then you read later after it was fact checked that he was completely full of crap, and that's annoying because you never know what to believe, but... When he made that portion of the speech, I thought to myself of how much crap is coming out of China. There is so much crap made in China these days, and I really mean crap. I hate when I buy things, especially electronics, that are made in China, because they're always complete crap. They break down so easily. The quality is so poor. And a lot of times I just wish I could buy a more expensive version that's going to last. Because it's frustrating. Would I rather buy a $7 item that's going to break or maybe not work in the first place and be a huge hassle and a huge headache and be intermittent? Would I want that sort of electronic device or would I want the $25 version that's going to be quality and last for a few years? There's no question. I'd much rather have the $25 version. That's quality. A lot of times when I go on Amazon and I see an item I want that's way cheaper than other versions of that same item, I don't go, oh, great, I can get this for $3, so why would I ever want to pay 18 No. I'll look carefully, and if it appears the $3 version is Chinese crap, and the one that's 18 is from a reputable company that has a good reputation, I'll buy the $18 version because I I don't want to deal with a $3 piece of crap that's going to break down on the second use. But there's so much crap coming in from China. I, I don't think it's that bad if, if we start directing a lot of this, uh, Manufacturing back to the U.S., not only for jobs, but also for quality. As things change over the years, you know, some things get better, some things get worse. But one thing I've noticed that's gotten far worse in recent years is that just the quality of things you buy as far as whether they work, uh, how consistently they work, how easily they break down. It's gotten so much worse that you just you end up buying so many things that just don't work right. And a lot of times you look and it turns out it was made in China. So I don't mind if if Trump's push is to get a lot more things made in the USA, start slapping tariffs on a lot of uh, foreign products, 
even if I have to pay a little bit more, if we overall get an improvement, and if it helps the economy, I'm fine with that. As far as the refugees, I, I have to agree. If there if there's refugees coming from a country which is known to produce a lot of terrorists, and you it is very hard to tell the difference between a legitimate refugee and a terrorist pretending to be the refugee, even if ninety nine percent, even if ninety nine point five percent of those coming in are exactly what they say they are, really persecuted refugees, if even a small percentage are terrorists that otherwise would not have gotten in if we didn't have a open to refugee policy, then the refugee policy is a failure. Any policy of taking refugees that's going to bring new terrorists into this country is a disaster. So, if there just is not very good vetting in these countries, if it's just too hard once these people get here to, to really understand what their situation is and really know who's telling the truth, then as as sad as it is, we have to turn them away. Because we just don't know. So, we'll see. Uh, I, I think that We shouldn't get too caught up in going too much the other direction. I, I think that many Republicans feel that after eight years under Obama that we need to just rebel and answer everything that was done with it, with a, a conservative a policy as possible. That the more right-wing the policy, the better. And I, I've never thought that. I've thought you should always do what seems right and not necessarily what's the very most conservative option, what's the most politically conservative option. Even as a conservative, I, I, I don't think that way. Uh, healthcare reform. I, mean, I talked about my own bad experience with the healthcare recently, but putting that aside, that just needs such major reform and both parties have been very disappointing with what has been proposed. Neither of them gets what really needs to be done. Neither has offered anything that I feel is going to solve the problem. A problem is getting worse every year. The expense of health care, the poor care that many of us receive, the scams, the difficulty in being able to tell what's covered, how much it's going to cost us. Neither party is offering a good solution. So. I'm hoping one day, soon, healthcare is massively reformed in this country. Just something that makes sense. I've even considered going to my local congressman, especially if uh, I, I haven't really looked into it, but if it's someone who has shown an interest in this topic, and if not, then going to a semi-local congressman and uh, 
pitch this, but I, you know, I have some ideas that I think would be simple to implement and would really improve the healthcare situation in this country. I've considered writing it up and bringing it in. And I may be just dismissed as some crackpot. I'm sure a lot of idiots show up with this sort of thing, but I see a lot of simple solutions to the healthcare problem in the U.S. that just aren't being done, are not being implemented, are not even being thought of or discussed. And I know there was the controversy about that uh, soldier who was killed and how he was brought up during the Trump speech. And on one side, it's being said by Democrats that his death was being used by Trump for political gain. And that the mission he was on was lied about and it it didn't accomplish what they at first claimed it did. And then I see the Republicans saying that the Democrats were, were, were cold-hearted in the way that they reacted to this, and in fact that when they the standing ovation was uh, done for for this man who was killed, that that some Democrats stayed in their seats. But first of all, that's you know that's more symbolism. That, that shouldn't be what everybody took from this whole speech. That's something that makes a hot-button topic, but it's not really important in the grand scheme of things. But first of all, whether the mission was a success or failure is not important in this context. Because the soldiers who, who go perform these missions, they don't make the decision as to whether to go in or not, as to... They don't design the mission. They they don't decide whether they can go in. They, they this is decided for them. When when you're in the military, when you're a soldier, you do what you're told. You you don't have individual rights there. You you are giving authority to the to those ranked above you to tell you what to do at all times if you join the military. So for that reason, you can't blame those people when they're killed even if the mission was not a good one in the first place. You you blame the ones that may have sent them in there, but a soldier who is killed during an ill-advised mission is just as much a hero and just as much someone who should be admired as a soldier who was killed during a very effective mission. provided the soldier was not doing something stupid that resulted in his own death. But even then, you know, people make mistakes. It's it's a very tough thing to do. If you think about it, being going to these very dangerous foreign countries and having to go in these situations where you don't know if you're going to come out alive, and, and it's not like you're an old person who's lived a long life. You're this, you know, these are kids, for the most part. So it's a very tough thing to do. Even if you make it out alive, even if you make it out without even getting hurt, just the prospect of going in and not knowing if you're going to come out, it's very tough. And most people, I know some people listening to this show are, are veterans, but most people who listen are not. I'm not. I've never been in the military. I, I never will. But 
I, I have respect for anyone who's in that situation. And, you know, I've heard their argument, oh, these soldiers, they, you know, they sign up for it. They voluntarily sign up for it. So why are we admiring them? They're, they're getting benefits for it. They're getting better pay in many cases than they, and better benefits sometimes also for their family than they otherwise could if they were to work a normal job. These things might be true. And they may have been aware of this when they signed up for it, but that doesn't mean that it's not a very tough thing to do. That doesn't mean that we can't admire them for being willing to take this job. And risk their lives every day like this. So, whenever I read about a soldier being killed in action, I don't think... Oh, well, he signed up for this, so that doesn't matter. So no matter what you think of a particular war or military action or even a particular mission, you've, you should always respect the soldier. So I don't even know why some on the left are bringing up you know, whether the mission was uh, a good mission or not and wh- whether it was portrayed honestly what was accomplished there. I mean, that's that's something you put on the politicians themselves or, or those that make the inaccurate statements, but you that doesn't take away from the admiration that you show toward those that gave their lives for it. So, we'll have to see what happens with Trump. It's a long way unless he gets impeached or dies in office, impeached and removed, and or dies in office, uh, we're going to have almost four more years of him. Donald Trump is slated to be president at least until January 20th, 2021. So get used to it. And we shall see what he actually accomplishes or what he ruins. At the moment, I'm not sure what to think. I'm not sure of a lot of things. I don't know if a lot of what he believes he's going to accomplish ever will really get done. Sometimes uh, wanting to do things and actually getting them done because you need cooperation from other branches of government to you can run into a lot of roadblocks for a lot of reasons. Sometimes you can have big ideas and they can't go anywhere. Sometimes what you think is a great idea in theory will fail in implement- implementation. So we'll have to see. Well, this has been a long show. I am tired. I'm going to sleep. Didn't expect it to be this long because I didn't expect Lyman to be on as long as he was or on at all. Remember, we won't have a show on March 8th. We may have it on March 7th. We may have it on March 9th. We may even have it on March 10th. But we're going to have a show possibly next week, but not even for sure. There may be no show. Obviously, how things go. 
Check twitter.com slash pokerfraudalert to find out what's going to happen for next week's show. But just don't clear your Wednesday, March 8th, because we won't be on Wednesday, March 8th. I can tell you that'll be one day we're not doing it. I want to thank Calwatt and Trader Ruski for co-hosting during their time here. Trader Ruski kind of just vanished. He must have fallen asleep. Uh, maybe you like this show. Maybe you didn't. It probably deter- Probably depends upon whether you could stand listening to Lyman. But I hope you enjoyed the non-Lyman content. The six updated stories I presented you with. Just sitting here listening to the music. The show's almost over. You know, I've been listening to the Call to Listen line and those random reruns, and I hear some shows from back in 2012, and I go, wow. It's five years ago. Today is March 2nd, 2017. On March 2nd, 2012, Poker Fraud Alert started exactly five years ago. It's fitting that this show finishes exactly on our five-year anniversary. Thank you, everybody, for your support of this site. Text me, 775-372-8355. Anytime, I'll be happy to hear from you. Good night, and shalom.